Welcome to the GCW Plants Podcast, episode 50. John, we have made it 50 shows. How are you Woo! doing tonight? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic, man. Another one from the carousel room at the showboat here. We're back at Atlantic City in our home base. What's most important is we're still alive. We're back at it. So expect some activity this coming week. Thank you so much for your patience. We appreciate all, uh, like every moment we can share together. We had listeners contact us. We had words of encouragement from others. Thank you so much. And I'm going to throw it back to you. How you doing, man? Doing good. And as you said, uh, yeah, having a couple of listeners reach out and like, hey, when's the next episode coming out? Uh, was very motivating to kind of, as you said, kick us out of our funk that we've been in. Uh, I was busy with work stuff and a little bit of uh, little illness as well. And you, I know, had a Sick as a fucking dog. <laughs> had an illness going on as well. But like you said, we're getting there good enough to record again. Get back up because we are have a, quite a few shows to catch up on. And as we always do, we will catch up on it and stuff like that. So uh, but other than that, doing good, doing very good. Yeah. So I'll just go ahead and announce it now for anybody who hasn't seen how long this episode is. Settle in. This is going to be a very thick episode. This was a little over, I think, four hours, or it was in the four-hour range, if I'm correct. So we have a lot to talk about, and like I said, we're back. So it's a lot of catching up that we're going to be able to do here because we try not to talk with each other about GCW sometimes because that we were just talking about this off-camera <laughs> where we negate ourselves from saying what we just said. Oh, well, I talked to you on Wednesday about it. I talked to you on Tuesday. So it keeps everything fresh and it's a hell of a lot easier to listen to, I think. And you get so, our authentic reactions to uh, whatever we're saying to each other because it's the first time we're saying it to each other. Right. So I'm going to go ahead and hit you with something just for fun since it's nice and early. Oh, it's early, so, huh? Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's early in the episode. So the average crowd age of gcw we've been to a couple shows we've seen it on tv what do you think the average crowd age is for gcw right now i would say oh most of the ones we see i'd probably say 30 nice safe number. about 30 yeah see and i'd say upwards of about 35 yeah 30 to 35 yeah it depends because like most of the people that i see younger there like have no idea what gcw is like those are the people when i see the la shows usually like they're just with a bunch of people they look under 25 and they're just there at a wrestling show not really knowing who anybody is or what's going on but as you said i think the older uh, older people like us um that we kind of know of gcw kind of like the history of it as you said um we know what's going on i think those people that are more into what the product, they know what's going on. I think they're typically usually around closer to our age than uh, than the twenty five yeah. that are, or the twenty five year olds or whatever age that shows up to the shows. So I'm going to talk about the higher end of that average for a while. I think the higher end of that average of fans are definitely leftover ECW fans yep. who are appreciating what GCW is doing currently. And I think that's definitely something that GCW has in their pocket when it comes to selling their promotion is the fact that hey did you love this you're gonna absolutely love this and they don't have to say it you can just see it you can feel it and we are going to be covering gcw's holy smokes today from the carousel ballroom uh carousel room at the showboat in atlantic city new jersey um and uh, yeah it's funny i know i'm going to skip ahead a little bit before your pre-show remarks but like just right away, I think the we both had the same notes that the crowd was hot that night. Yes. The AC crowd came through, as they always do, and it made that the show to me a lot more enjoyable because the fans are just 
into it and that just raises the stakes for all the matches and gets uh, me more emotionally involved and uh, invested in the show as well. But I know you have uh, some pre-show remarks before we get into the action. Yeah, just a couple of them. Basically, again, I was looking forward to this show. We're looking at four hours long. We have a stacked card. It started hot with all four men. And I'm sorry, all six men in the ring. Drew Parker's last death match in the U.S. That was just a huge deal. And I wanted to watch it live because it's real easy to see things taped. But live is a whole other deal. Yeah. Do you do we know what's kind of going on with that? Because I was kind of like, I get maybe he's just tired of doing it. Maybe he has like other promotions he's thinking of working with in Japan that aren't really the deathmatch stuff. But I was kind of shocked because he's I mean, he is at the top of the game, in my opinion, for deathmatch wrestlers, especially more so overseas that uh, than he shows out here in the States. But. I was kind of shocked when they announced like this was going to be his last death match. And um, I even wrote on the GCW Patreon podcast or on their pay- their mailbag that they have for the podcast that they haven't done yet. But I wrote like, hey, is this mean like he's done with GCW or is he done just wrestling death matches in GCW? Because that's like my big question is it made it feel like a lot of the fans and a lot of the other wrestlers that were writing after this show, it seemed like that was like the end of Drew Parker in GCW, which... I really, really hope that's not the case because uh, as the next show that we cover, um, Ransom, that happened in the AC as well, that we were supposed to get Drew Parker versus Speedball, and that's been one of my dream matches for a long time, mm-hmm. seeing those two mm-hmm. go at it, against, at it against each other. And unfortunately, like Drew Parker suffered an injury, and I just wonder if we're ever going to get that Speedball versus Drew Parker match again or if we're going to see Drew Parker ever again after holy smokes in gcw i didn't know like if you saw like maybe any uh information that i might have missed like on twitter or something like that so the only thing i can do is take it by what they've said and the only thing they've really said that they've ex- that they haven't really expanded on they just said it's his last death match in the u.s i'm not gonna try to go any further because i'm not 100 percent sure i'm hoping it's not his last match and i think they maybe would say something if this is his last match at gcw or if this was you know I don't know. Um, and the way he was fair, though, oh, I would say they probably would say this is his last match in the U.S. with GCW just to sell tickets. Yeah, because that's what's making me question just the finality of GCW in general, because the way I know we're jumping way ahead. I'm jumping the main event here, but no. um, it was a good talking point. I had a lot of talking points on this whole situation and um just the way he even like embraced the crowd and like in the ring, you could tell he was like emotional and fighting back tears and stuff like that. It made me feel like it was like his last GCW match. And I really hope that's not the case because I, my first time I saw him, it wasn't a death match, but he did like only like two things that were really death match, uh, typical. The rest mm-hmm. of the t- his time in the match was like a regular wrestler. And he's like, that's where I maybe fought. Like I said, my first time saw seeing him wasn't even the death match stuff that got me to, really start rooting for him and stuff is the stuff that he's a talented, just straight in ring worker without the deathmatch fuckery and stuff right. like that. So I'm, I'm thinking chances are, um, I'm thinking he was abruptly somewhere. He just decided it's time to stop. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with how or why, but I say abrupt because it looks like he's finishing up dates. If it was somebody who had planned it out, I think it would have been planned out a little differently, maybe stretched it out somewhere because we didn't hear it was his last death match until the last like two you know, days. I think it was two long. days prior. Yeah. So there was something that had happened there. And if I were in his shoes, I'd consider just how long can I do this before a big accident does happen? 
Also, what's left for him to do? I'm yeah. going to read off his accolades uh, later on when it comes to the main event. And it's just bam, 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 one after the other. You know, he's at the top of the deathmatch food chain, which means, I mean, what's he's only going to have to be on the cutting edge of the deathmatch scene. I mean, where else are you really going to go? And again, he's almost done it all at 25. What really is there left but to possibly get injured worse? True. Like that, and. The, with such skill why exactly that's why i'm like okay i'm all for if he's like just done the deathmatch wrestling but he's still gonna do uh like regular wrestling in gcw or wherever he decides to wrestle that's like my my main hope for that situation because like i said he's talented enough to still have a great career outside of deathmatch wrestling and i hope he uh that's kind of where he's going for selfishly that's what i hope for obviously whatever decision he makes is best for him but I just think he still has a lot of stuff to still accomplish in wrestling outside of deathmatch stuff. As you said, there's a lot of accolades to go over later on of, of everything he's done. Yeah, there are lists of wrestlers that I know that if they said, hey, I'm going to give up death matches and go over to regular wrestling, some of them would be like, hey, uh, you know, honestly, um, I got thrown off for a second sorry, there. I was sorry. looking at a little. No, 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 no. Um, hold on here. I, this is embarrassing, but put me back on track. Fuck it. Let's talk. No, Drew Parker, like about? how he's okay. talented enough as a wrestler to not to carry yeah, a career without death matches. Yeah, because there's quite a few others that honestly, in my mind, that could not do yeah. that. And I'm bittersweet. I'm still looking forward to what he has to come. I'm assuming there's more there. Yeah, I, I hope so, too, because like I said, the speedball match that there was supposed to happen the next night and they had to cancel because of. Uh, an injury that happened during this match. I guess, and that's another thing, too. We can talk later during that match because I didn't see any where he could have possibly gotten injured. But that's still one match I really, really want to see in a GCW ring with no... Oh, yeah. Nothing attached to them. They could just go freely and go balls to the wall in a regular fast-paced matchup that I think they would have. But hopefully uh, all's well for Drew Parker. And we do get to see him in a GCW ring. And we, like I said, we'll cover his uh, last death match here as it is the main event of the GCW Holy Smokes show. And we will go right into the action because you said we have a lot of it. It was a close to a four-hour show. The first match is a scramble match as the competitors were Jimmy Lloyd, Gringo Loco, Shane Mercer, Grim Reefer, Carlos Romo, and Alec Price. And yeah, your first note is the same thing as mine. That crowd was yes. hot. Right away, it felt like, and seeing how, how many people were there, I started thinking of homecoming with Cardona. It looked packed just like how that show was, and the crowd was yeah. just as on fire this night as it was that night for Cardona versus Gage, and that already got me super hyped for the, how the show was going to be, and this was, what, 10 seconds in, just seeing the crowd mm -hmm. and hearing it, I was super excited for the way the night would turn out, and uh, as we get later on into the matches later on, this show was fantastic. I absolutely loved this show. I think it was one of the better shows they've, they've done Uh this year, at least, and I know it's a short year, but it was a tough one at the top already because there was a lot of great action and uh, started off hot, just like this uh, six-way scramble, a lot of crazy action going on. And for me, it was kind of nice seeing uh, Jimmy Lloyd back in there. And I'm kind of hoping I was, uh, was kind of having a little back and not a little back and forth, but like with Screwball online and like he's like, yeah, one person we want to see win is Jimmy Lloyd. I'm like, thank you. We've been calling for that mm -hmm. for a couple of shows here lately that Jimmy Lloyd needs to get back into uh, the scene a little bit more predominantly in GCW. What was your thoughts on this match? Okay, so my thoughts right off the bat, quality shows back to back. 
between this one and LA. Yeah. You have to be satisfied as a fan. And these would be two great shows to watch as a beginner. There was a great spot with the Mercer uh, pop-up power slam on Reefer. I always love to mention that move because he always makes it look so good. And Reefer, being who he is, made it look <laughs> even better the way he got it there. Uh, long story short, so so Gringo's shining tonight. I wanted to really mention that he's really he's ready to be elevated in my book. I don't know what you're thinking on that one. I'm going to kind of throw it back to you for a minute there. But this seemed to be Gringo's scramble. Yes, I agree. I think I'm still actually surprised at not doing more one-on-one stuff to kind of lead up to his show at the Collective with the World Collective. Mm-hmm. I know they just announced his match recently, too, I think, after the show. Um, he will be wrestling on the World of Lucha against Psycho Clown. They're going to run that back and have a rematch as oh, they did yeah. last year, which I'm all for because that was like that was the best Gringo Loco I seen last year when uh, he went to the show in Texas and had no his gear was got lost in the I think the airport or something like that and he came out with like pretty much street clothes and he came out pissed off and had a new heat we had a heel Gringo and he just went crazy and I loved like the just the visual with all the blood on his face and everything with that match with Psycho so I really do hope that this. Uh, is a kind of a jumping off point for Gringo because as we've said before, we now that they introduced the JCW title, um, that's an I think that's a more realistic title for Gringo to hold in GCW, and I'm that's another reason I think we're both kind of glad they introduced this belt because it gives people like all these other than Jimmy Lloyd and like Shane Mercer in this match, like you're not going to see Alec Price, Gringo Loco, Carlos Romo, or Grim Reefer in a death match, so this gives them something else to. Uh, chase after and these matches now these scramble matches mean a little bit more because a victory in one of these might bump them up closer to uh going after the jcw title and i think that that belt as we've seen in person i think that would look uh good on gringo i don't think at the moment i still want jordan to kind of have a nice little run with it to kind of solidify and bring uh some prominence to the belt before he loses it first but gringo loco is definitely uh up there i think to challenge jordan for that belt scramble title i yeah, uh, yeah, I, I middleweight championship, some yeah. sort. That's what, like I said, like I originally wanted the scramble belt, but I get the whole saying of we don't want to label a scramble wrestler, but right. I do. Gringo v. Deppen, Gringo v. Deppen for the championship perfect, yep. right now. Uh, they're they're not similar, but they're you know. No, I would actually definitely like to see those two veterans go at it because it's kind of like we say Bailey could come in. Yeah, Bailey's the one I think should be right up there too. Perfect division for him. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I would kind of like to see Gringo and Tony go at it too. Like we call Tony Depp and the gatekeeper. I think Gringo Loco is the gatekeeper for the luchas and the scramble matches. He's like kind of the involved in almost all the big spots. So I definitely think Gringo could, uh, chase after the JCW title, but it was nice kind of seeing Carlos Romo in this, uh, this match as well. Cause, um, last time we saw him, I wasn't too thrilled. It kind of, kind of seemed lack, lackadaisical, seemed like he was kind of trying to get oh, the crowd behind now him. Now I remember he was trying to get the crowd yeah. behind him a little bit too much. At the, it was at that place that like, that ended up being like a phenomenal show that we said that had no reason to be a phenomenal show for 50 people. Yes. That, that was the one with uh, Shane. Uh, no. Okay. So yeah, John Romo Murdock fell and, flat. Yeah. I hardly ever say anything bad. I remember that show now. Romo fell so flat that I had to go away from my not say anything negative thing because it was hard to not review the match without, you know, that was just how it went. This was better for him, but yeah, way better than the first match. Um, That's where I was going. Okay, yeah. Honestly, 
two and a half minutes in, I just wanted to mention Reefer lit up. So <laughs> there were huge chance. And he offered it to Carlos. This was, all, you know, Carlos's time to get back in with the GCW fans. He did not <laughs> like it. Carlos, this Carlos specifically is not cool. We need to talk about that at some point, but he is not the kind of Carlos that we need in our GCW. I do think he improved a lot better. Like this was a way better outing than, yes. as you said, yeah. the last time we saw him. And that's what I was kind of leading up to is nice seeing him back. And it seemed more of the Carlos Romo we saw before this uh, in GCW because he'd been at GCW a couple times, just not as often as uh, a lot of these other wrestlers that wrestle for GCW. But um, based off his last time in GCW, this one was a way better spot. And after tonight, at least I was able to, uh, kind of justify maybe seeing him back in another scramble match the next night or at least a one-on-one match uh, soon in GCW because he did show off, uh, have a better performance this time than last time. And Reefer did really shine in this match a lot. I was really surprised. to get About three minutes worth uh, for him out of the seven-minute match, which was really kind of short. Uh, but again, he looks really good in blue, and he's a total East Coaster, and the East Coast fans just absolutely love him. The uh, five-minute mark in this match, everyone's just hitting high spots. Left and right, signature moves are flying everywhere. Alec Price was our heel tonight, but there was just so much going on that there was too much to write down. I couldn't keep up. You need to go watch this. It was just, if you like high-impact moves, watch minutes five through seven. You're going to be very, very satisfied. But uh, look for the spot where Mercer threw Alec Price and he turns it into a destroyer on Romo. It's it's a beautiful spot. That's it's worth great. checking out. It's around the four minute mark. But um, that's all the notes I really could take on this one, because, again, there was so much going on that I would have had to have paused type, pause type, pause. Type, you know, it's just it was way too damn much. <laughs> yeah, but, funny. Uh, the, no, Go ahead funny. there. You said Alec Price. I'm out of practice. Heel. I know, right? It's been a while. I, I feel out of practice. <laughs> uh, it's funny you say that Alec Price is the heel. Like, in-ring work, yes, he's absolutely heel. But the crowd, man, he just has the crowd. Mm-hmm. return for him. And it's just... I. He was uh, getting chance. Oh, my God, yeah. he's I As you said, Gringo, you thought this was like Gringo's mat, uh, night. And um, I, 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 I he did win, so I'll skip to the winner. He is the winner, and... Um, he he won the scramble, but I was I thought this was a showcase for Alec Price as well. And obviously the next night scramble, uh, Alec Price goes off again, and I just think Alec Price has becoming up there with one of these people that I think we're going to be losing here soon to uh, a bigger company possibly because he's just on a roll and improving each and every time we see him. And even though he's wants the crowd to uh to boo him and he wants to act heelish to, in the ring. He's just so good Mm. where the crowd can't deny and can't resist on cheering for him because he is that damn good in the ring. And I'm glad to see it because he has been on a on a tremendous role as of late. So, um, you know what? I do have a question for you. I'm not going to hit you now on it. It has to do possibly with Alec Price. Okay. you want to hit it now or do you want to talk about it? Might as well hit it now since we're talking about it it. now. Okay. so who is the next member of the MDK gang if there is to be one? I think Alec Price would be an interesting choice because he's up and coming. But who do you have? Oh, that's a tough one. 
I'm I jump to somebody that could do death matches. I just I would have never picked Maki, and it just happened right, like that, perfect. and it works. Oh uh, yeah, it perfectly works with the Maki death kill. I, I do I do like how every every time they interact with each other, it's been entertaining, um, for sure. Maybe they need a maybe since they have an M for Maki, maybe they need a D wrestler now, and they need a K wrestler. It'd be M D. Yeah. And K. Whole shit. Let's see who's a D. Oh, oh I couldn't. I, I couldn't. One name I'm thinking of, but I don't know if we should be saying that name on a GCW show. Oh <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I just I'm yeah, I don't to know think of who. I, I, see, I'm trying it's to stumper. One pops in my head, and I just at this point no, because the way she's been kind of acting in the ring lately, Sawyer Wreck is what someone that comes to my mind. I don't know, just uh-huh. the hardcore stuff and having like the not give a fuck attitude, but some of the stuff that we've seen her do with. These matches, I don't think it kind of leans in with the whole murder, death, kill uh, moniker that goes with being a part of Nick Gage's gang. So I don't know. Like I could kind of see it by stylistically and looks of it, she would fit in. But realistically, I don't mm-hmm. know how much. That, that's a tough one. See, now I would not put her in based on the fact that we already have Maki as the female. That's yeah. That's another thing. So if anything, about. I'd bring in two more males. So you'd have two males, a female, and the leader would be Nick. Hmm. So, I mean, Jordan Oliver, but he doesn't have that, that attitude. Like, yeah, you know, I didn't think Maki did either, but she's got it. She plays the part. Yeah, but well. they, I was just about to say, I think she plays off of it very well, <laughs> which is why I think I, a lot of people enjoy her time out here in the States because she's not the typical, like she can go in the ring, but she adds a little like the Josie style with like the facial reactions and the comedy and stuff like that. I think that's what's kind of gotten her way over with the crowd and it's kind of like the complete opposite of everything nick gage <laughs> represents with his gang and she's just coming in it's like no see i'm redoing this here we're gonna do it the maki death kill way and this is how we're gonna do it um it would it would create a direction for cole cole radrick could go if he goes pure death match and he the, would have to go nothing but the bloody buddy fucking yeah. death match guy and that fits in too, to because they have a history with those two like he you could say he earned his spot in the gang by what three years ago. Nick Gage knocked him out unconscious, so he uh, he's he sent the message to Cole. Cole took it and earned his way into the gang and fought his ass off. I could see how that could play. And another one I just thought of would give him a little sense of purpose was another competitor in this match is Shane Mercer. Oh fuck! You had my other Shane, one too. I that was Shane, gonna be the muscle. Yeah, that's why I was gonna say a little muscle in the group, and he could he's definitely could just. Go do the death matches as we've seen, and he goes all in with it as well. So that's another one I think could fit in, and it would give him a. I think it would because like now he's just the Iron Demon, but he's kind of by himself, and I hate to say it, being put in these scramble matches. I really I want to see more from Shane Mercer, uh, especially as a singles competitor. Um, I guess we do see the next night um, a little bit more from 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 Shane in that sense of the uh, matter. And I took a lot of notes on that match because I think Shane really stepped up. Um, at the next show that they did. But yeah, I think Shane would be a perfect fit for Nick Gage's game. It'd be yeah. kind of like the the protector of Nick Gage, <laughs> even though Nick Gage don't need it. It doesn't want one. Now, instead of one, we could go with two. And I would put Los Macisos in there yeah. with Nick Gage's MDK gang, because boy, would that be a weird mix. But at the <laughs> same time, boy, would you know exactly what they're together for? Yeah, for That'd sure. Be just cause cause damage. That, I don't know. Vikingo would be an interesting one just because Vikingo in anything is good. <laughs> it's like it's like bacon. Like just putting bacon in anything is good. So 
Well, I got an early uh, Christmas present today as AEW announced Kenny Omega versus Vikingo on Wednesday night on Dynamite. Oh, no, a lot of people are dude, saying like that. So much money on the table. And it's out of all places, like in Missouri, like they're not going to know who he is. Like that was my big well, issue. you it's know like, how it is. Yeah. I, yeah, never I mean, know, the AEW but... crowd is, as you said, I think they're okay. the older crowd, like how we are, and we're more knowledgeable yeah. of the product and stuff like that. And they know kind of what's going on, obviously, outside of AEW as well. And they might be a little bit more prepared for it than I think um, WWE fans would be. But when oh, they yeah, yeah, when they yeah. introduced Commander, a lot of people seem to know who Commander was that night. But that was also, I believe, in California where he's rust, kind of wrestled a lot. Vikingo's yeah. never wrestled in Missouri on the top of mine, unless he's wrestled out there for like warrior wrestling. But I just thought like, yes, it's a birthday. Oh, that's present. warrior wrestling territory. That's where that's warrior wrestling territory through there, Missouri. So maybe he did wrestle yeah, Missouri yeah. for warrior wrestling. Cause I know he's done a couple spots for them as well, but I, yeah, I'm excited for that match as Kenny Omega's up there with one of my favorites, but I just didn't understand. Yeah. Free TV free dream uh-huh. match and uh-huh. in missouri i think there was a lot of misses there but as a fan i'm not going to complain because i get to see it now instead of possibly not at all because last time that's the thing nowadays like especially i think that's what kind of caused a lot of these dream matches and stuff and stories to be rushed and kind of put forward that probably would have been put off to the side is because of the pandemic you just never know what something might happen in Boom, now you can't do that match because I know this was match was supposed to happen in 2021 in AAA, but Kenny, I think, got hurt or something. He wasn't able to make that AAA show to uh, to defend the title against Vikingo. <laughs> but he can't do it. Like actually, I think me. that was right before his surgery, too. But I mean, that's it. You just never know. Like, I think on the independent. Oh, yeah, scene, he was wrestling injured. That, yeah, oh, that poor bastard. Oh, yeah, he was wrestling he, injured for. <laughs> No, All he's over. one of the tougher motherfuckers out there. I'll give it to him, man. He His engine runs hard. Watch his match close up. Like, look at the impact. He'll throw himself into a corner and shit. Oh, yeah. It's just, wow. Like, he knows that style will not last him and him's his body long term at all and that's why i and, think he left new japan where he wants to do that every once in a while but he doesn't want to do it on a nightly basis and then i'll just throw this in here too but you figure Cornette would not be on kenny omega as much because kenny omega is trying to make quite a bit of it look real not all of it but when there's impacts he makes those punches look real he makes those kicks look real as he can like i said he's throwing himself on the in the corner he makes it look like someone threw him in the damn corner. Yeah. I don't know. So I'm at least then glad again, to see this match, though. But I just think, but, as you said, there's no. a lot of money being not being uh-huh. made that could be made. Yeah. What are you going to do? Just have a rematch on the next pay-per-view? I'm do a best of three? <laughs> like, what do you, you know, what do you yeah, do yeah. at that point? And That's- I'm kind of shocked they haven't asked Commander to come back. Actually, I was just talking to my wife about that, too, because like right before we started the podcast is when I saw that Omega versus Vikingo, and I said, like, I don't think Vikingo, like they might be keeping Vikingo, but I also said the same thing about Commander, but we haven't seen him since the latter match either. So uh, hopefully Vikingo's able to still do GCW and other independent shows while hopefully he's showing up on AEW a little bit more than this one-off match. So right now it seems like he is still being announced in some areas. I think he was just recently announced for Orlando. Nice. Not 100%, but... Um... It seems like he is taking bookings, and I was hoping that we didn't see the last two yeah. shows with him. Um, uh, don't discount, and I'll tell you this because I was one of them, don't discount boredom in the middle of the country because there's not much to do. They end up watching wrestling on the internet. Yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> I'm one of them. That's how that's how tape trading started. Was basically for me. I was just bored as shit. I had worn out all the tapes I had, which weren't many because I didn't have a lot of money. So, um, yeah, you'd be surprised. A lot of your hardcore fans are in the middle of the country because that's all there is to do. I mean, when your town shuts down at 8 p.m. It's see, next time MLJ, I see him. I know he sells those uh his little mystery DVD packs. I think next time I'm gonna bring yeah. like about ten dollars and get a couple couple of them because I you don't know what's on them and I, I I know I like the same wrestle as MLJ and that's the one I would like to kind of check out what kind of old school hopefully it's old school uh DVD that he has that he's trying to sell for the fans for a couple bucks but it's part of his own personal collection and I think that I would very much enjoy that because as you said when I'm bored too I go to watch wrestling as well yeah I mean that's how I ended up learning about quite a few of these independent companies was the fact that they were kind of out there on some of these pirate sites where you could watch some of it for free. And man, I was glued. <laughs> now, some of these companies, the minute I started seeing CZW, PWG, like I was just glued. I felt like a rebel fucking watching it on like some free site somewhere, <laughs> fucking crash every two and a half minutes. But you know, I'm seeing the show and mm -hmm. I'd sit there and watch it on some grainy shit that's maybe like 144p, like it's the worst <laughs> fucking shit. But um i loved it and that's what made me a fan and and yeah i really hope that over time more fans do come to it that kind of branches back to us talking about how the uh average age is probably in the mid 30s or whatnot the future of any company in wrestling is in the the youth so i would like to see somehow at some point how they're going to gain those teenage boy fans that ecw had and see, I'm a teacher too, and I've kind of noticed that this year. This year, I actually, just kind of been paying attention to see if I had, because the school I'm at now, a lot of kids do like WWE, but no one's ever heard of AEW, which is kind of shocking to me. Like it's been around really three years now, and it's on TNT, which is free cable TV. But yeah, I've asked the students, like they'll bring up like John Cena or something like that, and I'll be like, oh, you guys ever heard of AEW? Like, what's that? I'm like, never mind. Just stop the conversation Bro. there because like you got to show some GCW and oh, tell yeah, him you're it. just watching gymnastics. I'll do my own wrestling club with GCW. <laughs> hey, you know what? You probably could do a wrestling club. How many other schools have really done one so far? You don't know, right? Oh, I have no Might idea. get a little attention. Like that one that, that Tyler Perry, I thought Tyler Perry, um, Wolf, I think his name's Wallflower Perry on uh, Titus. No, no, the guy that's actually doing, um, the wrestling club that's kind of blew up this year has kind of got a lot of oh jeez now i feel awful i thought you were talking about a wrestler oh no 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 he's a fan but like he's also like he's a i think he's a high school teacher or middle school teacher and he Hell has yeah, like a dude. wrestling club and it's kind of took off but it's got a lot of national attention because of the reactions that he's showing with these kids with wrestling and it's kind of grown the wrestling club's gotten bigger and bigger i always like the first time i saw it though i thought that was such a great idea to do and i'm glad someone else is doing it uh, successfully as well yeah, I'll talk about this just for a second because we'll revisit this just for a moment. You know, in, in school, the wrestling fans aren't always the coolest kids. So I think it's a great idea to start a wrestling club in these schools because then these kids that do like it can get together and find friends. And be themselves. And that's he's, He tweeted yes. that today. He said, like, hey, like one thing I've noticed with this wrestling club is these kids that exactly what you said, they don't they feel like kind of outcast out in the regular school stuff. But he's going to this wrestling club it gives them all a safe space to just be themselves and enjoy something that they all enjoy and learn more about it and i think that's what the number one cool part about the whole wrestling club is making us creating a safe space for 
those people to still enjoy the stuff that they want to enjoy and be themselves in front of others. And he's created that atmosphere and it's so awesome seeing. So I'm kind of curious on how he picks his matches because every time I see a highlight video, he always has an awesome match on and the kids are just loving it every time. So that's one of those things where I wonder if we can maybe get a hold of him and be like, Hey, when did you start it? How did you start it? He did say he wouldn't mind coming on the podcast to talk. Like he, he was one of those ones early on where when we, when I, I think it was even before you hopped on, I was, I was talking to him about, Hey, like I just sent him a message like, Hey, it's so cool what you're doing. I'm a fellow teacher. I would like to do, like, I've always had that idea and I'm glad to see someone doing it and I'm glad you're doing it successfully. And like, yeah, he followed me on Twitter and like we were talking and like, he's like, Oh, like I see you have a podcast and I know like GCW stuff. I wouldn't mind coming on there and just kind of shooting the, shooting the breeze with you guys. I'm like, Oh, okay. So, That's yeah, so cool. maybe down the line, we could get him on to kind of explain one of all. all these other interviews yeah. that we have possible that we need to just finish and, and roll on here soon. I think once we get all caught up uh, and we're on like a little on, get the audio yeah. in order, get everything in order to where we're happy and just bang it the fuck out. Yeah, there's a lot of it's fun people I do want to talk to that want to, that said they want to be on the podcast for sure. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> um. So I'll, I'll wheel us back in here for a minute. Our winner ended up being Gringo Loco in the six-way scramble. Um, will we see a Gringo Loco championship run? I am not sure, but every match he has been in has been quality. If he's not ready now, I think he's well on his way. I do think Loco is on the rise. Yes, and I, I think JCW title would be kind of perfect right now, or maybe even the extreme title. Because he could defend that in the scrambles as well and still have incredible matches without getting too extreme. But as we saw last year, he has no problem getting extreme as he showed with Gringo, or not Gringo, look with a psycho clown last year. Well, I was going to say maybe people like Gringo Loco, Alec Price, they might be going after this JCW title. And I think that I think possibly makes sense. But when you look at who the title is being defended against, which of course is defining the title. He's not, he's going against some heavyweight motherfuckers. Like Nance is no joke. Coughlin is really no joke or Coughlin. I wanted to get that right. So I even put it in my notes as Coughlin. I I was going to say Coughlin too. (laughs) Yeah. I felt horrible. I'm like, Oh my gosh. So I went back and listened quite a few times. Double check me if you need to, because I was probably watching this late night, (laughs) but um, yeah. I ended up watching piece of this live and then piece of this. I ended up watching later because I was busy at the time with family. Bob, I'm going to piggyback off of what you said. I think all these names that those names you said, Gringo, Alec Price, Tony Deppin, those would be great opponents and challengers for Jordan's belt. And it would, because of the name value that Jordan's been defending it against, as you said, it adds more credibility to the title. And that's why I kind of want Jordan to keep on, keep the title for a little bit, keep on winning against these big names. And then, kind of keep on building the prestige of this title. It's, that's always the hardest thing to do over a new title is, okay, we got this title. What's it going to be about? And Jordan's kind of showing it's going to be a GCW belt. He's going to be defended on GCW, uh, on GCW shows. And the matches is he could have a crazy match against Mancer with uh, all the extremeness going on around that. And this night we see just a straight one-on-one. And I know this next match we'll talk about, but it's a straight one-on-one match with Alex Coughlin and, um, and it seems like they're going to be kind of flexible with the rules as well. But I saw something tonight. I'll, I don't, I will talk about that. But anyway, I do think the names that can <laughs> challenge Jordan for the belt to help raise the prestige and help also Jordan as well, 
as a champion and kind of raise his name value. I think there's a long line of people that could do that, that haven't had title shots in GCW, which would also make those matchups way more fun as it would be first time challengers for any belt. And they get to do it against uh, Jordan for the JCW title. So I think the future of the JCW title is actually way more interesting than I originally thought, because I thought it was going to be just a JCW belt on JCW shows, but I'm very glad it's not that case. I love again how Jordan Oliver's taken it seriously too. He's changed the way he looks. Mm-hmm. He's just made sure that he is an example. I like how he says, I got out there and I worked my fucking ass off, and that's how I achieve things. I love things like that. It's positive. So and again, oh go ahead. No, 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 you go. Oh, I was just gonna say, um, I think I said it on the last one too, but he's talking about positive things without it sounding cheesy. And sometimes the cheesy part is why people go, ah, whatever, huh? He's like, no, I went out there and I busted my fucking ass. Look at me. Look what I'm doing. Look what I've achieved. And I'm not done yet. I, I like that. It's just driven. That's now, the word I'm looking for is driven. So I'm going to, I don't know if that's where you, where you, is that you talking about the promo he made at the JCW show uh, during this weekend or no? Um, or just like, that's a good Okay, because I, I, I think it was, well, I don't know, it wasn't the LA show. These shows start to really yeah. kind of mix in my head because it's been a little while. Because so, I have a note here, and uh, we'll talk about it now because it leads into the next match. So the next match of the night is Jordan Oliver defending the JCW title against Alec Hoglin from New Japan Wrestling. Um, but before I we were going to go into this match, I did take a note on that weekend. I think it was the next day he had uh, they had a JCW show before... Um, GCW's um, ransom, I believe it was, and Jordan mm-hmm. was out there with the young dumb and uh, young dumb and broke uh, the group, the faction. Um, they were all out there, and Jordan kind of cut a promo addressing the JCW fans as the JCW title holder and champion, and he kind of did a whole promo of just him recalling that these same people that are cheering his name right now in the AC were the same ones two, three years ago booing him and telling him not to not to come back and how he used that as motivation to get in better shape and get in better, uh, get in better, look better in the ring, um, do different moves, improve as a wrestler. And I think it was such an easy promo, but it was so well executed because it's honestly the truth, and I've talked about it many times on here, is how they went from booing him out of the arena to now chanting young, dumb, and broken, how he's like one of the more popular wrestlers in ac and i thought it was uh i thought it was kind of cool that that promo addressed everything that i've kind of said about him and he said it all to himself he laid it out oh. that he went from legit heat to legit love and the fan from the fans and he worked hard each and every day um and i think he's using it gr- uh good for his character because he went from a there was no like turn he went from a heel to gradually earning the fans back. And it, was, it wasn't, it was like I said, like, as you know, in wrestling, like all of a sudden they go from a face to heel real fast. Where this one's mm-hmm. been a gradual, he's earned the crowd's respect and love over time. It's all been natural. And I, I think that's so crazy to see. Like Alex Price is kind of doing it the same way as well, except that they never really booed him out like they did Jordan. But <laughs> it's been so unden- undeniable where the fans have seen the hard work and seen everything, the improvement where... He's turned himself into like a big baby face without needing that one action to kind of make him a quote unquote baby face. He's earned that stuff from the fans and the respect. And I just think it's so good for him and for the JCW title because it's like perfect timing with everything kind of coming together. And as we talked about the people challenging him, 
uh, Griffin McCoy end up stepping up and challenge like St. George. Like, yeah, you defended. You say all these names you want to defend the belt from uh, against, but you got four people right here. And he gave like Charlie, Charlie, uh, Alice or Charlie Tiger and Alice Taylor. He gave them their props of like, hey, they're doing this in independent wrestling. He's doing this in independent wrestling. I just came back and I'm doing this. Like, I should be the next one. And Griffin did the same promo that Jordan did when he first started as a heel, saying like, hey, I should be in GCW because look at my history. And Griffin used that kind of same promo onto Jordan. I thought that the whole promo was so good of telling the backstory of Jordan's history into where he is now. And same thing, elevating Griffin McCoy as the next possible challenger to uh, the JCW title and using Jordan's promo that he did way back then and flipping it on Jordan as he's now in the same spot that Jordan was years ago with the fans booing him, telling him to get the fuck out. Now Griffin's came back and he's earning the fans' respect to get over with the crowd like how Jordan did. And I just thought that whole promo he did was so cool. I wish, I really wish it was on GCW programming so that way it was more fresh in GCW fans. But a lot mm-hmm. of them go back and watch the JCW shows anyway on YouTube for free. But I just thought it was um, great promo from both competitors and jordan really being authentic and genuine with the crowd saying you guys booed me but i'm still here and now you cheer for me so like you guys see the hard work i am hopefully that reaction stays for jordan i think it will unless he goes purposely heal at some point again i told him and i've i've said it before i had a chance to talk with him and i told him the minute you bring your ego into that character that's when that character is going to fall apart the, the big thing with you, with you is going to be your honesty and your hard work. And the minute you have a compromise of your character, you're going to be done for. Just your your character it gets cracked and breached by something negative. People are not going to believe in it as much anymore. Please, if you can, don't do that. <laughs> and, you know, who knows if he listens, but I'll tell you, he does work hard at working hard. So Yeah, I just, I just love that whole promo. I was just so mad it was... I mean, I guess it was perfect for JCW. You want the champion to address the fans as the first time they had a JCW show and he's the champion. So I guess it makes sense, but I really wish it was on GCW programming to kind of give the GCW fans that are just watching those shows and not JCW the full understanding of what Jordan literally has gone through since day one he's been in GCW. So I'm not going to lie. This was an 18-minute match here. So there was a lot going down. I'm going to go ahead and probably go through a little play by play here. And again, as I'm feeling and getting better, if I trip a little, which I've noticed I have already, please forgive me here. Um, Coughlin, this was his GCW debut. He was part of Josh Barnett's blood sport a few times. I love the entrance. He's from the NJPW LA dojo. You can really tell when he steps in the ring, when he starts to perform. He's head and shoulders above some of the other performers in GCW. He's a guy who you can see has really worked on his fundamentals, and he's a more complete character because of it. That's Japan. You know, that's that's Japan working in him, and I think it's fantastic. There was a handshake that went down from the beginning. Coglin picks up Jordan out of a deadlift. He's fucking strong. He reminds me of a 1930s strongman with the look that he has. Alex was in control the first four and a half minutes. He was showing off also by posing in the corner after different shoulder tackles and whatnot. Coughlin's storytelling style is slow and paced. It's totally NJPW. It's almost strong style. I don't know if you noticed that. Like, he almost has a strong style. Everything he does has an impact to it. Yeah. And Jordan was working with him. Yeah. And he definitely uses, like, the. it was another stylistic matchup that, 
doesn't really favor Jordan, uh, like how Mance Warner did it, but I think that's just showing the depth and how much Jordan is able to adapt to the situation uh, to defend this title. And as you said, Alex Alex Coughlin uh, definitely looks a lot smoother than some of the GCW roster, but I think that's just being in the LA dojo for that's training living in the LA dojo for months and months and months. It's just something that it just obviously became second nature to Coglin. And I think he was, he's representing the dojo in a very great way right now. And I've seen how dojos work. I saw uh kill bill. I think it was kill bill one. You eat only rice and every now and then you'll get chicken broth and you have to learn the one inch punch. That's what I think I learned from. So dojos are rough shit. And if Coughlin went through a dojo like that, that is crazy. I would love to see his ninja skills. Okay, I'm being a fucking re- <laughs> just just a moron now. So, but um, you know, right around the five minute mark, Jordan got in some real offense. He had a fantastic looking tope onto Coughlin. Minute six, and Jordan is in a succession of holds by Coughlin in the middle of the ring. Almost halfway through the match, and Coughlin looked superior. A huge uphill battle for Oliver. Minute nine, and Coglin is finally down after a Jordan acid kick, which I love Jordan's acid kick. It always looks so damn good. Minute 12 and a half, Coglin takes over again. There's a nice squat during the fireman's carry with Oliver on his back. It looked impressive. Minute 14, and Coglin has really tested Oliver as a competitor. Normally, I'd say that Coglin is winning it all. At 14 and a half, Coglin goes for a fireman's carry and he has too much back pain. He was selling some of the injuries that he had sustained during the match. Jordan also shows a shoulder injury and some of the moves he's trying to do can't be performed. Minute 15, there's a chop fest. It was really fun watching the sweat fly off of these two. There were brutal chops and fists for like a solid minute. Jordan finally falls in the end of that minute. He does finally come back, though, at the 16 and a half minute mark with a Cleopatra. Minute 17 and a half, Coughlin catches Oliver. Fireman's carry into a suplex into a short arm scissors. It was a fantastic looking set of moves. Minute 18, we're back at the chops again. Oliver super kicked into a crab, and that puts us in our ending where Jordan Oliver put on the crab lock, and that's where we had our finish. Our winner, Jordan Oliver, and I believe that was, what did I say? 18 minutes and 11 seconds. That was a real championship defense match. Yeah, it was like you said, I think that uphill battle was a great wording of it because, um, as you said, Coglin's strength just seemed to be way overpowering and his, obviously, technique from the dojo and the toughness mm-hmm. that he's got there obviously kind of put him in a little bit uh, at an advantage so, to Jordan. But I really liked how Coglin used his size advantage throughout this whole match and... Like the early on when they kind of uh, right away, Jordan did like the side headlock and Coglin just put his hands on his waist and like kind of watch this guys and look at my neck strength and lifted Jordan <laughs> up with just his neck and stuff like that. Oh, that was killer. Yeah. Yeah. I think Coglin played his uh, I forgot what they called it, the cyborg uh, kind of gimmick. I really liked how he kind of used that because he's like so stoic in the ring as well. Not a lot of facial mm-hmm. expressions and his in-ring style was kind of perfect for the cyborg. And I think his size advantage to Jordan and ex- I would say experience. So I think it's just the training experience, maybe the like level of training that he got is a, a little bit better than Jordan's just because it's from the new Japan dojo. But I think that kind of, uh, they played very well with that whole thing going into the story for this match of having Jordan trying to 
overcome a lot of obstacles to uh, successfully defend the belt. And I, Jordan, once again, he plays uh, this role as the underdog very well in these matches mm-hmm. as well. Like he's, I just go back to his match with Jonathan Gresham, how Gresham kind of just toyed around with him a little bit on the ground. And then he's later on throughout the night, he's like, no, okay, I'm not the same one. Or, uh, I'm not the same person uh, as I was early in the match. I'm on to you. I got your game plan. And then he ended up going and showing uh, Jonathan Gresham some groundwork. So I do like how Jordan is adapting to his opponents and having a lot of different style matches so far. Well, it's only his second title offense, but I think just overall in general, he's uh, adapting his match styles all over the place with his matches recently in GCW. So this was actually a fairly even match. Jordan has been around for seven years professionally. And Coughlin has been around a total of five years. No kidding. That's what the dojo can do to you, man. Yeah, wow. That's I'm telling you. The ending, yeah, too, was so, great. The, the, that crab lock he got him in was mm-hmm. deep. He had him folded all the way over. Like, that was so... That was, like, really... like The whole match was great, but, like, the one really note I wrote was Jordan's... the Use the power bomb into the torture crab and how deep it was. He had Coughlin bent. And after, I think that plays in perfect because he had to go that deep to get Coglin to uh, tap out. Cause if he didn't go that deep, Coglin wasn't tapping out as we saw earlier in this match. So there was also a 30 pound difference between the two. Also uh, Jordan comes in at 176, and Coglin comes in at 205. So absolutely. You know, I want to watch a little more Coglin. I'm going to tell you, man, I'm really impressed with somebody who starts off in five years and that's where they're at already. I, uh, I think I need to see more of him and I'd like to see more of him back here. He gives me that Mercer vibe that I think he, yeah, he's a, he's a more complete Mercer. <laughs> Every time I saw him in uh, the blood sports, I always wish that like, I, I wish he would kind of catch on with GCW a little bit and do a little bit more shows. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad this was hopefully night one of what's maybe many to come because I think the crowd really enjoyed the match that Coglin did as well. And I think his style, although it's not, GCW-esque, I think it does fit in whenever there needs to be. Like, as we talk about, these shows, they go all over the place with comedy, high spots, deathmatch, championship matches, storylines, and stuff. And I think Cogman could fit right in with some of these technical wrestlers that they bring in. Like, that one match that came, comes to my mind right now is Cogman versus Gresham. I I would love to see yeah. those two just kind of have a nice technical masterpiece. Well, one, of the th- one of the people I was thinking of that it's kind of in this vein was like when we had to catch to out here, Minoru Suzuki, like there was a spot for them. There's definitely a spot for Coglin on the card somewhere. That's a name. I really, really, really want to see back in GCW's to catch to there's a, I think there's a lot of matches that could be done still. That would be fantastic for GCW with Takeshita. I have a feeling he is long gone, sir. Uh, I think, yeah, he's, yeah. I think he's made that trip uh, onward. I sadly, but, that's my feelings on yeah. that one is he's now up and up and and good for him. This is what it's like being an independent wrestling fan. I've never seen somebody, especially from outside of the United States, that doesn't speak English, that is maybe in his fifth match on TV, on national TV against Moxley, and you have the crowd chanting Takeshita way more than they were chanting for Moxley. And I think that match yeah. that he had with Moxley, I think it was on a rampage even. I think I even text him like this is this to me that was the sign of he is the next Okada, like he is so fluid, mm. and to get the crowd behind you as much as he did in that match, like I said against Moxley, who's like their number one, number two babyface, and you got the crowds chanting for a relatively unknown person, 
Uh, I just think that's this short into his A run AEW uh, run right now. I think it's incredible to see, and I think Takeshita has a very very bright future ahead of him. Oh yeah, dude, I'm behind you 100 percent on this. Okay, so back to Coglin for a minute here. To me, he wrestled like he was even 50 pounds heavier than what he was out there, you know, right now. Hosses, I would like to see them take notice of his style. I had this Mortal Kombat feeling like he's that great opponent as you're going up the mountain. And I felt like a win against Coglin was like a feather in the cap for Jordan. And I think, again, this did nothing but help solidify the importance and prestige of the JCW title. Yeah, and I think it helped out Jordan, obviously, with another big win over a New Japan uh, name. I think that's only going to help his career as well. But I, I, I agree with you. Like, that's my whole point. It was like, okay, your first boss is Mancer. Next one's Coglin. Like, next one, who knows who it's going to be. But like, I just think these these matches and how stylistically different they are, like, they're kind of like up the mountain, like not just vertically, but it's like, okay, you got to go left, and then now you got to go back right here. Instead of going extreme, you got Coglin. Like, I'd really just enjoy this title uh, run so far, even though it's only been two matches, but I really hope that's kind of how they keep on um, having Jordan defend the belts is against these little bit bigger names that have wrestled for a little bit uh, bigger companies. And Jordan just kind of, as you said, step up to the plate and – defeat the boss and i think that's just going to help out as you said the pot, the title and i think jordan as well i i'm i'm really looking forward to it. i have better hopes now than i did originally for the jcw title well that's a good way to put it um the same thing with the nick gage run it started out like uh i don't know i don't know how it's gonna go and then it turned into just nothing but a bunch of quality entertaining matches back to back and I don't want it to end. Like at first I was like, okay, God, he's champion. Okay. Let's end this real fast. Just after what we saw and have him be a transitional champion. But then his next match I was like, no, nope, okay. He's back. He's good. It's, just uh, Leo rush, you know, no big yeah. deal. Let's just a 30 minute Leo rush match. That was pretty Fuck insane. Uh, yeah. I definitely don't want Nick Gage's title run to end anytime soon as well. So I would say in this match, Oliver got the best of Coglin in the end, but he was getting the shit kicked out of him for quite a while there. I would like to see this ran back as a rematch because it was just that good. And if um, Coughlin had enough time to be over here for storyline purposes, he's one of the guys I would love to put in a storyline as the heel. I think he would be a killer heel. I think he's cut out for it. But for right now, I understand that Coughlin was a special treat for the GCW fans. And I personally, myself, and I'm sure you agree with me, I'd like to see him back again. He was great, man. Yeah, I actually would have flipped this around. I would have had his first, Jordan's first defense would have been in L.A. against Coughlin because I think Coughlin is a little bit more well-known out there with L.A. fans because New Japan does a lot oh, of Oh, jeez, yeah. California. Yeah, the then, L.A. dojo. Yep, and then have his second match against Mance Warner in the A.C., which obviously is going to be crazy anyway. I just, I, That's what I would have done, but it doesn't matter. It's been two great matches, and I'm like I said, I'm looking forward to see what's next for uh, the JCW title. It's been it's been a fun two matches, and I just like to see the different styles, and hopefully they keep that going with the JCW title. Our third matchup of the evening is a grudge match as Blake Christian goes one-on-one with Akira, who still has a lot of beef with Blake Christian after what he did to Masha Slamovich after winning the Rumble, and I'm all for these kind of matches. It has a little story behind it, and... Uh, I I've always been a fan of Akira too since I first saw him in GCW. I think 
he should be being used a lot more in these death matches. Um, in my opinion, I I think he's like perfect for to help revitalize the death matches in GCW. Not revitalize, but like I said, I think they've kind of gotten away from it just a little bit because of the locations that they've been at and him having a little story with Blake Christian, I thought was pretty cool. Cause it kind of leads up to maybe Blake Christian and Masha. If, uh, well, we're recording this t- the night of, uh, the GCW show in Toronto or no, sorry, in New York where Masha is going against Nick Gage. So I don't know what happens in that match, but I think that'd be a nice little tease. If Masha does somehow pull out the victory over Nick Gage, then you got Blake Christian as right. There's the next opponent, next opponent, which was good. But I think this was a good way to bring a back into GCW to defend, uh, Masha Slamovich, his girlfriend, and I just hope we get to see Akira a little bit more. Even though this this has not was no death matches, I hope this match leads into Akira having an, another little run with GCW in the death match scene. So my question to you is: um, Was there a video package on this one beforehand, like before the match started? It's okay to look for a minute. We're just kind of bullshitting and stuff. And uh, let me know if you do see it or not. Because, nope. okay, no. They just did the little, uh, Jordan just got out of the ring. And as they did, as he's walking to the back, they just kind of blew, put up the graphic of Blake Christian versus Akira. And then that's it. There was no video package, which I think is another small, even though they only could have done a little bit of footage with what happened at the Do or Die Rumble. I think it was still enough to make a great callback to fans that might've missed it. See, you're right on that track that I'm on right oh, okay. there. <laughs> what I was thinking of is they did have a couple video packages. Uh, um, first of all, all the video packages are absolutely lovely and they are appreciated 110%. We asked about it a long time ago and it's really um, provided some depth to GCW, the storylines, the characters. Um, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of the best way to put it here. Let me just, I've lost my train of thought again, man. But the video, the video package that could have possibly gave a preview to this match of why these two are going at it. I think it's perfect. I think what it is, is like I said, the negativity, it must have just blocked out. Like I said, God damn, man. Wow. Okay. So they did have video packages within here. If there was one that they should have had a video package for, this would have been a good one because this is the wrap up and ending of a multiple month storyline. And that would have made everybody who's watching a little more um, behind Akira. And that also would have added some importance to the match for those of us who didn't know. Yeah. Hopefully we know, we cover it, but some may not. Yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of, like I said, I'm glad they did at least bring Akira back because I, I as you said, another reason, the, the video package could have been another reason for the fans at home on Fight TV to cheer for and root for Akira heading into this match, even though I think they all saw as right away as as the fans boo Blake Christian of who to cheer for. But I think Akira is, very, is a great crowd favorite. Like his when he was as like the third wheel with Alex Colon and John Wayne Murdoch, he was getting just as many chances for his name as John Wayne Murdoch and Alex Colon was during that little feud. And I just really think whatever the reason was, they kind of dropped that momentum for Akira, but hopefully this was another way to bring him back in and get that momentum back because um, with him defending his love honor for Masha Slamovich, it told a good story to kind of get him a little bit more over and get Blake Christian more booze going into this match as well. Yeah, I think this is one of these ones where Akira was used to put over Blake as a heel. I think that's a lot of what that was. Akira came in and kicked the shit out of Blake in the earlier parts of this match. And I think that made the crowd just enjoy it even more. Um, Blake came out with booze, uh, heavy booze, about 
85% of what Cardona gets on average, I'd say. This was not love mixed with booze. This was just pure hatred booze. The, whatever he's doing now is finally working. They want to see Blake get beat up and business is good. Akira was the one to do it. Akira jumps the bell. There were huge Akira chants. He's an angry boyfriend for beating up Masha in January. He basically put her head in a chair and the crowd was cheering him crazy as he's aggressively beating on Blake. Minute one, there is uh, Akira choking Blake with streamers. Fuck you, Blake chance. Blake has been outside for almost two minutes, getting the shit kicked out of him. There's a Kira chance throughout the crowd. People are highly engaged in this match. Like they really like seeing ass beatings go down. No heart chance. Blake takes, takes control at the minute four and his strikes have extra impact tonight. Kudos to Kira for doing that. I can't deny Blake's in-ring ability and no one else should. That was a quick little note I put in there. Minute five and a half and Blake brings out a door and chairs. Blake's a bitch <laughs> chant has now went across the crowd. There was a door bridge made at minute six and a half. Akira chants as he tries to recover. Akira rallies at the seven and a half minute mark and he goes to the top rope. Blake's on the bridge and these fans are alive tonight. Minute eight and a half, Blake puts Akira through the door head first via avalanche DDT. Akira calls for uh, Akira. Wow, this is an interesting night. Akira crawls for a chair. Blake face stomps him into the chair for the win. So that leaves our winner as Blake Christian. The fans are fucking mad and I love it. Yeah, and I thought this whole match was laid out perfectly too. It gave the yeah. Akira the hot start, as you said. Um, kept out on offense, which obviously gets the crowd behind him more and gets obviously the crowd to boo Blake even more. And then when it's time, Blake does whatever he needs to do to get the advantage. And I really like the ending, how like Akira's is bringing out that chair to use. And then Blake, mm-hmm. like, Blake saw the window open and just attacked it. And I, I just loved it. Even though it was a sh- nice, quick, short match, I thought it told a great story and um, commentary did a great call as well, doing a lot of the recalls about, um, why Akira wants to beat Blake's ass so much and also kind of calling back to the history of Blake Christian and the AC crowd as well. So it's all working for Blake. If I feel like he's the heel we need right now, him and Mason are really doing some excellent work in GCW. A lot of fuck you Blake chants everywhere. And I really enjoyed that. So congrats to Blake for his success because again, it's working. And of course, Here's why it's working because Blake placed Akira's head in the chair. He basically runs and he does a running knee and he hits Akira in the side of the head while his head is stuck in the chair. Referees did come in and Blake leaves to huge asshole chance. As Blake's leaving, he asks, Where's Masha? Akira's help to the back to huge Akira chance. I think this, I'm hoping this ties up everything on this one and we move on. But I do like how Blake comes out at the end of his matches and does dirty heel shit. I, I agree. I like, as you said, that's the actions, not the words. And that's why yes. he's obviously being way more successful as we think as a heel. Um, it just makes me think of tonight's show. Like, obviously, we're not on Twitter and we're kind of avoiding everything. But I, one thing I think would be great for tonight was if he comes out and kind of like cost Masha the match and hits her in the head with the chair. And then all of a sudden, like to him, declare himself as the next challenger for Nick Gage does the same thing to Nick Gage. Cause I mean, even though he's, he's been winning all these matches still. So his momentum with the win loss records and makes sense for him to challenge Nick Gage next. And then with Masha being, 
kind of Blake Christians right now kind of foil with Akira get involved and in helping out. I just think that would be a nice little setup to for Nick Gage versus Blake Christian for the GCW title. Yeah, there's always that option where, you know, he could help her win the title because he could easily beat her than he could beat Gage. That's a, something I didn't even think about. Yeah, that's another story to go about. Oh, yeah. He could come out there and interfere in some way, and she's confused, but she's like, fuck it, I'll take the title. She goes and takes the title, and, you know, we need, we need a money in the bank. We do. We haven't that, had one of those, I think, in a long time. Since last January. That's kind of like that the brass ring. Like their now, brass was ring. that this past January no, last, or 2020? Wow. This is Hammerstein January. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that would be something worth bringing back. I mean, they used to do those. It's just another storyline. It's just another layer. Yeah. They used to do that story, like the, that match before the, the, before the last Hammerstein. I think they did it twice in a row at, um, oh my God, was that? The Art of War games or uh, one of the four cups or three cup stuff. show. one of the stuffs, the cup stuff show, they usually they've had it there a couple times. I know they did, they did it one time in New York where they in the Melbourne Ballroom where they're doing it now. That's where Jimmy won with a bunch of crazy bumps. Um, yeah, I think it was Jimmy. Then the last two cup stuffed and then well, actually, no, Ninja Mac won, but it wasn't for the brass ring. I think that one was for like the PBR something. But I do. I agree with you. I think. They would. I enjoy the whole concept of a money in the bank stuff because you just never know. Like mm-hmm. it always makes their entrances, or you just never know. Or they they do a great job sometimes of catching people off guard. Where like, oh, thank God, Nick Cage won. I thought he was going to lose, and all of a sudden you hear Blake's Christian music. Like, oh shit, no, not now. Like, <laughs> I I big fan of the whole money in the bank concept and stuff like that. So I agree with you. I really wish they would kind of do something else because it's been over a year since I at least had the last one. So maybe we could see that here. Uh, at an upcoming show and so i i would have preferred it being done well no because the rumble leads into well i thought masha would go against the gauge at uh joey janela's spring break or at least sometime to the collective not during uh this show but i thought that'd be kind of cool for masha to defend it at the quote-unquote wrestlemania of shows that gcw does but that's their homecoming so maybe right around homecoming they could do it too and that set up a possible uh, future title match as well because i think that's a great way to kind of start some of these title matches and rivalries and stuff like that is just to have them to, like win the rumble or win the brass ring so i uh wrote down in my little notes here i don't know if you saw me kind of writing away as i was doing my thing here but my storyline off the top of my head for one of those brass ring matches would be to have the winner be Mason via Perro's help. Then Mason gets to terrorize the champion as long as he wants to, and eventually just keeps using Perro as muscle. He could use that. I'm the lingering thorn in your side for however long he wants to. And it could work. He could interfere in all kinds of the, you know, the championship matches. He could, he could be a thorn in the side in those matches. He could interfere. He could fuck up the end, you know, the final match. Do all those things that a heel does. I I think that would be interesting. And he already does it without the the brass ring. At least now, it's right, a right. purpose, as you said, in these championship matches for him to kind of get involved with that. Yeah, I definitely would kind of see maybe how he uh, MJF kind of use uh, his little group to kind of climb up and do all the hard work for him. But I could see Mason absolutely telling Pero, hey. You're asking that match, climb up there, get that 
get that brass ring and give it to me. And it's, I'm I'm your own, like not owner, but but whatever. Like he like I'm in charge of you right now and stuff like that. Um, you you do what I say, yeah, oh. right? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> not like bench, that. that's right. <laughs> but no, that that'd be a great man. one to. Uh, that's a nice little matchup I would like to see too. Nick Cage versus well, just, uh, Charles Mason would be a fun little story that could be told over quite a few months there. Well, yeah, and he's one of those people that Gage might be able to just kind of like a fly, just kind of get away from me, get away from me. You're pain in the ass, but he's always there. Yeah, he's always there causing problems. And that would be the exact kind of methodical thing that Mason would do. So and they have just something that, fun. Yeah, I, I, like I said, we think Charles Mason should be up there anyway with all this great work he does as a heel yep. too just like blake christian i think they got a lot of heels now that could make sense to go after nick gage and they're solidified as heels with a big uh the heel booze and the heel chance going and stuff like that i think those obviously against nick gage you want a stronger heel to go up there against and help both competitors out but that just leads me to think like they don't have anything which like which is good this is what i said i don't want them to announce future matches of the champion defending the belt if they still mm-hmm. got a matchup coming, which I'm all fine for. But I wonder after this weekend, what is Nick Age's plans for the collective? Like, is he going to be there defending the belts or like Joey Janela? Like, there's only for that spring break card, there's only two matches announced. That's East West Express um, going against yeah. uh, what's it called right now, right? Motor City Machine Guns. Yeah. For the belts, which I, I really hope I get to see that kind of happen in person. That'd be so fun. Them winning the tag. You belts. will. I, you will. I'm hoping. Um, but yeah, there's nothing really for Gage other or, or nothing other for spring break other than that. And then speedball versus, um, Vikingo. So maybe, uh, Nick Gage could still be at it, but that's a stacked card as it is. Like, but that's also one of the biggest shows of the collective weekend. So it definitely should be, I think be defended that, uh, in LA that weekend. But I just wonder against who's going to be the champion first of all. And I wonder if Nick Gage is a champion who he could possibly go against, in LA to defend that belt. I I'm really curious how it's all going to shake down because starting say tonight, there should be uh storylines like leading to WrestleMania right now. And I don't know where those are, but I hope they start kicking soon because the collective is much more interesting that way. And I think they will be because they keep on teasing a lot of stuff like, Hey, there's something in the atmosphere tonight. There's something in the air tonight in New York. And Brett's always putting up, Brett's been putting over this New York show pretty big where I do, like, I, I think he's doing it to kind of maybe get the fans to think that Masha's going to win. I don't think Masha is going to win, but I do like how they're kind of setting it up to make this, uh, this show tonight feel a little bit more important than, um, than probably what normally would have been um, considering, as you said, what's going on in the collective. But I, I do think a lot of storylines are going to either come from tonight or, on Sunday in Toronto, um, heading into the collective. I think that's our last shows before the collective, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm not really 100% sure on that one, but they have to really get going on storylines so that there's something for us to sink our teeth into. Yeah, this is the this is the last weekend of shows before the collective. So I definitely think they do. I, I agree with you. They need to start doing something, at least for Joey Janela. It's like every other card pretty much has their card already set and announced. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm ex- I'm still excited. It makes it kind of more fun because Joey's like, I don't need to announce anything else. I already sold out. <laughs> what am I announced for? There's no more right, tickets right. to be sold, which is a fun feeling too. But I would kind of like to know what's going on going into. The- like I said, I think that's usually the biggest show of the collective with Joey Janela's spring break. And it's just kind of weird how they don't only have two matches announced for it. And it's two weeks away. 
that will lead us into our fourth matchup of the evening as Joey Janela, the extreme champion, is defending the title against Venny. And I never really heard too much of Venny, but I know I've been, I actually think I said it on either the podcast or two podcasts before this one, saying it's we haven't seen Joey Janela defend that extreme title in a while. And we got that, and I had no idea what to expect other than I was just expecting a classic Joey match <laughs> with Venny. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, this was actually really, More really than good. expected. Oh, I, <laughs> okay, so here's my note I wrote. I wrote, Joey versus Venny was fucking nuts. Classic Joey, and way more than I expected. <laughs> like, wow, that, that's exactly we're in what that, I wrote we're in right that here. thing tonight. Yes, yeah. And... There, there's been a couple things you've said that I've just been like right there. <laughs> we're we're still in the wavelength. Yes, that's a, that's a good thing after taking a couple weeks off. But huh? Benny stepped up, and wow, that this was this was a fun Janela match. It was very classic of him, but um, I think it was perfect leading up to what would happen the rest of the night with kind of how extreme it kind of got. Later on, I think this was a good tease of getting the fans the blood shed that they've been wanting for from these last GCW shows. And Benny, like I said, stepped up and uh, they had a great performance with Joey. And Joey, yeah, I'm. This is why I want to see the GCW ex- uh, Extreme Title defended more in matches like this because Joey will always, uh, always hits with these kind of matches, and it's perfect for the Extreme Title. And this was another uh, great example of that. So I'm right there with you. This is my first time seeing Venny. So this, I had no expectations going in. I just know that when Joey Janela goes against someone I've never seen before, I'm going to be entertained. I don't know how or why, but by the end of a Janela match with whomever he's up against, I understand why he picked that person. So I see Venny. I know why now Venny was picked. So uh, a lot of Venny chance. I love the loud crowd. I have to keep mentioning it because it only takes a small group to push a whole crowd. And whoever that small group was, I heard them off and on. And then the whole crowd would pick up with them. Thank you so much. It adds a lot to the show, even as a viewer at home. But this um, this crowd, yeah, one of the best ones I've heard on TV in quite a while. Joey was also out to huge chance. Fans could not um, chant louder. Where's the belt? is something that they wanted to ask and obviously he did not bring it with him you fucked up chance the fans are basically keeping joey honest during that time so we had a lot of chance of fuck him up benny fuck him up joey was asking for a kiss as the match started we go outside at minute two benny's throwing uh chairs and he's thrown into chairs sorry benny's thrown into chairs and thrown foot gosh this is a rough day for me, my man. Whoever's listening to this, I am so sorry. We're getting so I'll back go ahead in the and flow. Start my, man, I, I feel so, yeah. I'm not my normal tripping. It's like extra tripping. All right. So the, the fight goes outside to minute two. Venny's thrown into chairs and flies about four rows back. That back up and Joey hit a big boot to her face. Took four minutes to get back to the ring after Venny hit Joey with a water bottle. Uh, She finally gets control of the match at minute five, wipes out Joey with a moonsault from the top rope onto the floor, then into a beautiful textbook missile drop kick, which isn't used much anymore. And I just wanted to say I love seeing a good looking classic move when it's performed. Good job, Vinny. Thank you. 
Joey was back in control at minute seven with a Death Valley driver. Vinny kicks out and Joey is showing frustration. Minute eight, Joey was crotched on the top rope into a waist lock into a German suplex on the apron. Funny thing, someone found the belt and brought it out from the back. Vinny is fighting hard for that belt. It's a great uh, library of moves in her arsenal. Fuck him up, Vinny. Fuck him up was still being chanted. Minute 10, there was a huge forum exchange between both performers. Janela catches Vinny's moonsault press and turned it into a tombstone pile driver. I thought it was over. Joey was acting like he's going to need to take more action. So minute 12, Joey brings in chairs and a door. He builds a door bridge. The crowd was actually split at this point. You were now hearing Vinny chance. You were hearing Janela chance. Both performers won over the crowd. Minute 13, Vinny hits moonsault knees on Joey Janela through a door and doesn't break. I am the <laughs> table. I had to say it. Joey then puts Vinny into the door with a German suplex. The door still hasn't broken. Joey then puts the door in a corner. He does a roll into the door and it fails to break. I was fucking dying laughing. This is so Janela in a beautiful nutshell. At that point, we've officially made Botchamania, and I know it. He then drops multiple elbows into the door. It took attempt number three for it to break. The crowd is fucking roaring as he's ripping that door apart piece by piece. I had a fucking blast watching this, dude. I think we found Joey's opponent for uh, the spring break. Fucking door. Yep. Joey versus <laughs> the Japanese doors, because that was... Jeez. Hey, if Cole Radjic could have... A match against Yoshihiku. I think Joey Janela could That's have true. a match That's against true. the door. I think that would be quite entertaining. And right now, I think uh, the, the, door's tougher. the momentum has to be on the door side heading into the collection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to see a, a video package on the door. Like someone's got to remix that into a song. Like there's got to be some Please. song out there with like lyrics of like, don't break the door. Like how someone should get like Brett, Brett yelling at Mancer, don't break the fucking doors. Like here, Joey Janela's like trying his best, but still can't do it. Someone's got to make a music still, video. I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying a video, a video package with, you know, it's showing the door with the fucking music. And then it has, you know, all the little video tricks and then it shows Janela. And yeah, I've, we've seen less. Right. I'll tell you that. So, you know, all right. So back to the match here. Janela then takes a half a door and beats Vinny over the head with it. Vinny then picks up a half a door and beats Joey over the head with it. They go back and forth for a little while. Vinny eventually throw, uh, Sabu throws a door at Janela's head. This is a wild match, and I loved it. Vinny hit a destroyer into the table. Janela packaged pile driver into the floor. Minute 16, chance of this is awesome going throughout the crowd. Janela hits a top rope superplex brain buster for the three, and that was our ending. At minute 16 and 33 seconds, our winner, Joey Janela. That was an awesome match. Yeah, that was crazy. I was all for it. And like I said, I didn't know of any going into this match, but after uh, their performance against now. Joey, yep. that was awesome. Like, I wouldn't mind seeing that ran back seriously at the collective because this it was fun. And like, Benny obviously did some things that were quite unexpected for me, like that tombstone, the tombstone pile driver was. Shocking to me. Yeah, that was that was shocking to me. I was like, "What? What just happened?" And that 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 moment, I was I was actually rooting for Benny to win at that moment because I was like, "That." I was then I started thinking of other matches that Benny could do as extreme title and what kind of fun uh, 
what fun stories that they could tell going with defending that title heading into the collective because that was incredible and this was even though it was a typical Joey Janela fuckery match it they never usually don't ever disappoint from my opinion and this one definitely did not disappoint at all man oh man okay so two excellent title defenses in the first half of the show good stories with ample time to tell them I loved it this was another well defended title defense Venny earned her paycheck uh, at the end of the match, kissed Janela and took a swipe at his face like, fuck you. Joey leaves quickly and everyone was happy. Both performers were cheered as they left. I thought this was a good, happy ending. Yeah, I think Vinny should come back in some capacity. I would like to see them as an ass kicker type. They have the face like when it gets a serious face, she could just chew a fucking you know, chew a tree apart, like just uh, tough. The slap, the oh, slap battle that they had was pretty intense too. I was like, yeah, yeah it was. <laughs> Joey's like, you could tell, like, oh, I'm gonna take it easy, and Penny's like, nope, I'm going 100 percent and just slapping <laughs> the shit out of Joey. Yeah, I was really happy with this one. This is a good little match here. Yeah, um, it was a surprisingly not surprising, I guess, because it was Joey Janela, but uh, I thought it was a very good debut for Benny and GCW. Yeah, I, I think Fanny would be, I'm sure they're proud with this match. And I really do hope there is a spot on the collective somewhere for her. Yes, oh, I, I agree. Also, I'll cover this because I think I may have said it because, like I said, I'm so sharp of mind. Everyone can hear. If I accidentally said she or he, I'm so sorry. I mean, she or they or so I mess it up sometimes. Super sorry. I just want to make sure that that's said ahead of time. And- I, I think I may have accidentally said she and I am so sorry if I did. At least I covered it now to let everyone know. Yeah, we try to cover ourselves in the on uh, those. We try pro- to be appropriate. Yeah, yeah. because the, that's a brand new performer, and I, like I said, I've never heard of any or seen of any until that night. So, yeah, any mistakes we made on the pronouns, uh, we do apologize. Super sorry. Not not uh, ill intended. It's just uh, ignorance, as we are just now learning about these competitors. I'm fucking. I'm a fucking moron sometimes. <laughs> that's how that works. <laughs> For our fifth matchup of the <laughs> evening, it is Effie going against Slade. And I like how they kind of did the callback of Slade being a uh, former, I think they said former. I don't know if they said current uh, uh, mercenary of Mason, uh, Charles Mason, but they do have a lot of history. And obviously Effie and Slade have a lot of history um, with the whole storyline going on. So it was kind of nice seeing those two uh, kind of go at each other and, Effie, Effie's picture was funny during like during the the promo uh, when they did the promo video before this because Effie has like a big cigarette just like hanging out of his lip and stuff like that. I thought that was a pretty good look for Effie uh, with the cigarette hanging out. But he takes some of the craziest bumps. I know I said this when we were talking about the LA or the Vegas show with uh, the little mix up they had with the barbed wire. It's funny actually. I just heard another podcast he did on. Uh, the other night and they were talking like he knew right away that something bad was going to happen that night i guess like he has like a shaman or something like that he said um that that like is a roommate or friend a close friend of his and they kind of did like a wow. reading and they said on the in the middle of february the 16th and 17th you're going to be 
like it said something you're going to be cut and lit on fire or something like that so be careful of sharp huh. objects and fire and sure as shit is when he ate it in uh vegas but hearing him talk about it, he knew right away he's like i wish we had more time so we could do a whole podcast on how we set it all up because that was a disaster <laughs> setting up the barbed wire and stuff like kind of how we talked about it but he knew right away watching them set it up he knew he shouldn't have done that and Right away it happened, and mm-hmm. that's just one of those crazy bumps that Effie did. And during this match with Slade, he takes a lot more punishment and does some other uh, crazy-looking bumps where it's just like, Effie is a crazy person. Dude, I learned how to pay attention to that inner voice the whole time. I made sure I told each of you, I don't feel good about this. It feels dangerous. It looks dangerous. Something isn't right. I could just feel in the air. I go, something is not right. It doesn't look right. Something's not good. Well, even when they cut it, originally and it hit my wife's hair i was like oh shit that i had a bad feeling too i'm like this something's in the air right now where this is not gonna go as planned i just felt it i'm looking and i'm like this ain't right something's not right here it just doesn't feel good and yeah i was yeah yeah usually when i have those feelings it's yeah <laughs> yeah but it was uh, nice fortunate fortunate it could have been a lot worse oh yeah for sure like even though his back was messed up he said it's crazy how he goes, it's pretty funny and crazy how the body heals itself and how fast. Because like he said the next night, he probably still could have performed in L.A., but because they just took precautionary reasons. and He wasn't announced on the card anyway, but they were thinking of throwing him in a match, and they decided not to after his injury, even though he said he felt fine. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so <laughs> Effie comes out to Elton John. I love it always. I always will. I grew up listening to a lot of that. My parents did, so... Effie, Elton John, awesome. It makes sense to me. He's a traveler. So be it. Both men come out the gate with a big brawl, exchanging fists. Effie wants payback on Mason's mercenaries. Ever since Effie's big gay brunch last year, he doesn't hook the legs on the tarantula. I don't know if you know that. Um, He used to hook the legs. So what happened was the ropes were loose at Effie's last big gay brunch. You can go back and check. I don't know why I remember that. But when he went to do it, the ropes were so loose that his opponent's knees were literally on the ground. So he's literally just on his knees on the ground. So that's why he transitioned to just locking the top. I think I remember what you said that. I think I remember him yeah, performing yeah. with the knees on the ground. I was like, doesn't that kind of take away from the pressure? I, I was thinking like it a, does. Yeah. Absolutely does. But, you know, that's. That's how it goes. Effie was in control with the first two minutes. He tried to end the match early. He uh, came out with an under the rainbow and a blockbuster. Minute two and a half and both men are outside the ring. Effie hits a DDT on Slade on the ring apron. Effie then does a Thez press onto the floor. And I noticed he was really beating on Slade a lot. This is because of obviously the grudge match going on there. Slade throws Effie into the chairs and takes over at minute four. Slade finds several chairs at minute five. They both duel with the chairs. Slade ends up eating repeated chair shots across the back from Effie. Effie was thrown onto chairs back first, but on the top of the chairs where there's little surface area. You know what I'm talking about? Where they, yeah, I still can't believe they do that move. That's why I was saying, like, Effie takes some crazy buffs, man. Dude, I can't believe. Slade and Effie were trading shots at minute seven and a half. Effie hits the dragon sleeper into a spear. The whoopee cushion was used, which is Doink's old move. Effie then performs a crazy curb stomp. And 20 seconds later, roughly, he hits the sack rider. And that was our winning move. So our winner in this match was Effie. And that was 
I don't know if that's the end for Slade as a mercenary. I don't know how much that wraps up any loose ends on the story, but the match made sense since he was one of the mercenaries and Effie needs to tie up the end of that story somehow. And see something like that's why I was bringing up. I couldn't remember if they said it on commentary or not, but I remember near right when we first started the podcast, they had a JCW show and I it felt like that Mason kicked Slade out or Slade like refused to, be a part of Mason's mercenaries anymore. I got to go back and maybe watch some of those GCW. I do shows. think you're right. I don't know what the details were, but I, I don't, I, I think you're right. There was something there. I don't know what it was. Yeah. I, I should have gone back before we did the podcast, looked it up, but I, that's why this match did make sense to a point because like we said, Slade either is or has worked with uh, Charles Mason in the past. And Mason knows that Slade's going to go out there and do damage to Effie and Alley catch and stuff like that. So, um, I did like how this did set up the match. I do. I, I you said though, I don't know if it's the end of Slade and Effie and the Mason's mercenaries or what, because um, they see, every time it seems like they could end it, they restart it and add something new and fresh to the whole feud and stuff like that. So we'll talk about it on the next show after Charles Mason mm-hmm. and Ali catches a steel cage match. But I, I at this point, I was wondering too. Is like, are they going to keep this going until the collective? Is it going to end tonight and not finish at the collective and uh, I guess we still got some questions to be answered. Okay. Currently, currently touching the cornet. Hold on. I have to touch the cornet signature for this heel heat. Oh. Okay. I like Slade's character. I like his look. He's too green. There were three spots in this match that were messed up that I had to not put into the review because they were just messed up. And that takes time. I don't think he's GCW ready. I believe there's a lot more people on that roster that could have taken that spot. Now, of course, this is a storyline and whatnot, but um, I just, I see this every match. There's something that goes wrong and everybody can say, oh, they make a mistake. No, this dude makes way more mistakes than everyone else. And it's glaring every time. So I just want to say for right now, he's green and he needs to go do some more um, training somewhere. The look cannot carry you forever, Ultimate Warrior. At some point, you're going to have to learn how to wrestle, and you're going to have to learn how to sell, and you're going to have to learn how to swing a fucking light tube so you don't injure people. Uh, I don't, I, yeah. No, I, I, <laughs> okay. I, okay. I, agree I think with you. that was all of it. Well, I agree with you on that stuff. I think the same way. I think his character is absolutely ready for GCW and everything, but the it, look is good. Yeah. You know, the character. Just the in-ring work, I agree with you. It every match just does seem to, and like yeah, as you said, like I know I'm going to say what you said. Like yes, it happens. They do make mistakes, but um, we talked about it before the whole hoodfoot stuff. I still don't blame Slade for the whole hoodfoot stuff. It was just I think both of them made a stupid decision. In my opinion, I'm not the one out there risking my life. I not maybe not stupid decision. Maybe that was strong word. I don't. I didn't like the decision of them to break light tubes and already go stab each other with broken light tubes. Like. I'm not yeah, blaming Slade like for fencing. that. It just happened. Like sword fighting. Yeah, because Hoodfoot could have done the same exact thing to Slade, and I wouldn't blame Hoodfoot. I just I didn't like that spot at all. But and I don't blame Slade for that one. But there are other times we've seen Slade, and I'm like, I I honestly I don't know if it's just because his character. I'm always so intimidated when I watch him wrestle. But it's also like when I see him with some of these weapons that I know that could do some damage, I automatically start inside like cringing hoping for the best because of, as you said, he does still seem a little bit green. Um, 
I, I, just I, to be fair, you know? Yeah, I love his character. I love his look. I love his attitude. I love everything about his whole presentation and, and everything. It's just the in-ring work. Yeah, it does. Like, the one that got me here was, like, the choke slam. He went to go, supposed to choke slam him on the apron, but, like, he lifted him up too high or if he jumped too high and if he landed on his feet and ended up kicking him away and then they kind of switched the spot, it seemed like, in my opinion, maybe what that was the whole plan spot. Who knows? But I do get a little cringy when I see Slade in there with certain wrestlers and about to do certain spots or use certain weapons because I just... That's his character, though. He wants us to be afraid of him and he is one of these loose cannons from uh, uh, Rikers Island and from the prison and stuff like that. So I think it does fit in, but I do... I agree with you. I don't think... Some of these matches he's not prepared for in GCW. I would like to see him kind of wrestle more in actually just straight wrestling without deathmatch stuff. Like just work on the he can't do it that way. Yeah, I, I I can't. Okay, I thought I was done with you. <laughs> he can't do it yet. Yeah, he's not into that. I don't know who he knows that gets him on the shows, but every time he's on a show, you know, this one he couldn't sell under the rainbow. He couldn't sell the move on the apron. It's like one thing after another, and that makes both men look like shit. And every time he comes out, I know that there's a high chance he's going to fuck up something. And I can only suspend disbelief for so long. Maybe on GCW. I mean, maybe on JCW. But even then, I'm like, maybe I don't know if he's even cut out for YouTube. Dude needs to fucking practice. I've watched him injure a dude to a point to where he could have bled out in the fucking match. I watch him unable to put his damn head on the mat when it's under the rainbow. Like, come on, man. Like, really? You know, cut it. Cut yeah. it. He, he ain't six foot. He ain't 250. And I know it's wrestling, but I'm 6'3". I'm 265. Slade don't look like me, and he's not going to because I'm fucking half blubber. <laughs> and I can't do half the shit he can but don't clog up GCW with that shit. Go back, get your fucking training at freelance or whatever, do what you need to do and come back. Uh, uh, create, a, create a pro. He was at Create a Pro Academy. I think it would be for good for him to go back because he's been doing it for six years. He does not have 70. He does not. He's, he doesn't have 75% of what Jordan Oliver has. He does not have 60% of what uh, Oliver's opponent, Coughlin. He doesn't have that. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just, uh. I, I think it's his character. And like I said, I love his character. His, I think I love the character. His, love the look. Yeah. Green. The presentation. I love the look. Yeah. I love his attitude. I love the unpredictability of it. It feels like it's like a mixture of, he feels dangerous. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Like you said, unpredictable, like this guy may snap, not be a wrestler, go back to prison just in a flash in his head for a moment and cut a dude's throat. He feels I like, like that, like the loose cannon. He feels to me like a mixture of Brian Pillman and Haku, where they're going to beat the shit out of you. They're going to be stiff. They're not going to sell much because that's not the whole character. But you just never know what they're going to do. And I think that adds a lot to it. But when it sticks out with the mess ups, it absolutely sticks out because it's kind of often it's not it, like he needs a brawler. He can't do any. In my opinion, I think his style is obviously brawling and stuff like that. But when you probably put him in there with like a technical wrestler or have a more normal traditional wrestling match without the fuckery, I think that just exposes him, unfortunately. And I think that ultimately comes back and hurts his character. And as you said, I I know with the whole Infinite incident, a lot of people were blaming him and saying the same things. And I know we talked about it there. Like, and I like I said earlier. I don't blame him, but that could have happened. That could have been the same thing. Hoodfoot could have accidentally stabbed. What's his name? But when he went back at Hoodfoot, 
even though Hoodfoot was trying to continue the match and like he mm-hmm. kind of shoved the referee away when the referee's like, hey, give him a second. He's fucking bleeding. Like, give him a second. He kind of pushed him out of the way and still kind of went after it. That's where I'm like, dude, you got to take the picture. Like, that, 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 the green blew in my face there. Like, my whole screen turned green because it's like, dude, do you know referee's telling you to stop? Like, stop. Like, <laughs> just take the, yeah. take the hit there and stuff like that. But I agree with you. But sometimes when, when he does mess up, it sticks out like a sore thumb. But when his character's on, it's, it's on. <laughs> so I, I agree with that. I I think he does not belong on GCW in certain instances. I think maybe the character is why they use him in this one. Because I don't think after the Hoodfoot incident, we saw him for a while. I think this might be his first match back in GCW. I'm going to actually look that up while you make your next statement. I'm just... My next statement is, is after six years, if it's not connecting for him yet, he needs to just go to ICW NHB and just be a death matcher. Go work the chains. No shit. At this point, you know, go with Cruel, go do some stuff over there. I think that would be a better fit for him because when it comes to GCW right now, we have a, a certain level of expectation and the fans see that he's not meeting it over and over. I go look on cage match at his at his average from fans. He's at a 5.83 and the reviews don't look good on him. I see one, two good reviews out of five. The rest of them aren't aren't good oh i um, forgot about the chicago show he was in the the handicap match yeah i won't beat a dead horse on it but i really do think he's the type of guy who should just probably he that's the last <laughs> he time he needs to go back and get serious and wrestle or he needs to give up on fucking wrestling and just go i'm just gonna bleed and just go ahead yeah. and bleed yeah but that's that's my personal opinion and no disrespect to him or anybody else it's just He's he's already been doing this for what I said five six years. He teams with Mark uh, Sterling. Uh, if it ain't bro. connected, it ain't connected. I've seen students under three years do better than he is. I mean, I've I'm seen not Mark Sterling. I can too. name them. Like Mark Sterling is known yeah. as a manager, not a wrestler, and I think he's like a way better wrestler. I, I I think if Slade ever did get everything under control and I just said got got rid of the whole green that kind of is attached to him, I think uh-huh. it would be incredible. Like I I I think. He could be right up there. Like he's a perfect fit for Mason's mercenary and being muscle and a total yep. badass and having that character and they doing stuff without being part of Charles Mason, just off his character and stuff with um, how he looks and how his presentation and his attitude and stuff is. But once he's able to just do like stuff in the ring, I think all that gets put together. And that's what we say about a lot of these wrestlers. They have this, they have that, but they just need to put it all together. And I just think yeah. that's where he's at too. But I was right; he hasn't wrestled since that Hoodfoot incident until Chicago, and that was he was part of the two-on-three handicap. So it was six months that we didn't see him in GCW. And I wonder if there's that... there's always a problem with him. Yeah, I rarely see a match where, and like I said, people go, "Well, it's easy to make a slip," or if you... yeah, it's real easy to not fall on your head when you're supposed to. Too, it's real easy to not sell. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. The other thing is. And I'm going to give it to you right now. It looked like a guy who didn't do any video on his opponent before he went out there and danced with him. He didn't know what fucking under the rainbow was, or he would have fucking went right down on his head. Yeah. Some of this stuff that, and these were all almost Effie specific moves, which means he didn't watch Effie matches to know what the hell he's supposed to do. That's lazy. I think he's just trying to protect That's his, his character. I'm assuming. That's I'm just, assuming. I think he's just trying to protect his character. And like, yeah. obviously some, 
some characters wouldn't be taking a certain bump. I just said if they did take the bump early in the match, the right you know, yeah, exactly. you can't beat up Vader in minute two. Yes, that's my whole point, yeah, too. But like, as you said, this was later on in the match and that was still happening where it's obviously OK. They broke the armor. Now you're a little bit more successful. Sick. Oh, my God. Easier. You're a little bit easier. Welcome, welcome to my world. <laughs> you're a little bit easier to do some moves on than you would have been earlier in the match. You got broken right, down right. and stuff like that. But I I do like how he is with the is still attached to the storyline because I think he is a perfect fit. But I I'm right there with you. I think the same thing. Like, just needs a little work on the fundamentals a little bit and come back a lot stronger and a lot more well rounded and more completed character because I think he's got the look, the character, the attitude down. It just you as you said in ring doesn't matter if you can't go in the ring. It doesn't matter what you what's out what right. you present outside the ring. And you're I, dangerous. Yeah, I I. I like I said, I get cringy when I see like weapon where I know it could be doing some damage. But like I felt like this way before he the whole the whole hoodfoot incident. And I like when the whole hoodfoot incident came, I was like, okay, I still don't blame you. It's still not your fault. It could happen, but I'm not surprised it happened during one of your matches because I kind of have this feeling all the time before this these hoodfoot matches. I always feel yeah. like something bad's going to happen. So um, yeah, Effie does take the victory over Slade though in this match, and. Uh, we are not done yet as more fuckers no. still a bound to happen here. We are not done yet, sir. We have just <laughs> begun. Mason's music hits. You see Mason coming out. He's smoking a cigar. Effie's looking at him the whole time. They're exchanging glances and Pero comes in the ring from behind Effie's back. Effie gets absolutely destroyed by Pero from that point forward. Billy Dixon eventually makes his way down and he hits Pero from behind with the chair, hits him and Slade. I don't know if my notes actually have that in there, probably. <laughs> but Mason grabs a mic, says Billy has a deal with him. He owns Billy and Billy needs him. He pays his mama's hospital bills. Billy goes to the hospital every day to watch her slowly die. Billy goes to shake Effie's hand and he rejects him. My opinion, Billy's in a weird spot. I'm not big on this part of the storyline. This subplot is unnecessary in my personal opinion. There's enough for the fans to chew on already in Mason's story. Plus, I don't think anyone really cares. I'm, I'm going to heal. I'm healing tonight. Heal will heal. I honestly, I read this. I go, I love Mason. I don't give a damn. I don't give a damn about Billy. Last I saw, he was trying to kill himself in the ring. And now he's back. He's just as out of shape as he was when I last seen him. So it's not like he's improved anything. So he's just an extra is what I'm looking at in this. And I know that sounds awful, but he basically is just an extra. I don't care about him or his mama. And it's just extra shit. We already have a compelling story with Pero. We have a compelling story with Mason. It's so unnecessary. I I agree with Personally. you. No, I, I agree I'm with sorry. You. I'm 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 firing on some shit tonight. I'm but. I'm half half again on this one. I agree with you. I don't think it, the whole subplot is necessary to the whole main no. story, but I do like how it gives everybody involved a reason, a purpose, and a story other than just those two of uh, Alley Catch and Mason. Um, I think and Effie as well has his little beef with Mason, yeah. but I, I do yeah. think like Peros fit in his role in as he's the muscle, he's out there protecting uh, Mason at all costs. I think that gives him a purpose and a reason and a. Uh, backstory of why he's involved in this story and I said we said before we didn't understand why Billy left or why he was even helping Charles Mason in the first place and I'm glad they got kind of gave this promo time to explain why <laughs> he Billy did it Dixon. for his mama 
yeah and it, it i think it adds a little bit more intrigue to the whole storyline because yes billy attacked mason's mercenaries today but you saw at the end he still doesn't shake effie's hand yeah. so we still don't know how billy's gonna what he's gonna do at the end of the story if he's gonna help effie or if he's still gonna stay in mercen's masonry so i think it adds a little bit more intrigue but mm-hmm. as you said, it didn't need, it doesn't need to fit into this whole story. It could have been its own little story outside of what's kind of going on. But I think they, this was a great way to Billy bring him back into the fold with a purpose and kind of, as you said, he did take that break and not wrestle for a while. So I think this was a good way to reintroduce, not reintroduce him, but re bring him back into kind of where he left off of instead of starting out at the bottom and reintroducing him to the crowd all over again and starting them all up and trying to build them up. I think this was a good way to kind of continue where he left off is in my opinion of why Billy Dixon's involved in this story. And I, I like it because it's, they're showing him like, cause he did a lot of stuff for JCW before his, like even after JCW, he's still doing announcers when he was quote unquote retired. So um, yeah, I think it was yeah. a cool little bone for Billy with all everything going on. But as you said, it's not 100% necessary to tell this whole story uh, between Alley Catch and Mason, like that doesn't really in- doesn't explain. Like this has nothing. What about to do with Paro? Yeah. Why is Paro doing it then? Because he's being what about paid. But Slade, yeah, Slade. I don't know. Paro. I mean, it just seems like, hey, I'm paying you. Uh, Slade needs you, the money. He but- just needs the money. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> and he's Paro, one of those guys, so just do it because he loves it. But Paro has a history with Effie, so that's why I don't. I didn't. That's why I loved when they brought that back in and continued the story because that was a perfect placement for Pero to continue his story with Effie. And I guess Billy Dixon does have a story going on as well with all these characters, but I just don't think it should be overtaking the whole story of Alley Catch and Charles Mason. But I do like it as a little sub story, even though it's not necessary. That's just my opinion on everything. That's how I kind of <laughs> justify everything and worked it all out in my head to like, like I said, I love the whole Pero being introduced and Billy was a shock and it kind of made sense to even the numbers but then him turning so quickly didn't make sense. But they announced why well, and explained themselves. Is, so is Billy GCW ready? To me, he seems like JCW material. I haven't seen too much of him, to be honest with you. I think based off of my popularity of him and everything, just mm-hmm. as a character, not like as a person or anything, but like where like I look at him as a wrestler, I don't see him GCW either. But yeah. for the story, I get it. Well, absolutely. Yeah, for any story, but... Yeah, as in singles, chasing a title. No. Yeah, no, I don't think he... I still yeah, see him in JCW as well. But I kind of hope JCW, with this world title, starts being defended a little bit more there too instead of giving a little bit more purpose for those shows. Because I went back and I actually watched over this spring break since we haven't been recording. I went back and watched like three... Yeah, three of the last GCW, JCW shows. I watched the hmm. series of Survival... Um, the Battle Bowl. Oh my god, Battle Bowl is fucking awesome. I love the whole Battle Bowl thing. <laughs> uh, and um, this last one that they just did to uh, on the next uh, the next the next day before GCW's ransom. And so I kind of kind of I got caught up a lot of JCW stuff, but still didn't feel it. Just felt like there were it was another company for wrestlers to wrestle in. It didn't I didn't feel like a lot gotcha. of the whole stories. There was nothing. They weren't chasing after anything. There's no title. Up until now, there's a title. It just felt like they were just swimming to swim and not swimming after like a big target, like a title belt or whatever. But hopefully this JCW title will change things for JCW. I believe personally 
that blurring the lines between GCW and JCW talent saved JCW from where it was. It's no lie because we're all fans here. It's not like someone's jumping in for the first time where we're kind of in a, a fan echo chamber here. A year, year and a half ago, there wasn't even a full front row sometimes at JCW. So I, I'm just being real about it. I really do feel that blurring the lines between GCW and JCW has helped JCW overall. I think that having less shows overall helped JCW. And um, I feel that having more GCW talent come down will make it feel like more of a GCW show, but it will still allow the JCW talent to be able to go out there and perform. Yeah, I wish they would actually do more I shows. Know. I wish they would do like at least a monthly show. That's why I always wondered with gotcha. LA fights. I wanted it with storylines or just yeah, with storylines. Okay, stuff because, yeah. and, but as you said, blurred lines because that's where I was leading into where I loved to piggyback off your point. The bigger names from GCW coming to JCW when GCW was doing their whole little sediment series shit with IWTV, you could tell that was the quote unquote JCW show with the JCW talent. But then later on, once they actually, that same, they had a show with JCW on YouTube, we were getting Takeshita versus Cole Radrick. We were getting Speedball versus Axton Ray. Like, we were getting fantastic matchups, and I was really into JCW, even with no storylines there, because they were putting on fucking great dream matches on JCW Mm -hmm. for free on YouTube. And I wouldn't mind them kind of going back to that with JCW having... uh, Maki Ito was wrestling against Billy Starks on there. Like, that's a GCW match on JCW, so... I would like to them to kind of go back to that sort of stuff with JCW. But like I said, I would kind of like a monthly show because I th- I just feel like that many months apart and then they just do a show. I I forgot what happened three months you're ago. Not reason- you're, you're saying kind of like, what's the reason for the show if it's just going to be exactly. there every... Yeah, like, gotcha. Yeah. Good point. And that's why I think monthly would be good for them at least. Then they could kind of build up like over vignettes or whatever, online storytelling, like online... Uh, the videos to further the storytelling and stuff if they want to keep on doing that um and i think it just yeah it gives it more a sense of purpose instead of just a random show once every three months in my opinion well yeah because two guys could disagree and they'll be like you know what i'm not gonna wait until saturday i'll see you at jcw on friday yeah and they can bring two main eventers over there but yeah you could pair up a new person with a veteran and do new person veteran match one, new person veteran match two, tag team, tag team match three, just bubble. It could be done. I mean, that's why I kind of go back this week. I knew I was behind on these JCW shows. I haven't watched them because I haven't felt the need to. I didn't like why yeah. just go watch uh, like those wrestlers again, like for no reason other than just put on a good match. Like I, I just felt like there was no reason for me to watch it at that moment and to get caught up and stay current. And yeah, I've kind of, I, the the battle bowl was one I kind of really 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 enjoyed. Like I I have so many notes. I wrote notes just for that, just for random because it was just yeah kind of everything. We- I haven't watched it. It was really good. I enjoyed it because we talked about having like a random. So well, here's what it was. So it was a random. Like we talked about like loving the Royal Rumble because when they used to come out and they used to pick the numbers out of the yeah, gold tumbler. Yeah. Every match, they, the gold tumbler was in the ring. Every they had two locker rooms, but I don't know if they were. Um, separated on purpose or they were just had two camera shots because everyone was involved but they would draw a number and it was a so it was random tag teams being put together which mm-hmm. is something that i think we said before we loved the whole wcw the wild card tournament or whatever they were doing they would have the wild card just two random people being put together as a tag team and in a tournament this was kind of the same way so all the names were in the tumbler they drew one name out they drew another 
And then, okay, you're a tag team. And then here's your team against a random team. Wow. And then they, those two would have a match. And the winning team later on would be put into a battle royal. And whoever won the one person that won the battle royal got the the battle bowl ring or whatever. Like it was just like a wow. small little ring that, or not, I don't want to say small. I think they said they spent like a lot of money on the ring, whatever. But they gave him like a little ring to kind of show off. And like, I was like, okay, that's the one thing now that everybody's chasing for in JCW, but it's still yeah. just a little ring, not a belt, not nothing. So I, I was okay with that. It was like, it was a good starting point, but the whole concept and how it laid out was awesome. Like, like the first match, <laughs> this was funny. I, and this was shortly after we, we, we talked about this whole stuff about the Royal Rumble Cause this was going into the do or die rumble and how we like, I said one of my favorite Royal Rumbles was the random drawings where they go, oh, you got Smash and Axe mm-hmm. coming in and drawing one and two, and oh, it's going to be a long night. And then Axe like, oh, yeah, it is, brother. And then they come out, and it's them two to start it off. Where this one, it started off as, I, th- I want to say it was Dylan McKay. Like two tag teams were split yeah. and separated and put opposite teams as partners. So they were like, they had to go against their partners as a tag team. I thought that was a great way for a first match of the Battle Bowl. And then the other team, the rest of the night was all just random teams thrown together, which was pretty cool scene too. But I really enjoyed the whole Battle Bowl's concept and how they play played out. And it told the whole story of one big show. And like that was why I what that one I've had on my list for a while to go back and watch. I just finally had the time yeah. during spring break. But like that one I was invested in. The other ones, like Series of Survival, okay, it was kind of a cool little Survivor series kind of show, which was it was all right. It wasn't as good as the Battle Bowl, but I was really a big fan of the Battle Bowl. Huh. Sorry. Yeah, I, I think I'm no, 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 it's good you said that because you just kind of sold me on going back and watching that one. And it's free on YouTube for everyone out there to go check out. It's on Game Changer Wrestling, their their channel, but it's the JCW uh, Battle Bowl. I highly suggest I I enjoyed it. I, I did. So like you, the you don't even have to pay the. Nope. You don't have to pay the forty nine ninety nine 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 a month. Now it's seven ninety nine, which is another thing we said that would happen oh, right shit. afterwards. <laughs> we we said that on this podcast, like, oh my god, five dollars is too cheap. They're gonna just do it to get a bunch of numbers in, and then we're like, see, look, we got this many subscribers. Now we can raise the price, and sure as shit, that's what happened uh, three months later. Still a great deal. Oh yeah, like, seven ninety nine, really so, great yeah, deal. Yeah, not even a question. I would say keeping it or not. I would say right around. Fourteen ninety nine a month to nine ninety nine a month would be fair. I know that sounds like a lot. So to make it a good deal, nine ninety nine a month is to random fans, yeah. And if you show them all, like all the oh, other different, random fans, yeah, different. Uh, I'm just saying, not random fans, but like trying to get fans into it. Like GCW yeah, fans, yeah. we're gonna pay that price no matter what. We're used to paying twenty dollars. Forty dollars a weekend, sometimes oh, every weekend. Yeah, so yeah. Anything less than that was twenty five, awesome. thirty. I honestly, I think I even said on this podcast. Like, I know it's going to sound stupid and crazy, but this is how much I watch GCW. I watch it like every night. I'm like, I go back and rewatch all the shows in order, so that way I'm caught up with all the history. But like, I was when they announced this whole thing, I was ready to pay. <laughs> honestly, like fifty bucks, I was like, okay, that's good. Like, I was really to pay a hundred bucks because I would watch a hundred hours a month of GCW as I already do anyway throughout the throughout the month to get my money's worth and they announced $5.99. I'm like, are you kidding me? Can I pay for the next five years right now? <laughs> Cause well, I'm willing to do yeah. so. <laughs> well, when you're used to paying, sometimes they're what? $13.99, $14.99 a show roughly. Yeah. And then they do, they do like a weekend package two for 25 or mm-hmm. something roughly. Don't quote me. But I mean, when you're used to seeing that two out of four weekends a month or three out of four weekends a month. Yeah. I was expecting, Nineteen ninety nine, twenty four ninety nine. I mean, for crying out loud, that's that's two shows. Yeah, and then two to four free. 
for the rest of the month. Oh. Yeah, five dollars. I was like, what? How the hell do you make money? Yeah, I sure. mean, let's just say there's 20 subscribers. That's still only a hundred bucks. Yeah, wow. but luckily they get to feed off of all the other subscribers <laughs> that are doing it for not the wrestling too. So they get well, to- you have Triller. Yeah, Triller's back. Yeah, and that that is a money cow. <laughs> right there it's like it doesn't like so, they got so many so many people just do join for chiller that has no idea that even wrestling's even involved in it but i'm pretty yeah. sure like they're getting some of the residuals from that which is obviously beneficial for those independent wrestling companies so i guess because triller has the money that they do that's why gcw can play the copyrighted music i saw that on a t- oh, really? uh, tweet and i had no idea yeah that came from i think I can't remember if it was Lauderdale or GCW, but Interesting. yeah, trailer pays. And that's why we can use our music, the good music on our shit. I can't believe a billion dollar company like WWE couldn't do this for theirs. Yeah. Holy shit. Would it make everything so much better if they would just chunk up the fucking money for that? Oh, for sure. Popularity. You know, you have some, you're, uh, you're fighting with your pop filter tonight, huh? It's just not, it's not going for you. It is not staying up. Oh, that's okay. That's go filterless. Go naked, bro. Go filterless. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so <clears throat> let's see here. Look alive, look alive, boys. You wanna for our sixth matchup of the evening. It is another title match as the GCW tag team titles are on the line. As it is Ciclope, Miedo Extremo, Los Macisos defending the belts against Joel and Jose Maximo, the SAT. And just right away, I was just super excited to see SAT back in uh, GCW wrestling. Um, it's funny, they actually kind of followed the podcast and stuff like that. And uh, they, they DM'd me a little bit of uh, saying uh, how they're going to catch it out because they heard, I guess, some other. I, I Actually, I don't even think I told you this. Now I'm thinking about it. I don't think I did tell you this. Uh, no, no. They, they DM'd me and said uh, that they heard some other wrestlers, not at this show, but the other show that they were on previously, that we talked about, like the SAT and stuff. And they were very appreciative of the nice words. And they were said they were going to check us out on the DM. But they said, like, hey, we haven't checked you out yet, but we heard you talked about, nice about us. And we just want to say thank you. And we'll uh, check out your podcast another time. So that's kind so of wait, cool. So wait, so someone told them from another show or from a gcw show not at this show but i uh i don't know the last time they were on gcw was this a fan or a talent a talent a talent oh they said check out your shit they yeah. love you or they something? said they said they talked oh, that we talked about them and stuff like that and so yeah said, well yeah i mean i tried to make sure we said hi to as many people as we could at the las vegas and la show and just say hey we exist and i mean pretty much everyone that was there we absolutely love what you do and we do our best to make sure you look good you know the the good and the bad i think i'll honestly tell you right now dude i think i'm said more tonight negative about slade than i think i may have ever been on except for one or two ever like ever times ever like i don't really go negative too often and i'm like oh now i feel bad because i never (laughs) do it but i'm like that's how I feel, though. So, you know, it is what it it's is. It's not negative. It's just honest. That's all it is. But, yeah. You know, you know, <laughs> I try to I try to not, you know, it's so much easier to just shine the positive than it is to talk about negative half the time. But I guess what it is, is I've seen him so many times and so many times it was just not up to par on some basics sometimes that I just. I, yeah, the quality was where we've been seeing. 
there's some, there's some fantastic people behind the scenes there that would probably agree that they would have done better in that spot <laughs> with Effie. And they, they all do, you know, yeah. they all do. But um, outside of that, I'm so sorry, Slade. It's just that's what I saw. Maybe he had an off night, but I've watched other nights and, you know, <laughs> I'm, I got myself back on the top. Let's sorry. get positive again, like the SAT. Yeah. Like, well, first I'm of so all, bad. the SAT and Los Macisos, these are my motherfucking. I love these guys. Both of these teams are fantastic. We've got veterans on both sides. SAT comes out to heavy cheers, and the real SAT are in the building. I just wanted to mention that, too. This is the real OG, like the original SAT, not the AEW thing, not the creations from. No, the real SAT. They were fantastic. They came out to rock superstar, which if you know the words to that. So do you know the words That's to that song? song. Yeah. Yeah, that was genius because you know what they're talking about, about part of the song there where he's talking about being replaced. They're like, and then here comes the next one. And then here comes and and they're constantly going to like it's in the song. If you listen, it's the part where the guy's kind of giving an interview. Yeah, it's like three quarters. Like the talkers, towards yeah. It's a talking point. that part. If you go listen to those words, those words are why they picked that song. And that's also why they brought out the spot monkeys. And I'm, uh, I don't know. No, but that's what that was, was the spot monkeys. I love the whole concept of the damn spot monkeys. I just loved them being yeah. out there uh, until the end and we'll get there. Actually loved, <laughs> loved seeing them and so, seeing them out there. And the whole idea of quote unquote, them being called spot monkeys was pretty funny. And I thought pretty relatable to SAT. Cause that's probably what they've been labeled to a lot, even though they actually are the fucking real deal tag team. And I was, I was looking forward to this match, like probably, probably the second most out of the entire night. Because I just love both teams, as you said as well, and um, to see them finally good to go at it, and for the tag titles, I think that made it pr uh, pretty cool for the SAT in uh, GCW. So also, they came out with skills to great. I'm guessing that maybe like uh, an artist or performer. I'm not really sure, so I'm not going to go too far into it. I'm not a hundred percent, but out with the spot monkeys also came skills to great. I didn't have a chance to look it up, so maybe there's something there that you know. Um, it was mentioned by commentary that SAT had devoted this match to their fallen brethren in the Northeast. And then here comes Los Macisos. You had heavy Macisos chant right from the beginning. People love to chant Macisos with the Los Macisos song. Again, two veteran teams about to face off. Both are extremely talented. They know their partners very well. And... I love the Spanish openings by Emil. It only makes sense that he knows how to do that. I think that also makes him a more complete um, announcer. We also have Mexico versus Puerto Rico in the oh, ring. So we have that. a nasty fucking rivalry. But I'll tell you what, it'll be the best barbecue out there, my friend. <laughs> So this thing starts out, SAT hits with a sneak attack. The bell was rung. Jose Tope early and hits Miedo and Scarlett Donovan. Yes, the referee. <clears throat> they go up for the Spanish fly early. They're trying to finish this thing. That's a finisher. They go for the cover. There's no ref. She was knocked out on the outside. So we're outside and Miedo hits a Tope and Ciclope hits a top rope moonsault. That. Everything I just described was the first 60 seconds of the match. 
So minute two, we get split screen because both teams are brawling around the arena. My favorite, your favorite too. We love our split screen. Yeah. Security and fans are really well behaved when it comes to being near the talent when they're outside the ring. I wanted to mention that even though these guys were loud and having a good time, none of them were very shitty with any of the talent grabbing up on them. Nothing like that. Also, I wanted to mention there was a point where Lufisto had to turn around to a fan. I don't know if you saw that. I believe that was on purpose. He accidentally stepped on the trail to her outfit, I believe. Oh, you know how okay. a wedding gown has a trail? Yeah. I believe he had accidentally stepped on the trail. I actually tried to go back and watch it a couple times. That was what I can take from it because I didn't see him try to pull or touch at her or anything like that. But... He he tried to play innocent, which was absolutely hilarious. I got one um, thing to yeah. sorry to backtrack here because I totally no. forgot to mention it during my notes. Did you see when Mason put out his cigar on that uh, that fan? No, no. Whoa, 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 I forgot. I didn't see that at all. I must have been writing my notes. Yeah, he put his cigar out on like a woman fan, like right on oh, his chest. Shit. <laughs> shit. Yeah, that was a. And I even wrote my note that I got just so, totally forgot to mention him. I'm like, dude, when he went, like, when he did, like, Mason something else, man, he's just challenging. But, like, the wow. fan was in his face, and, like, but he's blowing smoke in her face, so it's like, whatever. But, yeah, later on, uh, I, I think she ended up putting the cigar out on her. <laughs> wow. He's in, uh, I just had to go back to, like, when you mentioned the fan, I do now remember that Lufisto kind of turned back at a fan, but I didn't know why. And I know there right, was some right. discussion on it, and they were saying, like, don't touch it. But as you said, there was a misunderstanding of what happened as he did just step on the gown and stuff like that. But it, I just reminded uh, well, me of the fan. That <laughs> I don't want to be super quoted. It's just from what I looked at when I went back and watched a couple times, I believe what happened was he looked down. So I'm thinking he may have accidentally been on the back of that outfit. And she yeah. turned around and was like, what the hell? So, yeah, I, <laughs> whatever it was, I don't think he meant to do it if he grabbed her he meant to That's obviously yeah. but i don't know i don't i haven't checked to see if she'd released anything on social media or whatnot and who knows she's old school she probably dealt with that a oh, thousand yeah. <laughs> times she probably isn't even thinking about it anymore That's it's probably done and handled with it when she turned around and shot him a look probably even <laughs> I'll tell you what, the the look he had on his face was the type of look that whatever he did, he wasn't going to be doing it again. Yeah. So that that one fixed itself. Um, minute three, Los Macisos are beating up on Jose. Scarlett is back in the ring. Minute four, I just found out we have a traditional match. The rules are being recognized. <laughs> it took that long for me to realize that what was uh, that was what was going on. I was laughing at the spot monkeys. They were cheering and celebrating like when the SAT did something good. It was fun. And like, it was just fun to see them going nuts down there and shit. That's why I liked them because you said they looked like a bunch of wild monkeys when they're excited. They're just waving their arms around like monkeys. But <laughs> I think it adds a lot of stuff to it because they're under a mask. Like you just never know. One one match that might be an actual wrestler that's underneath there that helps oh. out the SAT and stuff like that. That's why I like the whole <laughs> idea. I like the whole idea of the spot monkeys and I don't think they took anything away from this match other than just add nope. it to it until the end, which is when I started hating the damn spot monkeys. <laughs> the only thing that would have made the spot monkeys, be I said smart, the spot monkeys better would be if they went to do some high flying spot. And yeah. Fucked it up. That's each one of them. Too, yeah. Bam, bam, bam. Just <laughs> fucked up the spots. Wow. Um, <laughs> I thought that would be even funnier. <laughs> 
All right. So another spot speaking of that I wanted to speak about was uh, one where Ciclope hit a double release Northern light suplex on both members of the SAT at the same time. Then one of my favorite moves from the SAT, they hit the washing machine on Ciclope. This was damn near back to back. So one did one to the other two and other two said, fuck this. We're not going to let you do that to us. Boom. Washing machine. At one point, both men knock each other out. At minute eight, all four men are simultaneously fighting in the ring. Macisos go to hit the ropes and the spot monkeys interfere. That's the so crowd did not <laughs> like that shit at all. Los Macisos fight them off. So now it's Los Macisos versus the SAT and the spot monkeys. I don't believe Skills the Great had gotten involved at that point. But minute eight and a half, Macisos bring in chairs and a door accidentally dropping the door on a monkey i don't know if you'd seen that had you seen that uh no i didn't see the dropping of the monkey that was already at that point <laughs> once they interfered that's why i was like okay i'm done with you fucking monkeys we done yeah. with this match around eight and a half minutes marks when you get a chance go okay. check that out miedo drops joel on the monkeys i don't know if you'd seen any of that whatsoever uh ciclope and miedo hit a spanish fly on joel maximo for our ending our winner los macisos it was a fantastic um, title defense. This was, I think, the third or fourth one of the night. Yeah, fourth, third. Fantastic. One, think, yeah. What are your thoughts? I I loved it. It did. It lived up to my expectations. It showed once again that the Mississippos don't need to get extreme and have all the fuckery to get over and put on a great match. Um, this was a cool match for SAT. I really liked how at the beginning they gave the visual of SAT pinning Los Mesisos for the belt, even though the referee was gone. I did kind of like that. As you said, it was a nice quick start. I always loved the hot starts like that. I did not expect to finish it at that time. Um, and then, yeah, the the match was good. I really enjoyed the monkeys until they interfered and Los Macisos uh, had to fight them off. That's when I was done with the damn spot monkeys. But I do like the possibility of them possibly uh, interfering in matches in the future uh, if they do decide to work heel or whatnot. And I really love the ending as Ciclope Miedo hits the Spanish fly, their own move mm-hmm. on them for the victory. I loved, yeah, I loved every piece of this match. I, other than the damn monkeys <laughs> interfering. It was, it was fun. I enjoyed it. I would, that's another one. I would love to see them run it back because it was a fun little matchup between the two teams. And also I didn't care. Well, I did because it was for the title, but the winner and the loser in this one didn't really matter because everything was just so damn good. You know, it is what it is. This match really, really, really delivered for me. It was what I expected from two veteran teams. Both are doing incredible work at this point in their careers. And I wanted to make sure that I mentioned that because they're both doing so damn well. And the opening of you know their opening music the spot monkeys i think all of it was dead on for those of us who understand what they're talking about and if i am wrong i just made a complete story out of some shit somehow but (laughs) for me that's what it looked like there was three us sap members in aew three spot monkeys and the music of rock superstar a good chunk of it is about being fucking replaced as you get older that to me i thought was absolutely genius to the people who know that song and that would be people our age and i feel like i've seen the spot monkeys at some other show somewhere maybe it was sat at a i've seen space monkey have you seen space monkey you know who that is that's an actual wrestler right 
Yes, sir. Yeah, he I've wears a one. monkey mask and brings out bananas. Yeah, I didn't they they weren't the part of the tag team that wrestled in GCW in LA, right? Against Los Pesos? was that that team? Uh, in LA Space was the monkey, show yeah. we went to. No, 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 not the oh, show no, we went no, no. to. But like uh, yeah, that was the Bollywood Boys. One or two prior, I think they went against. I think I remember it wasn't them. It wasn't wasn't, okay. No, no, it wasn't. Or at least it isn't the person I was speaking of. Okay, I just seen the spot monkey. The space monkey. I'm. I'd love to know where you found. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I've seen them before. Maybe I'm just interesting. Maybe it's a Mandela effect or something. I have no idea. Hey, not gonna lie. When this when they uh, when they came out, I started to like look at the physiques to see if I could figure out who they were, Uh just in case it was like Thrussy. Yeah. Or you know, like SGC. No, I was thinking no, of the sponsors. Dude, think of the genius. If SGC was in those monkey outfits and fucked over Los Macisos for the title. That's what I'm saying. Boom, they can do a lot of boom. stuff with those monkeys. I need to be ah, I need to be on the damn writing team. You know, there's me and I'm guessing Brett. No, seriously though, these that, things I think would be fantastic. Yeah, and it opens up the door just of a possibility where you could not have you could just have them be in the matches around cheering and then all of a sudden yeah. they interfere. Like I, I always kind again, of equate them to the like, the Dalton Castle, the boys. Like they're not going to be involved. They're just it's like side on the side. But then when they need to get involved, they can. They can exactly. Um, it was just something that I thought of, and uh, I don't know. It's no, there is nothing hardly ever original in wrestling. So I know it's been seen before. I just don't know if I've seen that in GCW. Yeah, it could be. It would be really interesting to see a tag team that's in the run for the titles show up and fuck over someone. And again, what would be interesting is if the SAT were in on it. SGC's like, fuck yeah, we'll put you over. You win the match. They're like, all right, dog, you get in the fucking costumes. Let's do it. Yeah, that would be. Here's the long hair coming out of one of them. Just So I'll talk about it in the next show or two, but Los Macisos have been holding the titles for close to six months. I think that's beautiful. Um, They captured the titles, I believe, July 29th. That's just off the top of my head. I think it was July 29th. And if it was not that date, it was around that date. Give it about 30 days. Yeah, I like I said, I enjoyed them as a tag team. I think they're doing an awesome job with the tag team titles, wrestling against all these different teams. I mm-hmm. still, though, I think I want to see them kind of back as singles competitors in the deathmatch scene and kind of uh, put on some funny matches. Or fun, not funny, but fun. And, and <laughs> matches Definitely won't be nothing funny about that. But um, no. like, I, I do want to see them kind of not kind of branch off as sing- and go off the singles because they did a lot of stuff as tag team. But you could always bring them back when necessary for, let's say, a matchup like this SAT and stuff. But I really enjoy what they've been doing with the tag titles and defending them all over um, at every place they go and against their local talent or against like the SAT with another well-known talent. And um, yeah, it's been fun. I uh, well, we'll talk about it next episode. <laughs> oh no, no, no problem. Ciclope looked fucked up after this match was over. He took a lot of fucking punishment in this match. And again, those boys are so damn good at what they do. Respect to them. At the end of this, Miero and Ciclope go over and they bow graciously to the SAT. They have nothing but total respect. I absolutely understand it. I hope other fans get a chance to go back, see what the SAT used to do, what they're capable of, and link that with what they're doing now. 
and you understand how much these guys are also veterans of the game and should have more respect than they've gotten because they just didn't hit that main stage or this means and they should have a hundred percent so yeah if you want to go back and watch some of the old sat stuff and you will be wonderfully surprised with what's out there and what you've missed at this point so far and you'll see exactly why i i don't want to talk for both but you'll see why i'm big on them and why i'm big on them oh i've been i've been fans of them <laughs> since uh since ring of honor like i was not as go. big yep. as in ring of honor back then as i like kind of gotten more into it lately and going back and watching the old stuff that i really missed but um i have seen them there a lot and that's when i i actually started liking them was way back then um i think they did like a surprise when they added like the third brother and i had no idea it was like twin magic or something i was like whoa there's a third one even <laughs> like oh god I and honestly like right now i still the joel and jose i, I can't tell the difference of them because i just don't think i'm i don't listen to the uh the commentary as often when it's not mm-hmm. dcw shows like in those old ring of honor shows i'm not listening to commentary I, I got the well i didn't get the honor club but i've been watching some of the old ring of honor stuff. Cause I'm about to get the uh, honor club stuff to go back and watch them in better quality without having to look it up on YouTube and shit. But um, mm-hmm. I, I, even back then I couldn't tell of Joel Jose and I forgot, like I said, the third one. <laughs> oh yeah. You know what? Yeah. If I knew ahead of time, I would have looked it up real quick. I honestly do not know. Julio. Ah, that's okay. Julio. Julio. Yeah. There we go. That's what. But yeah, I'd, I'd seen him a little bit in like TNA too. Just not, I, my, my main recollection of them is ring of honor. But I think well, that it was a fun match. I'm kind of glad they did both show each other their appreciation afterwards and shook yes. hands and bowed because I thought that was just a great tag team matchup between those two, those four competitors and two teams because that is kind of like a dream matchup. And I never even thought of like the whole Mexico Puerto Rico stuff, which now it's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, the fans could have been even more behind it in LA if it would have oh, happened at the collective. <laughs> you freaking know it. And then on the East Coast, you have a Puerto Rican um, population in some of the larger cities there. So I could also see why the SAT may go over on the East Coast a little more than say on the West Coast. I look I look at it that way, honestly. That's why they usually get users like in New York and stuff like that. Yeah, but I mean, if you bring the SAT to the West Coast and they want to play heel and fuck Mexico, oh the oh my gosh, wow, that might be an idea. The fans would be so pissed off. A wrestling World Cup, independent wrestling world. Oh, don't talk like that. That is phenomenal. That'll be an episode. international. Well, well, we talked about that with the most recent cup is that or with the most recent tournament is more we really we need to players. branch that out. It's a beautiful tournament and it needs to go further because I think GCW has something to hang their hat on with that tournament. Yeah, yeah, I, that's <laughs> all I have to say, my friend. No, I, I agree. I, I could talk all day about an international, like a, a wrestling world cup for independent wrestlers. I like when WWE did it, I was like, oh, God, any other company I'd be excited for because at least we get some real outside talent. Uh, then obviously what they did with Homegrown, but they have enough people from all over the world where they don't have to do that, which is nice. But I think that would be a very fun independent wrestling world cup. There'd be a lot of people out there that you could get from, like, Vikingo Commander, all the people from New Japan, all the people from Canada that we've seen now uh, at the next shows. And everywhere that GCW travels, I think they could just be picking talent from each spot uh, as they go and bringing them in for a great uh, international World Cup. But that'll be another discussion. (laughs) 
Oh, sounds like you have a couple ideas. Oh, then. yeah. I've, I kind of had, you know, my booker head. I've gotten... Been kicking the can around <laughs> oh, up <yeah>. there. <laughs> then when I can see it, I, I'm like that Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, the meme where he's sitting on the couch drinking the beer, snapping his fingers, pointing at the TV. It's like, right, hey, right, hey. right. <laughs> That's how I feel a lot of these times watching these shows. Like, I had that same idea, but you just did it better than I ever thought of and months later. Hey, we deja vu a lot. We watch shows and we're like, hey, we mentioned, oh, hell yeah, yep. it came to, like, it came to pass. Uh-huh. Um, how much GCW has changed in the last six months has just been phenomenal. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I don't know where that came in, but, you know, that's just one of those things They're where just, we expected one and we're not have improved so much. Yeah, we're not taking credit of, like, oh, we said it, that's why they did it, but stuff that we no, talked no, about that we would love to see for improvement. Exactly, for improvement, and they've done it on their own time and better than even what we said. Like, so, like, yeah, it's not taking credit for it, but it's kind of nice, like, oh, we talked about them, we wanted it, and now we got it, and we see why we wanted it, because, like, those video packages, no, no. The, the tournament, the J-Cup, and all that stuff, it's been fantastic to watch it kind of unfold in front of our eyes. No, no, no. Yeah. I wouldn't say that somebody was, no, what I'm saying is I felt like we reflect a larger portion of the fan base. I feel like some of our, most of our opinions line with more than 50%. Yeah. So if I'm saying, fuck, I'm getting sick of my fucking connection to this show disconnecting. We need better video and audio because my audio keeps dropping. <laughs> Everybody's having yes, the same for the problem. Improvement it's not for just right. And then I'm watching the show and I'm noticing it's just match, match, match. And that's great because they're all fantastic. But when every match is fantastic, after a while, every fantastic match looks average. So then I'm going, wait a minute. There's so many wrestlers here, and they're more than just eight-minute matches. They have to have more depth to their character than that because I want to care for them more. I barely knew Effie, and then I started to know Effie through different types of storylines and character development. And I know that what happened was this. GCW wrestlers, quite a few of them, became so intriguing I wanted to know more. And I didn't feel like I was getting that. So we were talking like, hey, we need stories. Hey, we need heels. Hey, we need because it felt very one dimensional and a lot less. I don't know. It just it wasn't as professional. It feels like all of this brought up the bottom line in the company. And it just looks and feels so much better now that they've added better audio, better video, um, video packages, heels you know, functional heels, somebody for us to say, fuck you. And they're working like real working heels, not, not shitty ones that we just laugh at. Like we laugh with, with Deppin. We don't laugh at Deppin. Yeah. My biggest one is a storyline. So I think that's improved the show for me is because it's getting me invested in all these other different feuds that I probably would have never had because they wouldn't be in feuds. They'd just be a normal match. And then that's it. We're not building off a storyline, building investment and building, off of what happened in the past. And I think that's, what's gotten me way more emotionally involved in all these shows. And I think they're doing an excellent job of telling, as you said, the story stuff, but that's normally what happens right before the collective. I just hope they kind of keep it up after the collective this time, instead of just kind of going back out of just doing fun dream matches, which I'm always down for, but the stories is what gets me more involved. And that's why I've been enjoying the product a lot more, I think. So, all right, so what storylines do we have? We have the Effie Mason storyline. Well, the Effie Mason uh, Alley storyline. We have what else? Blake Christian and Akira and Masha. 
Yeah, Blake Christian versus the world. That could go with anyone, but Masha really needs to handle that. Yeah. I and because her boyfriend can't. <laughs> <laughs> her fucking boyfriend can't fucking do it. We might as well bring Masha back again. That's one match I wouldn't mind mm-hmm. seeing. I thought maybe they were gonna maybe do that before <laughs> this match is having Akira go against Nick Gage and like Nick Gage and death match is kind of beat the shit out of Akira to set up Masha coming out to even further storyline. That's what I was kind of thinking. One of these matches on actually this whole weekend, I thought maybe that would be one little thing we would see just to kind of uh, lead into that more. Um, another st- uh, story is like the whole Jordan, the Jordan winning the Jacob and mm. now opening up a bunch of avenues and now something for, all, as we said, like the non-traditional death match wrestlers to chase for and what kind of fun matches that's been leading into. Now they got Gage. the whole story. Yeah. Gage versus anyone who wants to step up. I do like that. I would like to see a surprise opponent at the collective. I'm yeah, I I said that that's what I wanted Mm -hmm. for Jordan. I was like, my whole thing, my original idea was like, hey, once Jordan won the Jacob, like have him defend it. And like, as you said, a open challenge kind of thing, but have it be like someone that he's really wanted to go against. I don't know if he really wanted to go against Takeshita or not, but I thought that was one way to kind of reintroduce Takeshita back into GCW as answering that open challenge for Jordan for the JCW title. That was one match I thought of. But that Nick Gage Hmm. being a, like, yeah, I'm all for the surprises. So I'm I'm all down for like, yeah, so a surprise opponent or I'm down for multiple surprises all weekend long at the collective, but well, of course, one of big course, one would know. even be super fun for me. Cause as you said, like what as we were talking about, and we don't know what's happening at the show. It's probably already over now, but like what's happened with Nick Gage and Masha, what's next for Nick Gage heading into the biggest weekend of GCW. Mm-hmm. And you don't have anything for your title as of this moment of recording. Like I said, we're not watching the show, the eye for an eye that's happening right now, but uh, I will be watching that after this one. So maybe all that stuff will be answered. Uh, during this show or during this weekend, as you said, this is the last weekend of shows before the collective. So uh, that kind of makes me happy that it gives us time to catch up and I have to go crazy because after the collective, we're going to be catching up for a long time and figuring that out. <laughs> but at least we have time before the collective to catch up on these shows that we've been missed the last week or two. Huh. So, all right. Um, yeah, I'm not going to go too deep in who a surprise would be, but you know, in a perfect world, seeing maybe Cardona come over and say, I am the indie God. The only thing I should do is take the championship from the top indie team in the world, the company, you know, the United States, whatever. Uh, Nick, Gage never, Nick Gage never beat Cardona. They just, Cardona lost it to Moxley in a surprise match. So they could feel, oh. they, they could go back to the Cardona thing really easily. It's like, yeah, I beat you for the title, but you didn't beat me for the title. So uh, I'm invoking my rematch clause, even though GCW doesn't have that, that'll be Cardona's WWE way of forcing himself into that match, which I think, would be fun and interesting too. I, I think that's smart if they could use Cardona at the collective because I don't think he's announced for anything. Like on any episode, uh, on any show out there. Yeah. That's a good well, thought. I do know that um, WWE is doing some in some stuff with the Cardona name. Or not Cardona. What Zach are Ryder. they doing Zack Ryder? They just yeah. they just wanted to keep it so that way he couldn't like use it or they can't use it again. But I, I, oh, oh, okay. So this was just one of those copyright re-ups yeah. where it was time to refresh the uh-huh. copyright and the usage. Yeah. Okay. And Cardona yeah. said he don't care because if he ever does go back, he's already flat out said, I'm not going back as Zack Ryder. He's dead. So I think they're just, using it, as you said, for future games or something like that, that they want to still use that trademark on. 
Well, yeah, because, I mean, if they want to put him in a video game or something, he's not going to argue with a little bit of video game money coming his way, you know, on WWE 2K23 or whatnot, which I wish someone would kind of steer me through it a little more. I would like to get WWE 2K23. If someone wants to DM me information on some people, maybe that I can find who are creators, because I would love to get some GCW, like, creator wrestlers, like, so i have i have you know anybody i have like you do i'm on 22 i had down i downloaded a bunch of uh gcw people and stuff and rings and arenas and stuff and i kind of have like a little uh gcw universe going on oh really Uh, okay yeah there's plenty out there you can see there's certain ones that like do really good on like the AEW models and stuff like that but like the independent wrestling it is kind of hard to find a perfect one but uh my always bet is don't look right now always wait till a couple months afterwards and you'll see all the stuff start to come out that's even better for the creative wrestlers and stuff like that for independent wrestling oh i'll have to look into that all right for our next matchup of the evening it is one match i was really looking forward to and but wow did they actually exceeded any and all my expectations it was it was crazy. Mm-hmm. Is El Ejo Del Vikingo going against Alex Zane? Once again, nice seeing Alex Zane back in a GCW ring. Um, it's crazy to even think that he's going against Vikingo. But I think the really cool part about this whole stuff was having a New Japan wrestler going against a AAA wrestler in a GCW ring as they both uh, represent their companies. I thought that was a pretty cool thing that GCW could hang their hat on and... Yeah, this was a crazy fun match. I know we have a you have a lot of notes. I have a lot of notes on it, and yeah, yeah plenty to talk about during <laughs> this match because woof. Yeah, as as GCW fans were in heaven for this. Um, my first note was we're in for a match. That was it. When I looked at the twenty three minutes that it took in this match, I was just. I actually went and got some tea because I'm not allowed to drink coffee. I got some tea so I could have just a little caffeine. And I sat back on the couch and I'm like, I'm going to enjoy this. Like, I really want to enjoy this from front to back because I know they're going to tell a good story. There's a ton of athleticism and Vikingo is going to show me something that I haven't seen before. And I can't wait to see what the hell it was. So I was really happy to also see Zane back. Welcome back. Chance was uh, going throughout the crowd. I agree 100 percent. Extremely happy to see Vikingo back. He's like a feather in the cap of GCW right now. Instant four-star minimum qualifying matches. It's not that hard to pull. Like, getting a three-star match out of Vakingo means the other guy completely flopped or Vakingo got injured and couldn't complete the other seven-eighths of the match. But um, So, I... Uh, but thank you, GCW, for putting these two together. Honestly, I really appreciated it. The first three minutes are a volley of moves from both men. They're really showing off. Around minute four, Vikingo hits a move I've never seen, which only took four minutes. He stood on top of the ring post. He ran the ropes, bouncing off the ropes, did an arm drag that sends Zane onto the floor. He then attempts a tope. Zane catches him. Vikingo gets out and hits a step up in Zaguri. I mean... That happened in 15, 20 seconds, man. Yeah, I oh. Alex Zane stepped up in this match. I yeah, he knew did. he's been good, but not this kind of good. Like, this was the best match I've ever seen Alex Zane have. And, like, I'm, I haven't watched a lot of his New Japan stuff. I have watched a little bit of it, but 
And I know he's motherfuckers polished. Yeah, he has improved tremendously. We've said that over and over again on this. Like he's one of the biggest ones. Him and Ninja Mac, once they've gone over uh, to Japan and they brought back everything they learned and more back in the states, and we see it during this match. Uh, I saw it in this match with Alexander. Like he stepped up tremendously to the plate. And I, uh, I think Vakingo is taking an honest shot at trying to be the best of all time. I don't, I don't know what else to say about it because to me, it seems like if there's anybody that's trying to be different, unique, somebody who has move sets that are off the charts, have, I mean, just no, he, I, he's so young I, I don't have a lot can. of words. Like there's, I have a lot of thoughts. I don't have a lot of words for what I want to say about him, but all of them are good. I mean, he's like we talked about earlier in the, yeah. in the podcast. He's getting a dream matchup with Kenny Omega on national TV like that show at the age of 25 and most of on his TV. action is in AAA, yeah. not even like on other big TV programming out here. So I think a lot of fans are commander probably blew a lot of the man uh, fans out of the water with all the crazy shit he did. I am excited to see what Twitter looks like after Vikingo's match with Kenny Omega and see how they treat Vikingo uh, because I think it's going to be, insane what he does with kenny omega okay so vikingo is with triple a right now right something tells me that wwe or aew may just pull an attempt to get that contract purchased out like buy out the contract and or seek a small partnership where he could work in their on their network all they have to do is say look we're gonna make a lot of money for you buddy and da 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 and then Make sure it's lucrative enough for AAA to let it keep rolling. And yeah, because I mean that's their cash cow right now. I believe like I I've my king goes something else. He's literally one of a kind, and to have this kind of talent as we've as we've said, not on not signed by a national uh, wrestling promotion is pretty crazy to think about. But I think after this weekend that will be gone real fast, especially with all these insane shit that only I've ever seen him do. I think it's just a matter of time before he's on to greener pastures, which is good for him. And I, I, I think Conan is, uh, is his handler for the most part. And I think that's going to be good for him. But I think AAA has a lot, a lot to lose if they lose by Kingo. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're going to have to, somebody's going to have to pay up front if they want to try to buy him out of his contract in some way. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that'll happen, but if GCW is able to snap him up and use him for a while, I don't see how other companies wouldn't be able to comfortably use him. We also don't know how long he's here. We don't know his contract. We, we don't know any of that. I think it's just something it's fun for us to kind of talk about, but all right. So getting back to this, because there was one or two things I really did want to mention in here. There's a spot where Vikingo hits a sky twister on Zane. I think it was like one spin in three rotations. I'm wondering if he has a ballet or gymnastics background because boy, does he come off like a gymnastics person. And he does it on one foot too, which is even more insane. Yeah. Yeah. And, and part of it, I think is the fact that he's a smaller guy. So it's a hell of a lot easier for him to perform that than maybe say like me at six foot plus. So that really does seem to be his advantage. And that's why I'm saying, I think he's 
he's up there with the no i don't know i don't want to compare him and commander they're on they're on different ships but when you're looking at people who can look at ray mysterio in the next generation i could look at both of these guys and go look this is the top of the next generation right here this is where it's going to be for the next five to ten years until another group comes along that may be elevated somewhere in some other way yeah, I have uh, the size difference for me was crazy. Seeing Alex Zane, how big he was. Like, <laughs> hey, Vakingo's small. Yeah. I don't know what he's really like, what he's built at, but I know it is not. I'm going to look. I'm going to look. You can go ahead and say what you need to say, my friend. I No, I'll just go. I, my I next thing is says it's easy to forget how Vikingo really, his height really is based off just the shit that we've seen him do. But I yeah. love the creative counter that Vikingo did to get out of. Uh, Alex Zane's arm bar. I mean, they kind of went to the went to the ropes and did crawled in the inside, crawled to the outside, and then end up getting out of it. I thought that was pretty uh, creative from him. And then he turned it right into a nice uh, half crab, and then bow and arrow. And then I was based off of the height difference, seeing the strength that he had to lift Zane up and hold him up and put him into even more uh, painful uh, hold was pretty crazy as well. I just I I just think it's so awesome seeing Vikingo's ground game with everything else. Uh, with his otherworldly aerial game, like mm-hmm. that's out of the mm-hmm. line. Like if he can start showing some stuff on his ground game, I think that's just going to make him, as you said, show like he actually is working to be one of the best wrestlers ever because he could just yes. sit there and improve on his aerial stuff, but he knows the other stuff is lacking and he's going to show off how good he really is on the ground game. And I very much enjoyed that part of that this matchup because he is able to show that off. Okay, so... It looks like it's showing him as 5'7 and 156. What are your thoughts on that before I say anything? 5'7? Five, 5'7, seven? Five, seven, 156. Uh, he's shorter than me. Uh, yeah. I'm not 5'7 yeah. either. I'm, I'm, I think I'm 5'6, five, 5'7. Five, he is shorter yeah. than me. I, when I did see him uh, before the. I first was night. putting him at 5'4. Yeah. I thought 5'4 was a fair number. I'm and awful. if I'm wrong by an inch or yeah. two, then 5'6 to 5'2. Yeah, I don't think he was too much smaller than me, but he was actually smaller than me, which was very surprising. And then let's talk about 156, because I, I think he's more like 135. Eh, I'm awful with that. He's got muscle on him, though. Well, yeah. muscle weighs. So he might be like 140, 145. I could see yeah, nothing more than 150, that's for sure. Yeah. I just talk about it because every now and then when I see him, I go, oh, I'm always taken back by it because it's just, wow. I don't know what else to say about it. It's just, I didn't expect it. But then I see that's kind of his secret to the acrobatic things that he does is the fact that he's able to do them because of his size. And lucky him. He's taken advantage of that. And I think Alex Zane took advantage of his size over Viking on this match when, as you said, he does the crazy like tope. He tried going outside and Alex Zane caught him before he hit the ground. Yep. Like even that point, I was like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Because... Like some, I remember Commander or not Commander, uh, Vikingo's matchup with Gringo Loco and some of the bumps that he was taking in chair shots. It was like, oh my god, like he's doing this mm-hmm. with everything like that's on the line for his future and stuff like that. And that move when Zane caught him and like Zane shook it, I was like, no fucking way, you're not landing this on me. And then using it as the power bomb, I thought that was uh, awesome of Alex Zane to show off his size differential and show off his strength then. Uh, by that Vikingo did earlier. But How I, old is Alex Zane I without think, looking? Um, I think he's thirty-three. Does he come off like he's in his, his like his thirties? Yes, no. I I just thought he was to older. me he comes off at about thirty to thirty-three. You know, 
36. I was oh, I was right. I should have stayed. I was I was going to say he's my age, I think. But I was like, no, I think he's. Yeah, 36. Well, I'm, I'm 37 now. Shit. Oh, my God. I forgot how old I am. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. But I, I thought it was close to my age. Cause I, thought I remember hearing that, too. And I was like shocked when I first heard it. So I always thought yeah. because I always saw him and Blake Christian together uh, and like how they were kind of grew up in gcw together i always thought they were kind of more similar in age but i then i i didn't remember hearing like zane was training with tony deppin a long time ago i was like oh he's just older than i thought oh well wow yeah blake christian that's another one where <laughs> i've i've even got more respect for him now but um yeah i would put him at maybe five eight blake christian five, yeah he's nine. taller than me yeah yeah, I don't think yeah, he's six he's, foot, but he's like I, th- I would say like five nine. No, nine. he's he's not six foot, but he yeah, I would I'd put him up in up in that range somewhere. Okay, okay, so we have a match to talk about, and uh, the AC crowd made this this matchup. I think for me, way got me way more involved because how into it they were. Their loud chants and they were constantly chanting something. This entire match was, which is very easy to do with these two competitors, but. I think they just kept the level excitement level up during this match and even raised it as the match went on with the more crazier shit that they'll do that you're about to say because it gets it gets even crazier. Oh, it it does all right. Um before before I get into that, I just wanted to mention because it was in my notes. I I put down I need a Haas versus Vikingo. It would be the talk of the indie scene if we had the right Haas meet Vikingo. With what the Haas could do with throwing him around and this and that, and what Vikingo could do to get away from him, but also to use for an offense, could be fantastic. Yeah, I just would, need to I find a really big like Haas that can sell. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. Sometimes it might be hard to do. This is where we might need a Bam Bam Bigelow. Oh, that'd be fun. <clears throat> so, minute six and a half here. We have Vikingo gets launched into chairs. Zane finds a door under the ring. It is at this time I have found Waldo in the crowd. If anybody else wants to find Waldo in the crowd, it'll be right around that six and a half minute mark. So minutes eight. Are you looking it up, dude? I'm watching. Ah, I think you're going to look it up. Okay, so minutes eight through 11, Zane beat up on Vikingo outside the ring for the next two, uh, three, and makes a door bridge. Vikingo is laid out. It was kind of given a chance to breathe. Now, this is something I think I've noticed in a previous match with Vikingo is he'll get launched out into the crowd and he'll tend to be there for a minute or two, kind of take his breath, collect himself, and go back. I would like to see that formula sometimes maybe changed because it only took two and I realized it was a trend. Maybe it's not a trend and in my fucking weird head, that's how it's going. But if it happens a third time, I would say, hey, they maybe need to change it up for fans that are, you know, regular watchers and regular people that, yeah. Uh, Vikingo is deceptively strong. I wanted to also mention that. He grabbed Zane out of the air and held him without stumbling. I also wanted to say, I hope to see Vikingo in Japan. I think he'd absolutely tear it up over there. Has he been there yet? I don't think so, to be honest. I have no idea. I don't. I I think the states was his first time uh, out, like out of well, out of Mexico. Just, hey, Mexican wrestling right now is fucking hot. All this talent that's just pouring out into the United States. I mean, even I mean, it doesn't matter. Los Vipers, they fucking put it down. Yeah. Got. I mean, just Ciclope, Miero, got Ares, Mander. Kingo. I mean, you could just go, go, go. And that's just who's showing up in GCW. 
Yeah, that's a lot of talent. <laughs> okay, so not going to lie. Minute 14, Zane scared me for a second. Did you see this? Minute, okay, yeah. He I, missed the front flip into the corner and landed on his neck. I thought that spot was planned because uh, how it set up for Vikingo's next spot. <laughs> okay, the reason why was because, do you notice that it fucked up Vikingo's next move? I don't think it messed it up. I think that's just such, I, it's such a hard move to okay. land. Like, that's why I, that, I've said that before with Vikingo stuff where he's going to pull out 10 fucking moves that we've never seen before and that are crazy to accomplish he's going to hit nine mm -hmm. out of ten there will be a botch in there but i will take one botch over nine incredible moves i i don't think it had anything to do with like with the i, I don't think alexane botch i think that's how it was supposed to i don't think he was supposed to land directly on his neck like how he did he just slammed straight down yeah, i thought yeah. he was supposed to take like a back bump and then roll over to get ready to catch my <laughs> kingo's leg yeah, as he yeah. did um so yeah so he went for the the front flip into the hurricane rana Vikingo mm -hmm. looked like he blocked it, or maybe it looked like Alex Zane slipped where he fell. Then he just stood there and kind of was holding his neck and was in perfect position for Vikingo then to go up to the top rope, turn around, and do the imploding 450 into a poison Rana. Look at you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I got it right. Yeah. And yes, he did. Like when he, that timing's got to be so hard, like, because you're not looking at him because he's behind you, but you uh -huh. just got to feel the legs on your shoulder, grab it, and hopefully just backflip with them i Back think that's, yeah. yeah i think it's such an incredibly difficult move to perform i think that's why when he actually hit it on bandito and triple a the fans would look in online and it went viral because of how crazy it looked yep. I, I it's a very hard move to hit so in my head here's how i saw it so you can kind of hear what kind of happened with me okay so in my head did you hear my my phone go off i was jamming to it yeah that was my alarm so anyway uh, in my head, what I saw was um, he went for the flip into the Hurricane Rana, and what I thought was sweaty body plus his legs equaled slip, and he slipped, fell on the back of his head, and it hurt like hell. But he knew the next move was to get up so that Vikingo could deliver his. Now, what I think happened was Zane was still a little out of it, and Vikingo still tried to do his move. And because Zane was still out of it, he couldn't perform that portion of the move. And then he went down and was holding his head. And then I noticed Vikingo was doing his thing. And then all of a sudden he noticed Zane. And then he went and kind of held his and kind of laid down and sold. But, I, I, but also that could be people playing their part. I was going to say it could be awesome yeah. selling, but then I also think Vikingo, like, obviously because that move was botched, they're trying to figure out, okay, who's selling what? Because if he's selling, I shouldn't be selling at this time because if he's selling, he's playing it off as if I connected. But if he's not selling, I got to play it off like I fucked up and I hurt myself. I think that's what this the issue they ran into. Because like I said, that's just a difficult move. And at least those two ways, as you said, it could be a way to get out of it to make it not sound like a botch or look like a botch. It could seem kind of planned. That's how I took it. But I mean, I, yeah, I, I absolutely yeah. see it your way too. And that's probably actually probably what happened. But for my eyes, looking at it as like a wrestling, like I, I looked at it as a way to kind of play off a mistake. Yeah. Of both of yeah. them still continuing with the match while not drawing attention to it. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's the thing. If they blurred the line, they've got me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. I, yeah. I agree with you. That's why I was like, I, I get it. I get like mine's just what I think too. 
But I think how they played it off as the wrestlers do, they they kind of looked at it like, okay, if he's selling, I can't. If he's not selling, I have to to make it look like we're both just not not selling that crazy move we just did that, and we both didn't get hurt from it. Dude, the the fake injury spots they always get me. Yeah, like like at the Grab House show where uh, Ratty fucking Cole fell out of the, the ring, injury, and he's yeah. like, my leg, oh my leg. People were freaking the fuck out because he was selling that so well. And I was just losing my shit because that, that, oh. And then he gets up 30 seconds later. I'm like, you motherfucker. He was loving that he got heel. the crowd so well. Yeah, the only guy that ran to go get ice was a guy with a cane. He literally, oh, everybody else yeah. was standing around. <clears throat> and here comes Kenny with his cane going over <laughs> to the thing to get ice from the, you know, from the vendor so that we can get help. And that was almost embarrassing that the only guy that moved and did anything, <laughs> you know, but uh, that's Kenny, who's actually a brave individual. So good for him for having more nuts than the rest of them. <laughs> so um, minute 17, Vikingo goes for a top rope. Rana gets caught and Zane throws Vikingo on the apron with a throwing power bomb. I noticed a lot of the second half was setups and spots. There was less story going on, so the minutes kind of go a little quicker here. A minute 19, Zane was laid across a door bridge. Vikingo hits a tope 630 to the outside. He goes for three, and he gets two, unfortunately. Both men are selling a story of equal ability and strength between the both of them. Minute 21, Vikingo catches a crossbody and slams Zane down. If you understand what you're maybe hearing here, a lot of these guys were catching each other mid-move, which was really impressive, especially from Vikingo's point of view. Um, Vikingo performs a series of moves that wear down Zane. There are way too many to list. He finally hits a vicious 630 on Zane for the win. Our winner in this match, El Hio del Vikingo. There is a ton of Vikingo chants coming from the crowd. Money was in the ring. My personal opinion, dude is freaking amazing. He's an instant solid match. Anytime you ask for him to come into the, you know, like put him anywhere on the show, he's going to deliver. Holy shit. If they put him in a scramble. Okay. Let's talk for a second just for fun. I didn't even, I didn't even think about this until now. Who would you put? In an all-star scramble in GCW. I'm guessing Commander, Ninja Mac, Vikingo. Gringo has to be in That's there. I was about to say Gringo. Alec Price, he's been kind of killing in the scrambles lately. Yeah. Would so. you scramble him? Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's see. I know one or two that won't be doing scrambles anymore. Uh, <laughs> Drago Kid was always good. I wouldn't like put them in as, but Drago Kid had like a six to ten month run. Mm -hmm. where you would see him constantly and always good, always quality. I don't know. Um, hmm. I think of who another one would be Alex Zane. Like I always kind of think Alex Zane was a good well, Jimmy fucking Lloyd, but I was trying to see if there were and any, that, you know what I mean? Um, you can even put Jimmy. <laughs> well, yeah, no I mean, just, just for flavor, you could throw Sam Stackhouse out there and just have the, the luchas and Sam Stackhouse, the luchas and Sam. That sounds like a <laughs> fucking <laughs> band. <laughs> yeah the luchas and sam the book right i um, yeah, yeah what are you I, thinking no i was just trying to think of another uh another wrestler but i can't think of one off the top of my head no that's okay that's okay um at some point you and i have to do a draft again yes that was fun it was 30 people 
one tenth of my team is either <laughs> dead, arrested, or like gone. Like the last thing you want to do as a performer is be drafted by me. There's a one in ten chance you won't make it to the main event. Literally, you won't even make it to the show. Possibly, I don't know. I'm just joking and making light, but. I was really surprised when I looked and I'm like, I have to take some of these guys off of my list because they fucked up in one way or another and poor Miss Oh Mr. Briscoe. That's that's another story. But yeah, man. Uh well three out of three out of thirty on my team, one tenth. Uh I have to find new people to replace. So <laughs> we might have to do a little jumble because people seem to really like it. Yeah, that was a fun episode. Uh, when did we catch up yes, and get uh hit another dead week or two, maybe we could do that. Bro, you broke my heart like 10 10 12 times <laughs> with those picks i knew i knew i was gonna get oh dude i knew i was gonna get so just worked up because i'm like oh there goes number eight there goes pick number three there goes oh it's vicious sometimes uh, so so it's funny i'm going through my notes here on this match and one of the notes i have was i liked vikingo blocking zane's flipping hurricane rana uh it was nice to see him kind of made it look like he was scouting alex zane like he knew it was coming that's later Ooh, on in my notes. Yeah. I see down low, like at that move that you're saying, the flipping Hurricane Rana, like it made it look, to me. I, I I wrote it right away. It said it looked like you just scouted Alex Zane and stuff like that. I don't think so Alex Zane made any of our rosters. It wouldn't hurt for Vikingo. Oh, I bet you I did. I bet you I did. That's my <laughs> boy. Oh, you know, I'd be picking him probably in the top uh, 15, uh, top 20. Oh, yeah, dude. So I re I went back and rewatched it. Yeah, Vikingo totally leans back. Like it was a it was a plan block. Okay, of that okay, move. good, good, good. But okay. yeah, they botched the the imploding four fifty into a poison rana. But I can't blame him for that one. Okay, so here we go. Let me see. Is this the master roster right here? That I have your roster right here. And uh oh, where did I? Where 17. did I? Seventeen. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say he's one of my dudes. Like I really. I really like him. I think he has a tremendous amount of talent and he's one of those ones where I'm happy to see him succeed. I literally watched him go from an indie wrestler to a guy who left for Japan and came back knowing who he was. That's the best way I can put it. He he came back knowing who he was. And when I saw him for the first time back in America and he had the red shades and he had the red, like he popped now and he's twisting his hair i'm like this motherfucker found his character and he did that was hammerstein i saw him right before and yeah it was like totally i was like what the hell he totally changed and mm -hmm. uh, it was perfect time he found him. himself yeah uh just real Good quick going him. back to this match because I, I did have a couple notes here i kind of forgot to say um that was pretty cool spots that it's now reading my notes it reminds me of it when um uh what's his name alex zane goes for like the baja blast on the ground and the way like Vikingo just front flipped out of it and kind of countered uh -huh. it. I thought that was pretty cool. Then later, when Alex Zane finally got the the avalanche Baja blast from the second rope and connected, I thought that was pretty cool. Like saying, like, "Hey, try it down low. It ain't working. Let me try up here and and then have it connect." Was awesome. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I I took so many notes on this match. Like, I even stopped like half of them. This was a top three match for me this year. Like, I honestly, I of matches that actually have happened this year, I think this was top three for GCW. Like, it was insane like i was wow. i was so into it the crowd obviously into it. i i enjoyed this match and like i said this elevated alex zane to another level in my book even though as you said like once he came back and found his character to me he elevated up above like yes even after this match he's up even further now like he's just shows that he could hang with the best and 
I'm kind of glad they put him in this kind of match with another high flyer because I think that's where he really succeeds is when he's able to be creatively free and do all these high flying stuff instead of going against a quote unquote Haas or whatnot, where it's going to be a little bit difficult to do all the crazy moves that Alex Zane does as he's a smaller opponent. I would die if he doesn't find himself in Ring of Honor soon. I, and I think eventually in AEW, but he, well, yes, he's a perfect fit for ring of honor. I would say though, that he's colorful and flashy enough that he may find himself on AEW because he just seems like he, he a little more development here or there. I think he's good to go. I would put him with Blake Christian and ring of honor tag scene because the ring of honor tag scene has a lot of names, but I think it'd be beneficial to both Blake and Alex. Cause I know they have team before in the past in GCW, not like as a full on tag team, but whenever they have worked together, they've looked incredible as a tag team. I think that I'm not going to argue you. Actually. I think those two would work as a tag team most anywhere. Yeah. I would like to see that one. I don't know why they just look like they gel together. I don't know if it's like, they seem like they might be the same age. I don't know what, but they kind of grew up around the same time. I think that's for me. That's where I kind of, that could be it together is because they, I seen them both kind of grow at the same time. I want to see Ninja Mac meet commander. And then they both left at this on GCW territory too. Yeah. Ninja Mac versus commander. Sorry. I'm I'm jumping around here, but all these fucking cool matches are jumping in my head and I'm like, Ooh, this one, Ooh, this one. No, there's a lot of, Fun stuff you could do with Vikingo and Alex Zane. Ready to move on to our next title match. <laughs> As you yeah. said, there was a lot of title yes. matches. That was all four. I love it. And I think this was the show stealer of the night. Uh, this was the best match, I think, of the night as well. Um, it is the GCW Ultra Violent title match as Rena Yamashita defends it against Casey Kirk slash Katal. I didn't know what to call her there. <laughs> yeah, you I'm know what? It said Casey Kirk okay. on Cage Match. Um, I'm guessing maybe because she's married, but to me, it's Casey Catal also. Yeah. So I just stuck with Casey through it said the whole Kirk. thing because it did say Kirk. Yep, she came with the nameplate of Kirk. Okay, yeah, because I was following what uh, what CageMatch.net said. So yeah, <laughs> I I thought this would be good. Wow. Uh, <laughs> there's just a lot on this match i know you got your whole your uh the minute play by play i'll let you do that because um there was so much in this match and i just think it was incredible like casey absolutely stepped up like i think she earned a uh tos or uh, ngi entrant after this match because she just (laughs) ass kicking from rena and it was (laughs) this match was nuts yeah, if I just went ahead and like cut to the chase in a few sentences, I would say this match was fantastic. We need Casey Kirk back full time. That that would pretty much be me wrapping everything up. I think she's one of those ones we can afford to watch her grow in front of us because she's so darn close to where she needs to be as a full time, uh, well-rounded performer that she really isn't missing much. She's one of those ones that I think she needs to use a microphone. Yeah, that's how I think she's going to win people is the microphone with her yeah for sure and i as i have in my notes we got the top japanese woman deathmatch wrestler and in my opinion and for america the u.s the top women's u.s Mm -hmm. uh deathmatch wrestler and it was pretty cool seeing those two kind of collide here at this show so we have seen her in jcw but this was casey's gcw debut she looked so happy to be there like i was happy for her it's like when you seen rena come out uh, when she first came out and she was just beaming happiness because, you know, she was just so happy to be there. Um, 
Casey had that glow, and that was really nice to see. Uh, Rena has reigned for 204 days. That's you're gonna say something. I was just gonna say I was uh, the one thing I was afraid of as with the pops was I'm kind of glad Casey did get as pop as she did because I thought maybe she'd get overshadowed in this matchup yeah. with the uh, with Rena with the crowd reaction as well as the in ring. Um, mm. I thought that would be kind of hard to a big uphill battle as we talk about George's match. I thought this was going to be an uphill battle for Casey, which it ended up being. But I thought like oh, just crowd wise, I thought she would kind of be lost as in the mix here with as popular as Rena is in the with the AC crowd. But luckily the AC crowd gave all the love and support for Casey that she's definitely earned outside of GCW even. So the one thing I was really noticing here more than I expected was that there were huge Rena chants. She's getting like super like star cheers. Like she is really, really over with the fans in AC. I was really surprised by it because Casey is solid. So I'm really surprised we didn't have some Casey fans. Well, there ended up being some, nothing like, you know, Rena. It was just fantastic. So go ahead and settle in. Get your hot chocolate, my friend. Papa John's going to tell you a story. The story of Rena Yamashita, Casey Kirk. Here we go. It was a clear dark night. No, okay. So here we go. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, it doesn't get any better. That's, uh, that's how it goes when you're under the weather. Still, still recovered. So GCW chants rang out across the building as tubes were being broken over each other's heads. They're both falling back first on the glass. This is something that Rena likes to do with everyone. This is what she was doing. Rena busts the tube over her own head and starts eating glass. And she honestly busted herself really good. Throughout the match, you're going to see the most blood that I think she got from the head came from her own hands. It's kind of funny. Um, it goes back and forth for about three minutes. Minute four, there's a curb stomp on Casey into a chair, and it looked like she hit a chunk of the chair that didn't feel very good. Rena has a great look when she's bleeding. I wanted to mention that. She has a scary look. Total heel if she wanted to be. Also, it looked really good because she had blood in her teeth. So you have that whole thing going on there, and it's just a great look. Rena starts cutting Casey on all four sides of the ring. She was kind of slicing on her forehead. I think everybody in our deathmatch scene in GCW likes to do that now. That's kind of the go-to thing is, okay, I'll cut you over here and da-da-da. Yeah. And then, okay, I'll slice you over. I, I get it. I heard one guy in the crowd going, it's my dude's, it's going to be my dude's birthday or something like that. <laughs> I mean, that, that could be three days from now. That could be, it wasn't his birthday, but it was going to be. <laughs> so. Uh, Rena starts cutting. All right. So minute six, Casey Spears Yamashita through a big pane of glass. That was our first big pane that was broken. Minute seven, out come the gusset plates. Rena gets one punched into her forehead, then punched into one of her shoulders. Minute eight, there are dueling chants for both performers. Minute nine, a barbed wire covered door is bridged on the floor. Minute 10, Rena launches about eight tubes Sabu style at Casey's head, and they crash hard. Around minute 10 and a half, both go off the top rope and a superplex onto the barbed wire door on the floor. Minute 12 and a half, and both women have beat the shit out of each other. That's about the only thing I can say at this point. Now, this is where it gets really interesting. This crowd was so heavy on Rena. And right around the 13-minute mark, we're starting to get new champ chants in the crowd. 
And that I felt, wouldn't hate it. That felt a lot like when Rena beat Alex Cologne for the belt. That was the same thing. Midway during the yeah. match, it was a new champ chat for Rena. No, I'm not going to lie. I, and it might be a little, but if I were the owner of a company, and this is just me, I'm not telling anybody what to do and out of due respect. It's just fun. But when I hear the crowd do that, that almost tells me the crowd is telling me it's time for a change. You know what I mean? Like what else do you, when you're going new champ, if the whole crowd is like on them, like it's time, I'd literally call it and be like, it's time. These fans want this, you know, give it to them. If Rena didn't get the reaction that she did when she gets out, like I said, I have it in my notes here a couple of times. Uh, when I go over mm-hmm. my notes, I'll say it. But like if, if Rena didn't get the cha- the, the crazy ovation that she got when she got int- introduced, I think that would, I would agree with you. I, I think they should have changed it up, but I think she's still so over themselves where they can't really do that, but they can absolutely build up to it and start teasing it. I think they need to run the collective back. Yeah, that's that's an idea. Yeah, unfortunately, without the light, I would have wanted to be as violent as this one because this. Oh, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, can't do that in L.A. Uh, That's one uh, thing. One negative. That's the only negative to that venue is the light tube situation because i'll be honest with you to me that's damn near a perfect venue it's big it can hold a ton restrooms are clean food and drink options are decent you know like here's another um, thing too why i'm kind of glad they won't do this at the collective because i had this in my notes earlier as well with mason as the ac crowd and la crowds are kind of like the definitive crowds of what you're gonna see if the wrestler is heel or face or not based off of the audience's reaction to them and i think mm-hmm. both of these competitors are mostly ac like rena yeah she wrestled here last year when they were out here for memorial day but i just don't think she was over as over here as she was in ac and i think that's why if they were to ever run this back with casey winning i would want this to be an ac because casey i don't think has ever been out here to California or the LA area. I'm not sure. Uh, I, I could... So let's talk about that for a minute. Are the Kirk's West Coast style? That's why I was saying I, I don't think they would not. be as over as they would be out in AC. So I'm kind of glad if they ever do run this, and I'm glad they did run this one in AC. If they ever were mm-hmm. to run it back, I would want it in AC specifically because I just don't think they would get the same reaction here than they did in AC. Yeah, I, j- I see. I see middle of the country, Midwest, South, East Coast, but West Coast. I'm sure she would go over over time because she's just tough as shit. But I don't know how much the Kirks would be taken in by the fans out here out west. They're they're very fickle when it comes to some of these things. And I don't know, like the Bollywood boys went way over and I didn't expect that. And they just connected with the crowd and it fucking went. And so be it. Yeah, that Um, was a surprising reaction, I thought, as well. Yeah, yeah. And I was happy they did, though, because sometimes when you see... Yeah, when you see somebody come to the show, you know, as a performer, and I'm sometimes like, God, I I hope we don't treat them like shit. I, I hope they come out and have a good night. I think about those things because I know for a lot of performers, GCW is like one of the things they definitely want to do because they've heard about our crowds. They've heard about how we are and how we treat the, you know, the performers. So we have respect and other performers want to come out here and feel that crowd and they want to have that respect that we give them. I just wanted to speculate. I just know that Casey's legit and the, the belt would be defended more often. No lie. Nothing against Rena. I just wanted to kind of mention some positives on Casey. So 
Minute 13 and a half, both women are beating each other with chair shots to the head. Minute 14, Casey rallies back. We're getting fight forever chance, people. It really is getting to that level. This match was, yes, really that good. And again, I put it in my notes. I love this crowd. Minute 15, six chairs are in the ring side by side. Casey picks up Rena and does a psycho driver onto the chairs. We're getting holy shit chance. Casey goes for three. She only gets two. Casey looks shocked. Rena and Casey chance back and forth, ringing out through the crowd. Rena with a nice straight jacket on Casey. We have a fight forever chant now. Rena hits Splash Mountain on the chairs for the ending, which gives us the winner, Rena Yamashita, who retains her title. I think everybody needs to understand that in my notes, within about a four to five minute span, you're hearing fight forever. You're hearing chants from both people. You're hearing holy shit. Think about how many matches you've watched in the last year where those chants are all coming in in about less than four minutes. This match was really that good. Yeah, it was. That's, that's all I can say. It was, yeah, incredible. Uh, I'll run down my notes real fast, too, just because I, I yeah, run yeah, man. here. But, um, yeah, I thought the same thing. Like, I thought this match was incredible. I have in my notes, too, multiple times a crowd once again, helped this match out tremendously. Mm -hmm. Not that it needed it, but I think it added to it. Not helped out. I think it added to this match. But uh, Rena playing full heel was surprising to me because um, how over she still is. And she, but she was, it looked like she was trying out a little darker character. She came out with the black. She had, as you said, more heel tendencies and stuff like that. So that was pretty surprising. Um, uh, yeah, me and, Pre me and Praise like had a couple different. Like, as I was thinking some things in my head, like, I was thinking, like, Rena's nuts. Prezak literally said it out loud, which was pretty funny. <laughs> that wasn't the first time. I forgot what it was earlier in the night. Um, Rena was ruthless towards Casey, which I thought was perfect for Casey. It gave her the sympathetic card to get the crowds behind her, and I thought that worked right. out perfectly for her. Um, Rena looked strong because of it? Yep, and she looked yep. strong as a champion, as, as a heel in this match. Perfect, yeah, perfect for it. Um, the second half of the show I, I wrote was just crazy after the Vikingo match and after this one. Um, I even said at the last episode on the last episode, I think this, this show was going to get crazy ultra violent to make up for the last few shows of not doing it. And this match yes. set that tone and <laughs> made me write in my prediction because, um, it, it was incredibly violent and <laughs> I loved how the, both women just dived headfirst into the violence, which was awesome. And I think it's also cool, though, that GCW is doing this in AC because it makes whatever region they're going to. We see when they go to L.A., it's more Lucha. When they go to uh, the Midwest and Mid-South, is more old-school storytelling and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. I really like how they're able to show all these different styles of wrestling that's popular in whatever region they go to, I think. And while still keeping the authenticity of GCW shows, I thought that was a really awesome way of how they've been booking these shows lately. Uh, yeah, this match was insane. I wrote it again here. Um, I was like, I was pretty surprised to see the crowd split halfway during the match because it made me wonder why they would turn Rena heel. Because did they really think that Casey would get that reaction? And as the match went on, yeah, Casey definitely earned it and yep. proved me wrong in my statement because I even wrote it down. I'm like, boy, was I wrong because I, I changed a couple minutes later. And the light tube, ex the light tube exchange was it for me. That was like the highlight of the match because they were just going at it. And then Casey, uh, Casey no-selling some of these light tube shots I thought was pretty funny. 
are pretty cool to see because it just showed her how tough she really is and how bad she really wanted it and was willing to put her body and anything else on the line to win this belt from Rena. And I thought that added to the story tremendously. Um, and the whole card at this point, too, was starting to feel like a authentic, familiar and classic GCW show that we had back when they were hot and running these kind of shows with these bigger crowds in AC. So I was really kind of glad to see a classic GCW show um, with AC. And I, I think GCW is on such a great run right now and they're representing their brand, like I said, of wherever they go and what GCW is all about. They're going to give the fans at their specific areas and regions and territories what they want to see while also incorporating some more of the GCW uh, craziness even though, like, when they're not supposed to get crazy, they're still going to get crazy, just not with light tubes, just with doors and tables and all that stuff. And I, I during this match, I thought there was over, like, five different times. I thought Rena, <laughs> Rena had it, and Casey just kicked out. I thought this was incredible. This was an incredible showcase for Casey with GCW for her JC, uh, GCW debut. So, I'll go ahead and wrap it up like this. We want Casey back. Yes. If If anything else goes out there... We want Casey back. We think she's fantastic. She did a great job. I really honestly think, and pay attention to this, the GCW crowd is the type of fans I think Casey deserves. Yeah. And I think she'd be able to feed off of those fans. And I feel like she is a GCW type of performer. I she has the look. She kicks ass. She's tough. Sorry, bud. No, Go you're good. It. No, I was just saying, this yeah. match solidified uh, uh, what you're saying. I think this match proved that she belongs to be with GCW, especially with hopefully upcoming during the summer uh, deathmatch season coming up and deathmatch tournaments, I would definitely yep. want to see her in one or both or if not all of these tournaments because she definitely earned it in this match. So I would also say that ICW and HB should be proud that they had a representative out here kicking ass like they did. I don't know politics. I don't know who gets along or doesn't get along. I would love to see because they're also deathmatch gcw versus icw nhb but i'm not 100 percent if yeah. everybody gets along no i just you know what i mean i'm saying that because i just don't know and if i step on something or if i said something that maybe other fans know like oh demanto and that i don't know i don't know maybe maybe there's something going on there but i see where there could be a beautiful match made in heaven if they did decide to work together i just know that we'd have to have ropes not chains hundred oh, percent. Oh my gosh. It just, it doesn't work. I'm not going to lie. It just, it doesn't it work. It looks cool. It I, looks I, cool. But I wonder about the wrestlers getting pinched, dude, getting I pinched by a chain. Fuck. Things like that. Like you can't really like, how are you going to go up, like go up against it and bounce off it? There's no bounce. It looked cool at the beginning as a concept, but I think right away you saw all the negatives that comes with having yeah. chains instead of ropes and i think that like i'm really surprised they're still keeping on doing this after so long that they've been using the chains because yeah. i really think it ran its course real fast when i first saw the whole chains and stuff like that and it's rather deathmatchy because i guess that's my thing um gcw versus aiw out of cleveland is another one that's a pretty damn good deathmatch company that um they they have some really awesome venues that are like backyards and um, like, oh, what did I see one time? The the backyard of a legion. It, it, you know, there's like cornfields in the oh, back. Oh, okay, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of the um, AIW will do a lot of places like GCW did for backyard wrestling, like okay. that kind of stuff. So 
though, as a fan who likes maybe backyard wrestling or things like that, generally they used to do a lot of outside venues and I always used to really enjoy. Um, I'm not going to let this outshine Rena. She put in an absolutely solid performance. A lot of wrestling was still going on here. I'm really happy also that this match had time to breathe. Both of these women can fill 20 minutes, and that's damn near what they had in this match. It was just a touch under 19. So I'm just saying if these two were um, regular salaried employees or whatnot, I'm not going to complain if both of these were in our regular rotation. I think I think both of them would have a good spot on our squad. And again, if I were to bring Casey in, I put her on a microphone so that she could explain who she is, how she works, and why she's, you know, quote unquote, a badass like all the others that come through. Yeah, like I said, I think she's the best woman independent uh, deathmatch wrestler right now uh, hmm. in the yeah. United States. I, I'll be honest, I don't, I don't follow ICW and all these other promotions as much as I should. And I know there are other great female ones out there, but I know like, isn't she, or was just the, the heavyweight, the deathmatch champion. I thought she, Casey yeah. was for a little bit. So you said, and so it's recognized yeah. that she's the deathmatch champion out here in the state oh, men yeah. or women. It doesn't matter men or women, but I just oh, love exactly. She's fighting yeah. men 75% of the time. And I, I <laughs> definitely want to see her back more. And I would like to see them. As you said, give Casey the mic, explain why she was put in this match, why she deserves a rematch and it's like kind of have it be like territorial where she could say she's yeah, coming to yeah. invade and stuff like that. And Rena's like, well, no, I'm this is GCW and, Re- and Casey's like, really? Cause where are you going to be next month for the next three months? Like, we're not going to see you here. So they deserve a fight and check. They could do a lot of what they did with Kelowna Murdoch with this, with this feud. And I would, I'd be down for it. Cause I, like I said, Casey, I, I don't want to make this sound bad either. I, I don't want, I feel like it'd be a step backwards for her if she went back to like the change or something like that. And we didn't see her for a long time. I feel well, like it'd yeah, it's, down. it's a smaller show. The reach overall for someone to watch it is a touch smaller. It's going through IWTV. So you're right. You're right. Um, yeah. I just think that she's ready to step up. The, the- <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. It's incredible, like, is how much it put over. Like you said, we don't want to take nothing from Rena. I know we're saying Casey a lot, but I think that just shows how well Rena did during this match to get her opponent that over as a champion. That's yeah. what your champion is supposed yeah. to do to get their opponents over. So that way, now they're a credible opponent for other opponents down the line and in the future. I think that elevated. Rena's job is elevate Casey, and she did a fantastic job of that while yeah. introducing, like I said, it looked like a new heel character. And even then, she was so good with the heel character, the crowd still absolutely loved Rena. So I, yeah, Rena definitely is showing why she's ultra by the champion and deserves to be because she's been on an awesome role lately with GCW. And I hope to see Casey have the same, uh, go on a same similar role that Rena's going on right now in GCW. For the ninth matchup of the evening, we have Maki Ito going against Lou. Fisto. And I thought this was going to be a fun matchup. Uh, wrestling legend and Lufisto going against Maki Ito. But she surprised me when she came out to whom the bell tolls. And I thought that was mm-hmm. a funny little thing to kind of play into the whole MGK Maki Ito stuff. And the crowd absolutely went nuts, just like how they would with uh, Nick Gage. And I just really liked that whole entrance and stuff. I, that, to me, that was like kind of the highlight of the match. Match was, match was good. I, normal... Uh, 
match in my opinion. I had nothing too crazy spots and stuff like that, but I really enjoyed how Maki's getting over with the crowd while still losing some of these big matches, but just still represent the MDK gain and still getting the pop that she is. It's been fun to watch. Yeah. So here we go. So I'll go back uh, just for a moment. We had Lufisto out first, first ballot hall of famer. She was a heel. You are dead on. Someone stepped on the train of her outfit and she was mad. She got up in the guy's face, kind of stared at him. No lie, I like Lufisto with the horns. I do miss that Lufisto. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it, it's a cool looking Lufisto. Really? Oh, I never seen uh, her with the horns before, but I go I'm look up Lufisto with the black horns. Okay, she has a fantastic look to her. Um, and now back over here to Maki. I I screwed this up actually. I think okay, so Maki comes out to Gage's music. I can't say it's hers just yet. But I like it. It works if they carry it through the next few years. She's getting the superstar treatment from GCW. She's over. A lot of MDK chants as Maki grabs a microphone. She says, where's my fucking gang at? And of course, Lufisto pummels her from behind. And the crowd boos like crazy. Which reminded me, because I'm looking at the size, and I need Lufisto versus Jordan Grace. If that hasn't happened that needs to happen between the height and the, the build and the look i'm thinking lufisto may be jordan grace's mom i mean it's just like <laughs> it, it's possible you never know there is a, a difference in age there too but they do have a similar look and who knows but tons of maki ito chants that would not stop throughout the match lufisto is being rough on maki which i think is a good thing uh, for GCW fans to respect Maki more, she will need to eat a little bit of pain every now and then. Lufisto is in control for the first half of the match with small glimmers of Maki throughout. Otherwise, it's primarily a veteran beatdown. Lufisto decided to face wash Ito, which was kind of a snub at Maki and Gage. Um, and that got her some heat. There were then double headbutts at one point. Maki then takes more control in the second half of the match. I feel each one had the spotlight for different types or for an equal amount of time, just of different portions. Maki hits a DDT off the top rope, then hits another DDT for our ending in this match. Our winner was Maki Ito. And every time we see Maki, it's nice to see her. She always, it's really funny with her. The fans are part of her the entertainment we get from her, the fans are part of it because the MDK thing. Whoever thought of putting her and Nick Gage's gimmick together is a fucking genius. And, it works. And she's playing it off too with the non-smiling during the entrance. She's got that serious badass look. Like I like how she did what mm -hmm. Nick Gage does in AC. Like go to every single side of the ring, step on the chair, get the fans. But like she had that serious look on her face. Like I think she is playing the character very well. And I think even like... While they, uh, while MLJ was announcing Makito, you see like Lufisto kind of like hold her mouth, kind of like trying to hold back a little laughter. It looked like, but I, I've been a fan of Makito since I first saw her in AEW because I just think she's entertaining as like a comedy wrestler. She can still go in the ring, but I like when she does like that sleeping head button stuff like that. And I think she's very charismatic for uh, uh, foreign talent to be oh, yeah. this over just based off of her. Um, charisma in uh in the american i think that's been awesome to see and i'm finally glad now she's getting some victories in gcw because i think like her first two or three matches she took uh losses but while you were going over your uh 
your rundown. I did look up Lufisto's history with Jordan Grayson. Holy shit, there is a history there. They've either yeah, teamed or be won against each other like at least 30 times. And they actually used to be a tag team oh, in Beyond Wrestling. Yeah. They were like a I, big tag I, I team in Beyond maybe, Wrestling. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe in the deep recesses of my head, I used to watch them and it just came out one day and blurted out of my mouth. I don't know. They have a hit. Like, I, like, I was shocked to see that many names. That's fucking weird. Times I had to have seen them then and forgot or something. It uh, looks like, wow. like uh, a lot of it's in Beyond. Um, uh, hmm. And... Yeah, it looks like Beyond or Wow. Yeah, that's well, pretty cool. Though. I didn't know they had that uh, history, and I didn't know it was that deep. Well, so the other thing that I really thought was good was with the GCW crowds, we're still respectful to you know talent that are veterans or talent that are you know Hall of Famers. And as Lufisto was leaving, the GCW crowd made sure that they gave her thanks as uh, she was walking through that curtain. Then Gage's music hits. The fans swarm. Gage is walking around receiving tons of love. He hits the ring, grabs the mic, and asks for that fucking music to be cut off. Everybody always laughs when he says that, which I always think is funny. So I can never tell when he's course, serious or not. Oh, you know what? Half the time, I think it's just the you know the rough gimmick. Yeah. Shut that shit, you know. But uh, yeah, of course, where's my fucking gang at? The crowd pops hard. Gage thanks everyone for coming out, supporting him and GCW. He declares the MDK gang is running this motherfucker. Now, let's not go too far, but if there was a gang, that's why we were talking, because he, that could be something here. There really could be something here. Not only that, if it's done right, they could play around with other companies with that little gang. And I, would I don't like know. To kind of I don't see, know. I was just, we were talking with Charles Mason. If he came and started attacking Nick Gage with his mercenaries, those he'll Nick Gage will see he's outnumbered. And hey, I got this gang member. I got that gang member to kind of show support. I, I think that would be surprised cool. if it's East West. Yeah, I would that's not one. be surprised if it's East West, man. That's one I was thinking possible. about. Yeah, so of course. Sense. I, it's just it, it does it's the young guys you know it's part of that youth initiative that maybe should happen further through gcw to get in the younger talent i don't know how but it's not entirely horrible for them to be flashing these guys a little more to maybe get in the female fans too doesn't hurt it i don't know if you notice but there are a lot of female fans in the gcw crowds yeah i've, always, I've noticed I, that quite a bit i've kind of always noticed that i think it's just because the environment like i said my wife's not even a wrestling fan but she loves going to these GCW shows, loves going to L.A., traveling across the country, going to see these shows. And she's not mm-hmm. even a wrestling fan. So I can imagine like yeah, a female wrestling fan feeling comfortable in GCW crowd. They make everybody feel comfortable. They even make kids feel comfortable. Like even though they get rowdy and crazy, they still always take care of what's like you said, it's one big family, one big gang. And they always take care of each other. But I could see women seeing that as kind of like a, even though it sounds weird, but as a safe space, once they go to their first show, they realize they are safe there and it's not as many people as it would be like going to like a WWE or AEW and stuff like that. So I do found, I did find that first very interesting when I first started watching GCW. I didn't understand it, but once my wife got into it, it made total sense and she's kind of explained it to me and everything. Like kind of how I said, it's just, it's yeah. a fun environment. You feel a part of the show. You are a part of the show. They the talent there is so awesome with kids, family members, every every fan they see, and for the most part, ninety nine percent of the time, you're going to have a positive experience going to a GCW show. Male, female, adult, kid, no matter who you are, you're going to enjoy yourself. And I think that's kind of by word of mouth gotten more 
fans to go to these shows and feel more comfortable regardless of gender, age, size, anything. Yeah, anything. Um, so, yeah, I think at some point this might be something that needs to be done so they can bring in more younger kids. I don't know. Maybe at some point they have a talent that just lights up the crowd for the kids. I know uh, Kylie Ray was one of those ones that just had that happy poppy thing that all kids love um that just when she comes out they just fall in love with it i know it's a little weird but psycho clown same thing he comes out the kids are all like what the fuck is this but they're happy someone's (laughs) partying with them you know um things like that that are interactive for the kids i think would absolutely be fantastic Oh, my kid, I don't know. My kid enjoyed yelling that... at Cardona and Mason. That made it interactive for him. Hey, man. <laughs> but you know what? If you have the cool parents that, you know, I don't say cool, but if you have the parents that allow you to cuss and do that, it shows, man. Of course, they want to come to those shows and, cuss <laughs> and say things they're not allowed to say. Yeah. Man, I'd have loved to have said fuck you to someone when I was eight years old in front of my dad. I'd have loved it. <laughs> I'd get the shit kicked. He never even heard me say the F word probably until 19, 20, 21. Oh, wow. Because honestly, oh, God, no, no, never, never. He'd use that shit all day long. But if I would have said it, that's a whole other ballgame. <laughs> Old school military upbringing. JCW is the outlet for my child to get all of his anger out and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think my kid's loving that shit, too, man. He likes it a lot. We're yeah, we're we're permanent now from here on out. So. Back to it here. Gage goes ahead, hands the mic to Maki Ito. She says, it's MDK all fucking day. We know how it is. And she ends it with the way I like to hear it now. She says, I fucking love you people. And everybody just cheered and the crowd popped. I just, I love it. I hope they build her into a badass somehow. But um, yeah, that's the magic of wrestling. I really do think this is one of those things where we could really see amazing things here if the GCW machine continues to be behind Maki Ito. Yeah, I, I didn't have too many notes in, in this match, but I did because we're watching. I was watching. I was we're talking about it. I did forget the one spot where like Lufisto's making fun of Maki Ito in the corner, like rubbing her eyes, and yes, yeah, she just like looked at her, <laughs> like you know what, and low blows her. I love that and gave her the finger. I like the attitude for Maki Ito. It adds more to her character, and it's, it's perfect the GCW for the whole attitude. MDK. Yep. And I love it. And she's she's adapting to it. And I wish you could tell she's enjoying her time here because she keeps on coming back here, which is awesome yeah. to see. Like I like I said, when she first started wrestling, I kind of got scared of, hey, if they're going to keep on giving her L's and not letting her do some fun stuff that she might not want to keep coming back. And pretty much since then, she's been on a nice little roll. And I'm still glad every time we get to see her because I do think she adds another little element to these shows. Comedy as it is, it's still entertaining because she can still wrestle in the ring when given the time to do so. She's one of my favorite female wrestlers. Yeah. Period. I'd rather see her walk out than others at times. And that's a that's a good thing. No disrespect to anyone else. It's just that's where she's at in her level. I like it. Yeah, and so, I think this was a good opponent for her to get even more over with Lufisto playing the heel role as well as she did during this yeah. match. And the veteran talent that she can, I, I thought that was awesome on both competitors to put on a great little match, even though they weren't given too much time, but to still get over with the crowd as much as they did. I thought that was pretty cool. I feel like Maki is Janela, where she can kind of interject herself in any match and still make it entertaining. I would not have seen her have this match with Lufisto and be moderately entertaining. I thought it would just be, you know, she came out, we're happy to see her. They do their four or five things they're known to do and get out. And it was a little bit more than that. And I really did appreciate it. So 
say. Thank you, Maki and Lufisto. It was nice to see Lufisto. She is in the golden ages of her career and still kicking ass. I thought she was going to be kind of, even though she was my dark horse pick on AEW this week when they went to Canada to go against Canadian talent. Oh, really? Jade Cargo. I, they did like an open challenge, and I, my dark horse was Lufisto. I thought that'd be kind of a cool moment to finally put her in a big national TV spotlight in her home country to uh have a nice television match on uh aew oh did you end up seeing lufisto with the black horns oh no i did not yet oh yeah it's a killer outfit it's uh, like all black it's like uh trying to think of what it was but i can't think of the disney queen but evil disney queen oh like the oh yeah that's i was gonna say the one from little mermaid but <laughs> uh, ursula yeah ursula yeah Does we're getting off the track yeah. <laughs> uh I don't know what that bitch has. She got tentacles. <laughs> Maleficent sounds uh, sounds more like it, though. I haven't watched Disney shows in forever. And we are on to our uh, main <laughs> event after Disney. We are going to get... after Yeah, after cartoons are over. We are getting very <laughs> violent now. As our main event, as we said earlier in the night, is Drew Parker's last death match on U.S. soil. And I thought it was a perfect opponent. A kind of a new face as an opponent, which I'm kind of glad for. And John Wayne Murdoch, who uh, the big selling point for me was you have the winners of TOS and Drew Parker last year and the winner of NGI this year and John Wayne Murdoch. And I really liked how they had two tournament winners face off against each other and AC. And I thought it was a great matchup. Uh, I know you have. You're play by play with the death match, so I'll let you do that because I know it's a. <laughs> you have my, you might be ten minutes just on Drew Parker's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, hey man, I tell you. So go ahead, grab the popcorn, get a beer. Papa John's gonna tell you a story. Here we go. All right. I don't know why I've said that tonight, but it is kind of funny. Plus, I've never called myself Papa John. It about sounds kind of selling pizza yeah. now. I'm getting hungry. It's getting late. Dude, I'd love to have some fucking pizza. Okay, <laughs> so. You are correct. This is the last U.S. death match for Drew Parker. We're so thankful we could have it at GCW. Dude's only 25 years old, and he has 10 years in-ring experience. He's from Wales in the U.K., and he is, here we go, a two-time BJW Deathmatch Heavyweight Champion, a 12-time Hope 24-7 Hardcore Champion, a former Knights of Chaos Champion, a PWI BWP World Tag Team Champion, a Dragon Pro Tag Team Champion, King of the Deathmatch winner of 2016, former King of Freedoms Champion, GCW Ultimate or Ultra, Ultra Violent Champion, which he'd held for 93 days. And he's also the winner of winner of Tournament of Survival 7. He comes out and you can see this man is sad, upset. Um, I don't know if this is something he's forced to do, he wanted to do, or what the situation is. But he loves what he's doing and it shows all over his face. The Drew Parker chants are going like crazy, and when he is announced, the streamers rain down on him. Like it, it's just lovely to so see. That was it's fucking awesome. a show of respect. Yes, I know yeah, you're a big I, fan of streamers, and huge. I thought you would be saying about that because I I thought that was cool too, seeing all the streamers. That it this made it feel it's respect. very special. Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah, and what it does is it's like all this respect and love is raining down on this person, and yeah. And the guy, okay, I also been wanting to mention this guy for like the entire show as well, but I just thought about it. Doesn't the guy with the damn blowhorn, like also, 
Yeah, Lower he's there, all right. Entrance. I, I, I know he gets annoying. I know it does get annoying. Not this person, but I'm just saying, I know it does get annoying, but I thought what he when he did it during this night was perfect timing on everything. It added, like, way more excitement and, like, uh, like seriousness to me. I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was awesome. As long as it's used properly. Yeah. Yes. And it wasn't overblown. If it ends up, if it ends up fucking up gcw years of taping between 2023 right. and 2025 it's a different <laughs> that would be something that'd have to be explained but i you're right like he knows when to hit it just at the right time okay so murdoch is then out i'm not gonna list murdoch's accolades there's honestly too many my thoughts on Murdoch, though, are as long as he doesn't stop any sign anytime soon, he will go down as a deathmatch legend. He's fearless. Veterans love him. They trust him. He works any match available to him. He could be heel. He could be a face. Also, he's only 34 years old. So if you get a chance, even if it's on TV, watch him live. We'll be talking about him 10 to 20 years from now. He puts in a lot of work every week. You can always watch something on tape. It's not as fun watch it live say you've seen him live and enjoy every match he does because he's piling these things up he's got multiple matches every week and you know this isn't easy on the body and he's a good family man and he loves his bunnies so let's be honest you got to get behind someone like that and of course looking at this situation murdoch was the man that was picked to give drew his last match so that's a level of respect also right there that he was trusted to be the pair of hands to you know go out there and fight against him emil is announcing each man i feel sad over drew it's just bittersweet your thoughts i yeah just yeah. going back to what you said about john wayne murdoch and drew like yeah john wayne murdoch you hit the nail on the head everything like he's probably i think they said not last year but the year before like during the pandemic he was like the hardest had the most matches of any independent wrestler and we all know yeah. him. It's not just straight matches. It's always a lot of death matches, a lot of Iron Man death matches, a lot of death match tournaments he's been on. I th I agree with you. I think he probably is the hardest working uh, right now uh, death match wrestler in the States. Um, and he has definitely earned the trust. And I thought that was very cool of Drew Parker, as you said, trusting someone to uh, have his final death match with. I thought that was a perfect opponent. If it wasn't going to be Alex Cologne, I thought this was a perfect call mm -hmm. because I, I think... Murdoch is respected and trusted by other wrestlers uh, in the locker room and around the world as well, just as much as Alex Cologne is. And I thought that was cool of Drew Parker having this moment with him. And kind of, I know it's weird to say because the age difference and stuff, but maybe a little passing of the torch of, hey, my career's done, but yours ain't. Let's just go out here and have an incredible match. And let's try to make you look good too, because you're going to be taken over for something that I obviously love. As we you said during the entrance, like that, I, I was heartbroken too. That's what really made me think like, is he done with GCW or is it just deathmatch? Yeah. And I could see him honestly being that upset if it's just deathmatch wrestling, because it's such a big part of his lifestyle and everything he's been doing over the years in wrestling for him to give up pretty much what he kept on wrestling for and fell in love with to choose that over the lot safer and easier path. He chose the harder path and, seeing his emotions in this pre-match like i i was like this is going to be a rough one to watch because mm -hmm. uh it's knowing that it could be his last it is his last match it, it's very tough it kind of felt like watching rick flair's kind of well I, I i actually trust drew parker with this being his last death match and i do with rick flair <laughs> of that being his last match against hbk because i didn't think that would ever be his last match but you i felt 
the same. I saw the same way that Drew felt that I saw Ric Flair felt that night, and it kind of sucked. So I'm gonna throw out some old names just for fun, but I would have died to have seen Drew Parker take on Sick Nick Mondo. Um, you haven't seen much on him yet, but when you get a chance, holy shit. Um, I would also have liked to have seen him take on New Jack. I think him and New Jack would be a very interesting combo together. Um, you'd have two different styles going at it, and New Jack is not afraid to go up high also. I was just about to say, you have two very unafraid people going at it. (laughs) Correct. Crazy That's just like New Jack and Crazy Monkey. Like, those are the two that I would have loved to have seen face off because, ugh. It's like Abdullah and Crazy Monkey. You just want to see how much blood falls. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm just a sick fuck in that sense. I don't. Um, Murdoch was getting tons of Duke chance. That was a respect thing. I appreciate that. So did the fans. Drew is announced and is heavily tearing up. We're getting thank you, Drew chance from the crowd. It's a lot of chanting in this again because the crowd is fucking awesome. That's why. Murdoch was drawing a little heat. We had John Wayne pussy chants that were going around. He still starts the match with a handshake. The starting minute, Murdoch goes outside and gets a bucket of gusset plates. He dumps them in the middle of the ring. I'm guessing there's probably 20 of them. Murdoch ends up getting body slammed twice onto those gussets. And then gussets are put into his arms and the top of his head. He really is bleeding good within the first minute and a half, two minutes. About a minute and a half, about two and a half minutes, two minutes into this, roughly, Drew brings out the darts and starts throwing several darts into dude's back. They walk around the ring and keep throwing darts, and Murdoch is punctured several times. This is one spot I hope gets passed down to Jimmy Lloyd, because I know when Drew Parker got hurt, Jimmy Lloyd did this to Marcus Mathers at the Backyard Show as a way to say, like, hey, I know you're still out there, Drew. This is our little homage to you i hope that kind of that spot gets taken over by jimmy lloyd because that's a that's a fun spot i like to watch i i, I like the dark spot i don't know why oh, it makes me cringe yeah man. live with my son my son saw it in ring of honor i forgot who the two people did in ring of honor they did the dark spot like my son just looked at me he's like those aren't real i'm like and then he pulled it out of his back and then he saw the blood oh. he looked at me he's like that's real? I'm like, oh yeah, buddy. There ain't no selling uh-huh. the darts. You just got to take it. But luckily it's like a little, I, I try to explain to him like, oh, it's just a little pinch on your back. You don't really feel it. And then he was just like, oh. well, that would still hurt. I'm like, okay, nothing's getting by you. Yes. <laughs> so that is a spot I would like to see continued and hopefully by Jimmy Lloyd because uh, I know Jimmy Lloyd and Alex kind of have a little thing. A lot of respect with each yeah. other as well. No, it's smart. And I'm with you there. I hope that somebody carries it on as a homage. Like, the other thing would be it would really be cool to have a deathmatch move and call it the Parker something. Like, we have the acid kick. We could have the Parker, whatever, the Parker pile drive. <laughs> so, uh, minute four and a half, Drew's forehead is getting cut by a light tube from Murdoch. Another bucket of gussets are brought in and stuck to his forehead. Over half of Murdoch's face is red at this point. Minute five and a half, and our first large pane of glass is broken with Drew's body. His face is covered in blood about 85%. Minute six, and Murdoch is carving into Drew's chest with a light tube. We have fuck him up, Parker, fuck him up chance going on. Minute seven, Drew hits the Death Valley driver on Murdoch through a pane of glass. Minute seven and a half, and we have some super strong glass. It fails twice, and so Murdoch hits a pile driver on Parker through that glass which ends up giving us a lot of Duke chance. 
Murdoch then hits a deep south destroyer from the apron to the floor and through a door. It looked vicious because the door didn't fucking break. It just hit flat on the floor. <laughs> the weapons this night were very strong weapons, and it was obvious, and the performers <laughs> were really struggling with them at times. Minute 10 and Drew jumps from the top rope and hits a swanton on Murdoch, who was underneath a glass pane on the floor. Murdoch gets picked off the floor, and there's this huge man-sized blood stain from where his back was on the floor. If you see it, it's just wow. Minute 12, Drew with another swanton onto Murdoch with two bundles of light tubes on his chest. Minute 13, Drew hits Murdoch with a knee onto his chest. Minute 14, Drew misses a swanton off the ladder. Murdoch hits two consecutive brain busters, but only gets a two count. Murdoch then grabs a lot of light tubes and places them in the middle of the ring. We have Drew Parker chance. People are feeling like this is closing out soon. They both battle on the top rope for a small amount of time. Murdoch hits a top rope deep south destroyer and sends Parker headfirst into all of the tubes that were set up in the middle of the ring. He converts that into a submission where Parker eventually taps out. Our winner in this match, surprisingly, was John Wayne Murdoch. But to be honest with you, sometimes the guy going out usually does lose to put over the guy who is still there at this time, because that is how life is in wrestling world. The, the guy who's on his way out, makes sure to put over the young guy so that the business stays strong. And I'm glad that happened. I think, as I said, yes. this was kind of a passing of the torch. From Did he need it? No. 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 Sorry, I, I just broke in with you. There, no. But did he need it? No. But it worked. Yeah, and I think it added more emotional investment and value to this whole match as well. Um, mm -hmm. And going into um, the match, like, oh, I see it on your notes later. I could talk, or I could bring it up later. Um, talk it out, man. Talk well, it out. How next, the next night he was supposed to wrestle against Speedball, but yes, something yeah. happened, I'm going to assume, during this match where he got hurt, but I didn't see it. I couldn't it figure out where. Yeah, yeah. me neither. I, that's what I was going to say. Did you see it anywhere? Because, and who knows, maybe just got like all the adrenaline wore off and backstage you're fucking, oh, this is broken, this hurts, that hurts. Like, you never know. As soon as the adrenaline runs out, then you quickly find out. But, um, so it was a great match. Great match. I was thinking of going a little bit longer, get a little bit more crazier, but then I could see Drew like, hey, I've given you guys all the crazy shit. We're going to do another safe, crazy one, but I'm not going to go as crazy. I thought he would just put it out all on the line and give it literally at all. I'm not saying he didn't, but I thought it would be a lot more crazier spots and more dangerous spots, which I'm very glad did not happen because I don't want him to get hurt or anyone to get hurt. But I was just really thinking Drew Parker, especially the way this match started off, you saw the emotion in his face. I was like, he's going to give it at his all. He's going to do something pretty nuts, or you could even say stupid during this match, just to kind of send off one last thing for his legacy. We didn't see that, which I'm glad for. I just thought it would get crazy, and I'm glad it didn't because it was nice, safe. They told a great story without getting too dangerous, and... Uh, I like I, I'm not getting emotional for it, but I just like I I hope this ain't the end for Drew. Like I honestly, yeah. If we yeah. go back to like I, I, we were talking about just our uh, our own little draft here, I think I drew I picked Parker number three. I think as my yeah, drew yeah Parker yeah. number three. Like I just think he was always the like he was the prince. Nick Age is the king. Drew Parker's the prince. But I actually at this point think Drew Parker's doing it at a whole another level. He is still one of my favorites. Like I said, I hope I. We get to see more of him in GCW. I hope this is not the end for him. I hope he gets, I think he can have an incredible career. 
as a traditional wrestler and go far because he's that good in the ring. And mm-hmm. I just hope he, whatever he does, it's he's having fun. He's enjoying himself. Selfishly, I really hope it's not the last of him, but just the way I saw all the wrestlers, him, the way he acted during this match and and kind of got pulled off the next match without anything announced other than right before the show, they announced uh, that he wasn't going to be competing against Speedball. I just, I, I feel like it's the end, but I pray that it's not the end. No, no. Yeah. You shut your shit. I know. Like, right I, I, don't I, you dare talk like that. <laughs> this is one wrestler. Like I don't want to see leave right now. Like Alex Cologne he's only he's so young. Yes. Like he's that, done so much at such an age. I think that his trajectory would be by 30. He'd be fucking dead. What else are you going to do with him? Like, I think that's what it is, is he goes, I'm so fucking talented and I'm such a good wrestler. Why do I got to bust this across my face just to... I'm hoping that's it. I'm yeah. hoping he yeah. still wants to wrestle. Me too. Not Me the too. death match. And I think it's it's wrestling. Never say never anyway. But I pretty much could say that's probably will be the last death match. But who knows? And if it was yeah. his last death match, I thought it was it was a good one. I it wasn't his why. best. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He burns, he burns hard. He burns strong. You know? Yeah. That's what it is. But I'm glad so. John Wayne Murdoch did get put over here and... Kind of handed the, handed the keys to take over, and hopefully, uh, oh well, without hopefully, we know John Wayne Murdoch will take those keys and go very far because he's already done. <laughs> he's done enough too, where oh, he yeah. could call it, he could call it an end for Deathmatch Wrestling for himself as well. So at the end of this, both men are laying on the ground with huge hugs. Drew is crying. Fans are chanting, "Thank you, Drew." Both men eventually stand to their feet. Still, big hug. Good words were exchanged between both men. Murdoch raises Drew's hand. So Parker then grabs a mic, says he's thankful for deathmatch wrestling and everything that has come along with it. He's had six years in for him and he is done. He's super thankful for every moment and every fan. So that's what we're talking about. Yeah, we found out the next day he was injured. I'm, I'm with you. I could not find where he had gotten injured whatsoever, but I'm happy that he had a chance to get on the mic and at least say something. And um, it was a good send off. I don't know what's going to happen. Also, I'm really surprised that somebody doesn't pull some storyline shit one day and goes, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. And then they beat the shit out of him until he goes, you know what? Mark Henry style. (laughs) You're not fucking. That's right. You're not fucking done until we get another death match out of you. And then, you know, they work him into one final death match collective for a lot more money and bada boom. That's how you sell it. Yeah, I, like I said, obviously, I was really looking forward to Speedball versus Parker. I thought that would have been an incredible match to show off what Drew is capable of without the deathmatch stuff. And I thought that mm-hmm. would have just expanded like everybody to know exactly who he is because how well he could have had. I think him and Speedball was going to have a great match. I I'm very much hope that, that that was not taken away from us because of this injury. And hopefully they're able to revisit that matchup sometime down the line because... That might be my number one dream match in GCW right now is Speedball versus Drew Parker. Really? Well, I got I me. Mean, I got a bunch of others with my Kingo, but that's up there with me. I I, I would say that was up there. With me. <laughs> that might not be my most one, but it, it it's up there, and it'd be hard to uh to find something that could beat it. But you know me, I got my Vikingo, my Leo rushes, and all those other. I was gonna I say, I know, I know what's kicking around in that. That head. one is. You be careful about that being number one. I I know it kicks in your head. <laughs> I know what kind of matches you have potential in there at this point. So 
I thought it was a great way though to end uh, an incredible show. I this was top three shows. Like this is one of the better ones they've done in a long time. I think just from top to bottom. And like I said, I think it was a great way to make up for the lack of ultra violence that they've had in their last few shows and to make up for it and AC the AC crowd stepped up. They made the show much, so much more enjoyable. And I know we said it many times, big shout out to them because uh, without them, I don't think I would have the same feeling during this card. If they were all sitting on their hands, even if I saw all those incredible moments, I don't think I'd have the same feeling uh, of that card as I do now. Hmm. That's a really good perspective. I'm, I'm with you on a lot of this. I still think the LA show and this show back to back was a great one, two punch. That's about the best way I could put it. It's almost four hours. Like this is outside of the GCW formula, but for every right reason, we had four title matches on this show and every single one of those title matches were absolutely solid. We ended the night with a man who is retiring from death match wrestling. Like everything here was perfect. And it, and it all fit exactly where it needed to. And I'm really happy to review this one. This is one that was an easy review. Yes, very much so. Uh, memorable memorable moments. moments. Yeah. I'll let you go okay. ahead. I could kind of put mine together. I do have a couple, but I might add a couple more. Okay. Okay. And hopefully I don't stomp on any of yours here. So Never. Never. I never <laughs> step on yours either. Yeah, we we never like the same shit ever. (laughs) All right. Okay, so some memorable moments for me. The Gringo-centered scramble showing off Gringo's main event ability. Loved it. Coughlin's debut and another awesome JCW title defense by Jordan. Beautiful. Blake solidifying his heel persona. It's working, and I love it. Vinny's debut was good. The Los Macisos SAT veteran rumble was solid and absolutely fucking satisfying. And the last one was El Hio and Zane could have been a main event most anywhere. I appreciate GCW gives Vikingo enough time to breathe in the ring because he never disappoints. Next would be Casey's debut and the battle between her and Rena being excellent title defense. Maki and her gimmick now with uh, MDK. Drew Parker's finale. Murdoch being the Reaper in this case, uh, sending someone along to their death. And then the last thing I want to say, I just want to echo it again. Fantastic overall show. Great back to back with LA. And um, God, what a great time it is to be a GCW fan. And I would say with the way audio, video, with the way presentations are, now is a fantastic time to get friends into GCW. It's just, it's inexpensive. The quality is way better multiple times over than it was even six months to a year ago. Now is the time to be like, here's what I watch. It's fucking good. Yeah. And all the other stuff you said outside the ring, in the ring, that we're getting the storylines. We're getting reasons to get emotionally invested to tune in to the next week's show, to the next week's show, to the next week's show, and see where it all finally ends up happening. And I think that's been, as you said, another incredible time to be a GCW fan and to get others on the train uh, as well. Um, Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost midnight, man. I'm feeling it. You know what? Fuck it. Uh, um, My memorable moments was Jordan's (laughs) GCW title match with uh, Coughlin. I thought it was a great, another uh, stylistic difference of matchups that Jordan will hopefully be seen uh, while defending the GC- JCW title. Um, Janela versus uh, Venny was 
way better than I ever anticipated it. Mm-hmm. I definitely wasn't happy with that match. Seeing Los Macisos and SAT kind of have a great matchup was awesome to see those two teams finally go at it. Vikingo and Alex Zane, to me, at this moment, match of the night, incredible. Crowd was incredibly into it. Vikingo did incredible stuff. Uh, Alex Zane shows off his moves and why he's now working New Japan a lot more because he's uh, getting better and better as well. And I just love seeing all the new stuff from Vikingo that we haven't seen before. Um, match of the night for me, Rena versus Casey. Incredible heart, incredible violence in these the women. That was insane. I definitely want to see that ran back again. Uh, both women definitely earned it, and Casey definitely earned a spot, hopefully, as a GCW regular, as I said before, especially with, hopefully, a deathmatch season and tournaments picking up here after the collective. And Drew Parker kind of going out. I hope it's not goodbye. Hope it's just goodbye for now with the death matches. That could be goodbye forever, and I'd still be happy. I hope we get to see Drew Parker back in a GCW ring to show off what an incredible talent he is without the ultra violence and for him to hopefully run that match back with speedball that he was supposed to have, but was taken away due to injury. And I, I even wrote this in my notes twice too. It's kind of cool seeing Rena and Drew back in the States together, back in yep. GCW felt like we've been missing two. Obviously we've been missing a champion and we've been missing one of the world's best deathmatch wrestlers. It was very nice to see that hole being filled during the AC shows and hopefully we get them to uh, show up as a duo a little bit more often than what we have over these last couple months. Yeah. I could have taken them as a tag team. Yeah. I, I think they teamed together I don't know. Just, when they, they were did. in Japan, right? They did. Against and, GCW, um, I think. Yeah. And they were enjoyable there too. Yes. But, but yeah, here, here's where it is. We're now, we're just down to watching tape on another performer that was goddamn wonderful. Yes. So try to see people live because reasons like this. And see, that's what pisses me off. I have not been able to see Drew Parker live. He was supposed to wrestle in Vegas. God. Oh, I didn't. I did, yeah. Sorry, I saw him the night before. I saw him when he got hurt. Sorry. VXS. <laughs> yeah, at least I got to see him against uh, Rez, but I was supposed to see him the next night in GCW with him and Rena. Supposed to be going against the Mega Bastards, but end up having Cole Radrick fill in for Rena or for Drew Parker and teaming up with Rena. Ah, incredible show. I I can't mm-hmm. I can't say it enough. It was awesome. It was <laughs> I don't think of we had maybe one or two bad things to say about the show, but that could that did not deter the fact that I think from top to bottom this show's action was incredible. The stories t- telling was incredible. The emotion I, I guess that I had more emotions going into the way these matches turned out than I originally thought. I thought I was just gonna sit back and enjoy a nice night of violence, not get dragged into it and like literally during the casey arena match every pinfall i was like kind of holding my head like oh she's gonna do it oh uh-huh. like that and that's as a wrestling fan what you always want when you're watching wrestling and i am glad i got to experience this uh that night yeah episode so oh good episode 50 was a good motherfucking episode yes. um since this is probably in the back of the episode for the hardcore, thanks for hanging in, everybody. We went through all kinds of shit from illnesses. My son had his teeth removed. I got into a fucking accident. I was sick for almost a month. I had to get antibiotics at week three and just finish them literally today. So when you hear me stumble, that's what happens sometimes. That's why the heel um, came out. <clears throat> that's that's probably that's... why the heel came out. It was the antibiotics. <laughs> 
That fucking amoxicillin does it every time to me. No, I actually almost feel bad. I never have anything negative to really say, but this is one of those ones where I've watched one single performer so much that I have to come to the conclusion that the dude doesn't make mistakes as much as he just isn't good enough yet to be. Anyway, you had something to say. (laughs) I forgot what I was going to say to be honest with you. No, I was just thankful for everybody who was really hanging in there and, um, yeah, it wasn't just you with all the stuff too. I had my whole family was sick for a week. I was sick, and then I had a busy week at school. Like I said earlier, that never came to fruition, so I wasted that whole time. Um, but with this being spring break, and uh, even though it's a tail end of it, we're gonna kind of get back on schedule, hopefully, and we will be playing catch up like we always do. And we just yeah, thank you very much. Those of you that even reached out, I was like, hey, we're missing some episodes. Like, when's the next one coming? I. That meant a lot. That, you guys. that was the motivation to like, all right, well, are we good now? Are you feeling good enough? I'm feeling good enough. Let's roll and do this. And uh, it, that was, it very was heartwarming to see and that people actually are looking forward to when our next episode is. It was uh, nice seeing and nice seeing the numbers still and kind of being you. consistent. Yes. Big thank you to everyone out there. Uh, especially. Yeah, 50. we have, we've done 50 we have episodes. people, we have people listening across the, across the world. Yeah, they're still coming in from all over now. Yeah, we're still getting and, the uh, listens too. Sorry, Asian people, thank you. Australian people, thank you. UK African, always steps European. up. UK always steps up. Belgium is still Belgium. Like somehow there's a listener that's just killing it in Belgium. Yeah, there's uh, Belgians. I think our third best uh, location right now on listens. I was gonna say LA is always loving us. Yeah, we fucking love LA too. We're regulars at LA now, so. I just wanted to just say it that, you know, hang in there. We have to catch these up. We know we do, but we also know that we deserve to have every single show reviewed. So I think we've only broken that rule one time. Otherwise, every single show gets reviewed and we just have a good time doing it. So for anyone out there who is listening to this now, we're expecting to record our next show on Monday. So you should see a release shortly after that. Um, I don't have a timetable. It just depends on how life, you know, rolls out for us. But um, so, yeah, expect that next one, say Tuesday, Wednesday, possibly right around Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe Thursday. We're going to be recording again as long as, you know, time permits for us. And we're just going to keep pushing until we're caught up. And then, boom, here comes the collective and 10 shows that time. So we're going to be talking again about how we're going to condense those down. (laughs) But um tonight's show this show here what are we looking at total tonight so uh, far a little close to four hours so four we're four probably hours? going to be the same time as this show was <laughs> hey we've we've we, we seem to be doing that now yeah. either equal time or longer right i yeah, i still can't great. believe to see that number 50 i did not think uh it would be going 50 episodes and it's nice to see and yeah just getting yeah, stronger really and nice stronger yeah, and everybody's been so supportive, and now talent, you know, knows what's going on. Brett knows what's going on. Um, we've got interviews that, as soon as we have ourselves to where we're comfortable with ourselves, we're going to start ripping out interviews for everyone. We still have a lot of plans, man. So oh, we're yeah. still doing our thing. Yes. We're still doing our thing. Everything is great right now, and we're just going to keep fucking going, just like GCW. Keep on right. going and going and fucking going. Alrighty. Alright. You got it in you? I got I got a perfect one. It's number fifty. Okay. It's gonna be perfect. Okay. Okay, you ready? Alright. La- Long shit. Live. Oh, that wasn't bad. Live. <laughs> G C W W W. I just gave you an echo. Fuck it. <laughs>